And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 300. <laughs> Hi, porns, fireworks. I'm not interested. I'm not entering all that uh, <laughs> sound effects into this thing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, yes, 300. Uh, is it a mammoth episode? You bet it is. Uh, is it a mammoth episode in terms of content? That's for you to decide. <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting content. It's, is, is it earth-shattering content? Is, is it, are there shocking revelations in this episode? No, but but there's good stuff. Uh, that's right. Uh, listeners of our show, come on. You guys know milestone episodes, unless we have something really crazy awesome planned, we don't make a big deal out of them in terms of, like, providing exclusive, really awesome content on these big milestone episodes. You know, like, holiday episodes, anniversary episodes, and then, like, milestone episodes like this. These are just episodes for us to shoot the shit and just talk about Green Lantern with, you know, Jim and Dan. We have uh, a segment with Jim and Dan. We have a segment with Myron and Corwin. And, uh, you know, we have a bunch of listener feedback to get to. We, we did have some other plans, but things sort of kind of uh, evolved on us as we record this. Mark, you want to tell them about that? Well, they basically evolved in the sense that, I, well, well, at the moment, we don't entirely know how long this episode's going to be, but we're going to guess this is probably going to be like a five-hour episode <laughs> based on the segment that we did. for even The segment we did with Corwin and Myron was relatively uh, not unruly from a time perspective. I think it was probably like about an hour and a half. But with Jim and Dan, we kind of, which makes sense because we, the four of us, don't get to record or even talk very often. That that's kind of got knocking on the door three hours. So then we got to, so we we still have to do, which is the benefit by luck of the draw of us not doing the intro first, or else we kind of would have really been locked in maybe to have like a seven, six to seven hour episode. But we were going to deal, we were going to do an issue review. We were going to do uh, the the bat the Bat, what the, the Batman Metal, we were going to do the Dawnbreaker, the Green Lantern one-shot thing tie-in. And we were going to do that. That was originally going to be the first segment, but we ran so, – so when you hear that later on when we reference it, I believe, in the Corwin-Myron segment, that's the reason why we talked about it because that was our original plan. But we figured at this point, from a time constraint, from record, recording and editing, that – and the fact that it's also a – kind of slipped both our minds – that there is an actual issue, regular issue of Hal and the core, which ties into Batman Metal. Uh, we're going to do that one shot and the Hal and the core issue together. So that kind of got bumped. So basically, we're going to be doing some listener feedback. We're going to be doing general thoughts, like about where we've, how we've got to this point in this segment, and then we'll do at the end. We're going to do wrap up with. Listener feedback that we didn't do because we bring everybody in to do some listener feedback. And we're going to talk Thor uh, Ragnarok a little bit, not too long. And that's probably going to be it for this episode, in which you'll probably thank us for once you get, like, about three and a half hours, four hours in. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'll, I'll mention it again at the end of the episode because, like Mark said, it will be long. Um, we want to let episode 300 stand on its own and, and, and do its own thing. It's, it is going to be a longer episode. Um, but that, that shouldn't mean any sort of delay in posting, uh, afterwards. Um, so just in case, you know, you're 
you don't make it through all the way or whatever, I want to let you guys know in advance what next episode will be. Uh, Mark will be on vacation, yes. right, Mark? All right, Mark will be on vacation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop an episode that's already been recorded, and it's been recorded for what, Mark? Like two weeks uh, now? Probably longer than that, but it might be close. But it's 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 been a while since I think we may have done that before. We did that before 299. Uh, I think that's true. true. Probably, um, yeah, and we recorded 299 at least two over two weeks ago, I think. So not to overshadow 300. But next episode of the Lantern Cast that you will hear after 300 release, releases. So if you happen to be listening to this when it drops next week, uh, next week's episode is Green Lantern, uh, or Lantern Cast presents Green Lantern Green Arrow number 14, which we review Green Lantern Green Arrow number 85 and 86, also known as Snowbirds Don't Fly, also known as the two issue. Story arc where Speedy shoots up heroin, and it's the the big drug issues. And uh, not only uh, did I uh, cover that uh, pretty thoroughly, but I also had Mark on for that episode for his first time on Lantern Cast presents Green Lantern Green Arrow. Uh, Thanks for having me. <laughs> and uh, and we had Ryan Daly on as well. So uh, I will mention it again at the end of that episode, uh, end of this episode, so you know what's coming next. But just in case for whatever reason. You don't make it through this marathon episode before the next episode drops. At least you know what's coming next. So you know whether or not you want to start listening to that immediately or finish 300 first or whatever it is you want to do. <clears throat> but 300 is our time to celebrate the show and kind of self-indulge a little bit. You know, just be like, hey, we did this and this is fun and we made it this far and let's keep going. So we did that. Um First up, you're going to hear from, I mean, Mark and I are in every segment, so good. if you're trying to avoid us, good luck. <laughs> uh, but the first segment will be Myron and Corwin, and then the next segment will be Jim and Dan, and then Mark and I will return to wrap up with some of the uh, other listener feedback. Oh, and if you are tuning in to listen to the contest results of who we thought sent in the best feedback, that's not in this episode. Um <clears throat> Just because of three oh one, we can probably. do it. We could do it for three oh one, but I'll, just just in case anything happens for any reason, you will hear for sure an announcement of the winner by at least episode three oh five. Well, three oh five, come on, three oh five could be in twenty eighteen. <laughs> it's probably going to be in twenty eighteen at this rate. I, I'm I'm only estimating conservatively. I'm 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 <laughs> overestimating. Don't don't get us wrong, guys. We're not pushing that deadline, but because of it's the holiday season, we have no holiday season. I, I have no idea what's going on. Sure, it's very likely we could announce the winner in three hundred one. I would I would imagine it's like an eighty percent likelihood, but at the very least, just to give us a deadline, should anything happen, you'll hear for sure who the winner is by three hundred five. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm just giving him a deadline because I know, in, in the past you're playing con- it safe. It's better to be safe than sorry. Exactly. In the past, contests have not been a good thing on this show. So I'm just letting everybody know there is we're putting a deadline on ourselves. <clears throat> so without further ado, but plenty of a plum, should we just walk right into it? <laughs> sure. All right, guys. Enjoy 300. We'll talk to you on the other side. 
All right, how do we how do we want to start this? We don't have an intro since we're just doing segments. So we essentially have started, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> and that is the intro to that this segment, right. That's guys. The intro. <laughs> well, welcome to the next segment of episode three hundred. We've got Myron from uh, the blog slash podcast of Oa, and we've got Corwin from EMX, the Deadpool thing, and how many things do you have right now? <laughs> Three EMP Merc with the podcast and EMX. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you have like a billion. I have three. Chad, three. <laughs> oh, it, it's man. okay. There's no rags involved, so he doesn't care. Ooh, can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you edit all that stuff out of that episode? Cause I, no. Because I, I, I thought I, th- I started listening to it and I thought I missed the part where, well, the, the, the first inappropriate comment of the episode. I thought I missed it. Maybe I didn't go far enough. Uh, Corwin, have you listened to 299 yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I get the feeling I should now. It's, well, you know, we we make comments and then. Try and retract ourselves later in case we offended anybody, but I'm pretty sure I offended somebody. Yeah, you're, I mean, uh, there's no, I mean, there's no doubt your, mine was in, mine was inappropriate, but I think your, but yours was a little, yours was certainly more inappropriate. <laughs> we're kind of slap happy right now, guys. <laughs> we all float down here. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but luckily, but luckily that Harvey Weinstein thing all came out, so, so we didn't, so our stuff didn't really matter nearly as much. Cool. You were eclipsed. That's right, we were eclipsed, and you know, Chad didn't make me look at him trying on a robe or anything, so I didn't have to press it. So. <laughs> the gif. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, welcome to the show, guys. 300, you know, hey, you're the first ones we're having on for, for uh, so far for uh, episode 300, so... Feel special. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, congratulations because it is a milestone. I know you guys don't make a big thing out of it, but 300 episodes is a lot of content, and I know how much work it takes. So, so great job on that, and and I'm honored that you, you asked me to be a part of it. So this is cool. We're glad to oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, coming on. We really appreciate it, man. What he said times four. <laughs> times four. When did you start listening, Corwin? About the, is it, at the same time it began, essentially. Like you've been listening as long as either me or Mark have, right? Um, actually, before it began, when um, when uh, Dan and uh, Jim were talking about doing the podcast, I was. They almost became part of the whole comic addiction network. You know, we were trying to get them to do like the Lantern Addiction or something to be part of that network, but they decided to. You know, spin off on their own, which was cool. So I was actually, yeah, I've been around before the podcast began. Wow. Huh. That, 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 that beats everybody. I was listening to it before it was even on the air. <laughs> Corwin wins. We've Corwin. now officially figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So uh, earlier on in the episode, Mark and I talked about uh, the DC Metal event as a whole, kind of, but hyper-focused on the Dawnbreaker issue. Did you guys read that particular issue? And if so, did you enjoy it? Did you, have you been reading DC Metal? What are your thoughts on that? Go ahead, Carwin. I am enjoying it thoroughly. I didn't expect it to be like a crisis-level event, which they're kind of sneaking it in as. But um, 
Uh, yeah, I am definitely digging, and I just caught up with the last books that came out today. But wow, Dawnbreaker—they kind of—they broke some rules, and it's just you got to remember it's a different universe for this. But um, I'm interested in seeing how how much further they can develop this. It's, it's looking to be very interesting. It's one of those concepts, honestly, that I and I kind of mentioned this in the first segment, but it's one of those concepts, honestly, that like. If you were to explain it to somebody not in the right mind to accept it, like a non-comic fan or something, they'd go, oh, "I guess that makes sense, but that's kind of stupid." Like, you know, when you say it's a dark multiverse where everything that could have gone wrong did, it's the underbelly of the multiverse. It's kind of cool, but then, you know, someone like me who like, you know, is actually into the concept of like physics and stuff is like comparing it to like dark matter <laughs> and stuff. So I just go off a deep end. So it, no matter the simplistic explanation or like a try to science your way out of it sort of explanation, it sounds kind of ridiculous. And that's probably why I wasn't super hyped for it before it came out. But now that I've read a lot of it, I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> this is kind of fun, which is really odd because I normally don't like like the darkening of characters and concepts. But we've we've seen the lantern rings break before. I mean, that's nothing new for him to for it to malfunction like that. But yeah, this whole darkness that he's drawing off of. I hope we get a better explanation of what it is and where it comes from. Yeah, there's definitely some information missing. I mean, I've been reading metal and really enjoying it. And I, you know, I've got to echo your comments about how it's hard to explain it to somebody or how you wrap your head around it. If these are supposed to be the dark realities that aren't supposed to exist, why aren't they supposed to exist? Um, to me, that was the hardest part to wrap myself around. But the the Dawnbreaker thing, I, I thought it was written well overall. I think, you know, we're talking about Sam Humphreys, so following continuity in the in the roles is not really his thing to begin with. But uh, you know, like Corwin said, you know, we've seen lantern rings break before, so it's not too unusual. But there are some things that are a little bit of a stretch. But again, if you think about the fact that this is an alternate reality, I guess anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did did you, <clears throat> Myron? Since you're, you know, you're pretty much as involved in it, you, not pretty much. You are. You're as involved in all of this, uh, all the social media hype and stuff. Did a lot of your listeners and readers of your posts and feedback and stuff, did they respond positively to uh, Dawnbreaker? I think so. I think more so than the average comic fan. Like I think by and large, people have said, well, they think Dawnbreaker is one of the weaker one shots. But I think most Green Lantern fans think it's one of the stronger one-shots, and I, I think that's probably because it's tied into the Green Lantern mythology. Um, but I, I've read all of them so far. I haven't read today's books yet, so I haven't read the Merciless book. Um, excuse me, not the Merciless, but the Devastator book. I haven't read that one yet, but I've enjoying, enjoying it thoroughly, and I, I really like the fact that this was a, a version of Bruce that gets the power ring. I guess it was really nice and convenient that Abin Sur died at the same time as Bruce Wayne's parents, but... Well, we know yeah, Sora has impeccable timing when it comes to dying. <laughs> <laughs> right place, the only right thing time, you can count right death. The only thing you can count on is that he will die. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The only thing you can count on is the death of Aberdeen Sur in Texas. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I'll actually, my, my New Year's resolution slash maybe I'll start it now just so it coincides well with the Lantern Guy stuff. <clears throat> my, um... Slash New Year's resolution, maybe starting now, is to read finally every major appearance of Green Lantern from his creation in the Golden Age to today. Because because I have them, you know, I have I have them at least digitally. 
Uh, plus, I've got my long boxes, and I've got a lot of stuff that have been like, oh, I d- that's missing from my collection. And I just like check it off and then slip it in the box because I'm waiting to read it in a chronological sense. So <laughs> it's been a pain in the butt, but I, I, I really do... Um, I forgot what I was saying this. <laughs> there was a time. What were you saying, Myron? You want to read all the answered Green Lantern You're going to read them all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna read them all because uh, you you know we mentioned Abin Sir dying. We make that joke all the time <laughs> about like he just, he just will die. Like it, how many times has Abin died in, in 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 since his creation? Like. There's so many things we make running jokes on. Like, I'm actually going to start keeping a tally as I read. You know, how many how many times did Carol go batshit crazy on Hal in the Silver Age? How many, you know, I'll, I'll keep a track of, like, the stupid things the ring does in the Silver Age. That, like, we can come back later and be like, does it still do that anymore? And plus, then I'll be able to say I've read every single major appearance of Green Lantern. Because... It actually brings me to an interesting question that I wanted to ask you guys. I was thinking about this on my way home, just kind of thinking about, like, the best questions to kind of kick off a good conversation. And I can't think of my favorite, maybe not my favorite, but the Green Lantern issue I would have hand somebody. I can tell you right off the bat that, like, Oh, read this story arc or read this story arc. But like, there's always like these penultimate issues that taken by themselves, you can hand a non-comic fan and be like, Oh, if you really want to get into it, if you want to understand the mythos and, you know, kind of get hooked on the story and maybe get introduced to the characters a little bit, you need to read this one issue. Like for Ragman fans, it's super easy because it's, there was a one shot in 2010, which kind of explains everything and gives you a good story. But I was thinking about it. Green Lantern lore has been around, like, so long. There's got to be a single issue, right? But for some reason, I couldn't think of one. So if you were to hand a Green Lantern fan, a mild fan, or somebody who's not even familiar with comics at all, and want to give them an introduction issue, and not a trade, what would it be? (laughs) Oh, I love that collateral damage, damn it. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I got nothing then. That's really hard. I know. See, that's what I was thinking because they're like, there are penultimate issues, single issues of characters like Batman and Superman I can think of. But I'm for some reason, I can't think of a single one issue good encapsulation for Green Lantern that I'd hand somebody. It's always like story arcs. Like, Everybody knows how much I love that Power of Ion story from Kyle Rayner's run. You know, there's a lot of characters in there other than just Kyle. Somebody may talk about, like, the Sinestro Corps War, but then that's even more people. And you would that's a story arc. Would you really give that to a newbie? I mean, yeah, it's artistically cool, and we all love it, but, like, really? <laughs> would you hand that to a newbie? And if so, and you're taking one issue out of that, would you really hand someone Green Lantern 25? Like... I will pick the Green Lantern Corps Recharge first issue, number one. Okay. Any particular reason? Because that's where you get introduced to pretty much everybody. Most of the Earth Lanterns, it's the, you see the recruitments going on. I think it's, that's Ceranic's first issue. 
that might not be her first issue, but I know she becomes a lantern in that issue as well. I, I think that's just a good intro to the whole mythos. Respectable choice. I, I, I don't disagree with it. Recharge is one of the more fondly remembered ones from that era. I think if I was giving it to a newbie, I'd probably go with this, the first issue of Jeff John's Secret Origin arc. Um, just because it's a, it's a very basic intro th- to some of the characters, and it introduces things kind of slowly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I might... It's hard for one issue. Maybe I was thinking maybe yeah. maybe I was thinking maybe Green Lantern Rebirth six maybe kind of sort of when the whole when that's when all that because that finishes because that's when that's when everybody defeats Parallax. So I think kind of, and is that is that is that's the issue when when Hal belts Batman or is that right? Was that six? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think that might be the one. Not just for that. That, that that's like icing <laughs> on the cake, but that's not necessarily. The <laughs> Yeah, I don't have an answer. Uh, so, like, I, I I know it's kind of a cheat. Like, I, I asked the question and then you guys answer. But, like, I literally, I couldn't think of one. Uh, and that's that just gave me yet another incentive to try and, you know, over the next year or so, read all major appearances of Green Lantern. And by that, I don't mean, like, every single issue that he was, like, on the cover of. But, like, all the, obviously, Green Lantern titled stuff. And as much of the original JSA and JLA stuff as I can, too. Um, for the for the parts that he was pretty major in, obviously, I'm not. I'm going to skip runs and and skip around a bit when it comes to those big team books. But at the very least, all Green Lantern titled books. So be prepared to record, Corwin, because Chad's not going to be available very much in 2018. <laughs> no, I just figured. I just figured uh, the Lantern Cast will be 10 years old next year. Jeez. Like, yeah, 10 years old in November. And like, while Mark and I haven't been doing it that long, the show's been on that long. Mark and I will be doing it together for five years at that point. Like, as much as we know and love. Green Lantern, I just figure that's so long to be doing this show. Like, I figure, like, I feel like I should have at least read them all. <laughs> Maybe not have an encyclopedic knowledge of what happens in every issue, but have at least been able to say, I have read them all. Do we, do we, quali- we, would... do we qualify for our pension once we hit the, the <laughs> I, sure, I sure as hell hope so. Because we, uh, we should be getting combat pay for like the last year or so. <laughs> For threshold alone. For threshold alone. Jim, by the way, Jim said Jim said he just listened to that episode, our wrap up of thresholds. He'd been binging to catch up, and for some reason, not not shockingly, not and not inappropriately, that episode would kind of like forgotten. So he went back and he finally listened to us wrap up threshold. Yeah, I think that's still sitting on my iPod and the. Uh... Ooh, what's the other episode again? Um. It'll come to me. Keep going. Something equally as bad, obviously. <laughs> Something else. I think it may be one of the commentaries that I just didn't get a chance to actually pop the video in and watch it at the same time. Maybe the movie commentary, I think, or the dark. Is it the Emerald Knights? One of those two. Could be Emerald Knights. Yeah, we. Mark and I did Emerald Knights, uh, and we did the the movie, obviously. And Captain Civil War. 
Yeah, and we yeah we did Civil War. Just because. get a commentary for Civil War. Yeah. 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 That was our first That's non good, our first non Green Lantern commentary, paving the way for you and I when we did c- c- Covenant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just makes sense, quite honestly. Like the show has been on so long, it's just like as much as we do love Green Lantern, it just makes sense, like. Obviously, we're not going to just, you know, do a right turn off a dirt road and just, like, do, like, a string of month, two months of nothing Green Lantern related. But every now and then, it's just like, all right, can we just do something we really want to talk about that has nothing to do with Green Lantern? Cleanse the palate. Cleanse the palate. Yeah. (laughs) This month, the Hobgoblin cast. (laughs) Because... It's it's funny though because one of the things Mark uh, uh, not not uh, not Mark uh, Jim told us when we took over the show in uh, episode one sixty nine when that was announced and by the way I just if we were to list like most hated episodes and most favorite episodes one of my most hated episodes would be one sixty nine because the way the recording was was so horrible there was nothing James could do to fix it so it's a chore to listen to that episode. But regardless, one of the things that Jim said that you can hear clearly (laughs) is like he gives us some sort of advice where he talks about like, you know, make sure to insert a lot of yourself into the show because people listen because they like you or they 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 like your your ideas on things, not just because they solely want to hear a Green Lantern show, because anybody can record a review show. Mm-hmm. But if they want to keep tuning in, and I, I swear to God, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but if they if they keep tuning in, it's because of content and reasons other than just the strict reviews. So try to insert as much as yourself in there as possible, which I, I think it's great advice, especially when it comes it, – and it's the reason we do things like the Civil War commentary or we talk about like Ragman. Like I talked about Ragman number one in a portion of 299. Because I'm not just a Green Lantern fan. I've got a ton of other things I'm interested and passionate about. So does Mark. So I would love to be able to do more of those going forward. If we were kicking around an idea, remember, Mark, the first issues? Like, you yeah. read the first comic I read, and I read the first comic you read, and then we review it on the show? Yeah, that's still an idea that we keep throwing around. <clears throat> yeah. So stuff like that, you know. It'd be yeah, fun. That'd be fun. We do have some feedback though from customers that like from customers. <laughs> I've been working we twelve hours now after three hundred, so it's appropriate. <laughs> did they fill out the customer survey on the receipt? Is that what they did? Or? Oh God! And <laughs> we do have some uh, feedback from from listeners uh, that were asking. We we told everybody ask us anything. And uh, and they sent us in some stuff, and uh, Mark and I figured it'd be too boring if we just took all of that and uh, did one segment of him and I responding to all of it in one chunk. So we want to kind of intersperse it with you guys so we can get more feedback from uh, – more answers from more than just us. Yeah, that was fun. So, uh, Mark, which one, which one did you want to do first, man? Let's do – let's do Ryan Stapps. All right. Um, Yeah, Ryan. Um, Ryan sent us an email, and he said uh, there have been a number of different takes on the origins of Green Earth's Green Lantern, be it the original story, 
Emerald Dawn, or different Elseworlds stories. Which of these would you say is most definitive? I know the Elseworlds couldn't, wouldn't count towards the most definitive question, and which is your personal favorite? Well, let's how start many, with you guys. How many origins? So, Emerald Dawn, you got Secret Origin, you've got, of course, the intro issues of, you know, when Hal first appeared and all that stuff. We're talking Hal, or are we talking the core in general? I think he means, I think Ooh. he's talking Hal. I think he's, Hal. Well, he does say the origins of, yeah, he's Earth's Green Lantern, so I guess theoretically, unless you're going to throw in maybe Alan Scott, I think it's got to be between, it's, it's Hal if it's not Hal and or Alan. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's hard to tell because, again, there's so many issues that have been out. Like, is it – I'm trying to think of what the origins we've read that were origins. Origins just being retold versus origins being retconned. Because there's been times when, like, you open an issue and it recaps the origin, and just especially a lot in the Silver Age. But, like, how many times have those just been straight retellings to catch people up? And how many times has it been a straight retcon? I mean, honestly, it's kind of the last one in my mind, but that Secret Origins was, I mean, some some great stuff that Jeff Johns did. And, of course, yes, it did retcon in, you know, Atrocitus and a bunch of other stuff into it. But, uh, I mean, that Ivan Rice, just so, some gorgeous and great stuff. Hmm. Yeah, that that's probably the one I would go with, too. I, I will be honest, though. I've read a lot of the origins, and as much as I liked Secret Origin initially, I still I, I do give it some crap, like you said, about the whole Atrocitus thing. I'm I'm not sold anymore on the inclusion of Atrocitus in that story arc. Well, and, but and I Black Hand and the prophecy and all this stuff. So it's not it's all it, yeah. It, it was it, I mean it, it was very heavy handed to start paving the way for what was coming down the road. So. Personally. But there was a lot of good like Hal Sinestro stuff too. So yeah, I know that's true too. But see, I I know it's I know this is kind of like talk about some talk about stuff that you know you're kind of stuck with now and people have accepted and every you you have no choice but to go with the oh, Hal and Sinestro were kind of like teacher student and kind of buddy kind of buddies but you know not super close but you know good cop bad cop older cop yeah, all that stuff. But I never. I don't really. I still don't really like that part of it. I really don't. So I, I in general, not, and because we saw it in Emerald, and you know, they kind of were paving the way for that, like an Emerald Dawn and Emerald Dawn two, 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 two. Uh, I think look, I personally would probably stick with the cla- with the classic original telling of, of the of the origin, which didn't have much to do with either Sinestro or Black Hand or Atrocitus or anything like that. Just the Appen Sir Death Number One. <laughs> <laughs> the first time's the best. It's Appen Sir. The, the first death wins the winner. That that makes sense too because like it, it makes it more happenstance because if it happens in connection with a larger prophecy, I mean, first of all, the word including the word prophecy it just means that it's part of a, a larger destiny. But if it also happens, like you know. Abin is fighting ex Green Lantern villain, and so and so knocks him down to earth, and you know this happens. It just makes Hal's origin more of a big picture thing as opposed to 
a lantern just so happened to be wounded, <laughs> well, landed I, on a random planet, and this random guy got a got a ring. I, I think it's still random. I mean, the Blackest Night prophecy just had to deal with with Abin dying and Sinestro. Well, was it Sinestro? I'm trying to remember everything. And uh, what's his name? Sodom yet? Yeah. That's all it really had to deal with. They didn't really. Big up Cal in any kind of way, making it like the chosen one, he's coming, or anything like that. No, but they used that as the springboard for Atrocis feeding him this crap. Well, it wasn't really crap as it turned out, but but, <laughs> but, but, but feeding him, again, magic word for the episode, crap. <laughs> that, that basically helped. That, that was yet yeah, well, another reason why Ebonsor ended up like not having faith in his ring and letting fear creep in and all this other stuff. So, I mean, it's so. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was an entertaining read, and, and like you and like you said, Corwin, the art was really good in it. I just think it was just it's there were so many things changed in that from your classic Hal origin that I don't. I, yeah, I, I'm probably a little biased since they they put Sinestro in a better light. They yeah, gave him some reason behind everything that happened to him. I, I think Secret Origin is is kind of interesting because of how it puts those pieces together. But there's something to say about the purity of Showcase 22, and and just how it it opens your, the world up you know very organically it isn't this you know you're being introduced to all these aliens all at once i i just think there's something to be said for that simplicity yeah yeah that makes sense he also said which is you know uh which would these say is most definitive which is your personal favorite as far as a favorite it's hard to nail down my go-to is probably Secret Origin, but I, it's hard because I do have problems with it. But when you say most favorite, it also makes me think of least favorite. I can't – I don't remember what the story arc was, or maybe it was just – I don't know if it was once or more than once. But for a while, a good long while actually, more than a lot of Lantern fans remember, a good long while, Hal's dad was an asshole. Like he was like he, – he, he was a drunk, wasn't he? For a while, they they even insinuated that he abused Hal, right? That's before my time, unfortunately. Johns was kind of my first yeah, your introduction. foray into the Lantern. Just, yeah. I, I believe it was like in the, I want to say 80s, somewhere in the 80s. Yeah, I, gosh, I can't recall. Yeah, but there was, maybe I'm going too far with it, with the, 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 the drunken abusive father, but... Hal's dad was a real hard ass, a real unlikable guy for a, for a portion of some of Hal's origin, and I'm pretty sure it was in the 80s. But listeners obviously will correct us if we're wrong. But like that, I just I don't like that. I do like the sometimes that that aspect of a, a heroic origin in terms of their parentage and the way they were raised. Sometimes that kind of lends something to that origin and makes it better. But in that case, I was just like, I didn't see the points. I didn't like it. I, I didn't like the idea of Hal's dad being this jerk. I just, I've, Hal's story is like, is not one born of tragedy, really. Now, yes, his father died in the plane crash and everything, but it's one thing if his dad dies in a plane crash and his dad's an ass. <laughs> And it's another if his dad dies in a plane crash and he's a he's a he's a like driving force in his son's life, and he's somebody that Hal looks up to and admires. Like there's this, 
you know, I, I, I want to live up to be the man my dad thought I could be kind of aspect to that. Whereas if he dies and he's an ass, who gives a shit? You know, <laughs> the, 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 the guy's the guy's gone. <laughs> As opposed to going, he's dead. Could you check again to make sure? <laughs> like, yeah. like a second opinion. There's 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 a lot of how's outside of how Hal's dad dies. There's not a ton of tragedy in Hal's origin. There is in Superman's with, you know, the death of Krypton and depending on where you are, you know, Jonathan Kent having a heart attack and, and all this stuff. There's a lot in Batman's, you know, there's a, a, there's a lot of tragic elements to all of these heroes in, in the DCU. But how's one of those brighter lights? It's just like he had a good father and he had a good mother. And I kind of like that about him. He doesn't have the best relationship with his brothers, of course, but. One could blame that on the fact that he's always in space. <laughs> but I won't go on a rant, I promise. <laughs> I, I promise he will break at some point during the other segments of the show. I'm, I'm quite positive. Uh, talking about the origin, I mean, changes into the origin. I mean, in a way, you have to also look at, remember, well, how the whole entering or letting the element come in about how, you know, basically how... Hal was chosen because he was so worthy until they changed it to, well, he wasn't really more worthy than Guy. He just was like half a mile closer. Yeah, <laughs> I hated changing that. It too. That's kind of a change to the... Yeah. There's, there's, there's some aspects of that too in the final issue of the Action Comics Weekly series where like Hal is wounded and then a bunch of people are put in front of him to, he, so he can choose the next bearer. One of them is Clark. <laughs> One of them, I think, is Dead Man. No, that yeah, I think it. I think it was Dead Man. Uh, so, uh, who was possessing somebody else at the time? So there, there, that kind of screwed some things up too. I just can't remember off the top of my head exactly how, but it, there was a lot of like weird, like wait, what <laughs> in that particular issue? But and he he meant he mentioned Elseworlds. I don't know if I care as much about the Green Lantern Elseworlds, and I don't mean in terms of a story, but like if we're just dissecting the origin part of it out of the Elseworlds stories, I don't know if any of them really grab me that much. Um, nothing seems to pop into my head that's being memorable. No, no, not really. No, I mean, so, they're, they're good stories. They're fun. The, the, uh, you know, but it's just like if you're taking out the origin specifically, it's yeah, okay. You were just saying something for I was trying to think about that Superman one, but oh, where Superman gets sent to Earth from Krypton. I mean, from Krypton, uh, from from Krypton, from Earth to Krypton. To, oh. Or was it to O or something? I don't remember. I think I listened to an episode that you guys recorded on it, but oh, I read that oh, that was a super ones. that was a Superman issue where Superman was trapped in some sort of like loop. It wasn't in true Elseworlds. There oh, was okay. a there there was a a two issue prestige format uh, Elseworlds where it was Superman as Green Lantern. That was officially in Elseworlds. Okay. Yeah. I think the only Elseworlds I liked with Green Lantern and it was that Superman Adventures of Superman book where um, Hal becomes the gravedigger and is burying all the bodies in Coast City. 
It was Adventures of Superman Annual. Yeah, I remember that vaguely. Uh, it was like a 1994 time frame. Right, 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 right. That sounds depressing. <laughs> it, it was interesting because it, it comes out you know, right around the same time as Emerald Twilight, and it deals with the same situation of where Coast City's destroyed, and, and Hal's reaction to it is completely opposite from Emerald Twilight. It's it's he's he's taken on the responsibility of this is a city I failed to save, so I have to you know my my penance is essentially to bury the dead bodies and give them the respect that they deserve, kind of thing. Huh. And then eventually he's drafted back and he puts a ring on and joins the I think they call themselves the Super Seven at that point. Oh, it, is a, it was an adventures book, so it, it couldn't go too dark, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was in like Adventures of Superman Annual. Yeah, I'm going to have to reread that. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Huh. It, was a, it was Adventures of Superman Annual number six. Number six. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. Um, 1994. Speaking of Elseworlds, is everybody looking forward to Earth One? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been stoked for it. Uh, I guess I can say now, uh, I'm not going to say who, <laughs> just in case, but I was told about Earth One a while back, and at the time, the creative team that was assigned to it was kicking around the idea of it being someone other than a human lantern, at the very least, someone other than Hal. They really wanted to do an alien lantern. Huh. Yeah, they really wanted to do it. Like, they were pushing hard for it. Which, even when they told me about it, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen for you. <laughs> but, but they were really pushing hard for an alien lantern, and if they couldn't get that, hopefully Kyle. So it's really interesting that we got, the, the end result is this Hal story that we're getting. And it's, I, I hate to say it, especially considering... Certain people on this podcast love this franchise, but this might be the thing that gets me to watch Alien. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. To get you to watch what? Alien. Like the first one? Just, you know, maybe first few of them. You've never seen the first Alien movie? I've never seen any of the Alien movies. Oh, my word. I just Mark, had no, in- I just had no interest with him? in Mark. We don't talk much these days, Corwin. <laughs> We're, we're, in, we're in counseling. <laughs> just the first two. That's all you need to see. Just watch the first. Yeah, yeah. After, after the second one, you don't need it. You're done. <laughs> well, yeah, because everybody's saying, like, every, all the bit of art, everything they're hearing about the solicit sounds like they took these two concepts and merged them together. And it sounds like from interviews that obviously the creators can't say too much, but it sounds like the creators are agreeing with that. I mean, the only thing that I'm really iffy about is just the whole fact that I guess, is it all these earth one books now are just completely on their own. They don't really reference any other heroes or anything like that. I feel like they reference other heroes. Okay. Cause I've only read the Batman, the first Batman one. I don't, and maybe the first Superman. I haven't really read them at all, but I was under the impression they were pretty standalone with their own set universe separate from each other. 
Yeah, I haven't bought one in a while, but I do have the first two Superman ones and the first two Batman ones. I know they came out with a Wonder Woman one recently. I know they had a Titans one. Oh, that Wonder I, Woman with Grant Morrison and um, who's the artist again? Was it Adam Hughes? No, who was the artist? I think it was a pretty big artist on that too. I gotta, I gotta get to check out that Wonder Woman. Yeah, I just I, I I did like the I did like the Batman ones a bit, not 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 as much as I'd like the Superman ones. Jeff Johns had like an interesting idea for his. I I think he I think Jeff had the idea and told his artist. It's I guess it's possible the artist decided to do it on their own, um, but like uh, for to, to show Batman's eyes underneath the cow mm-hmm. in the comic, like you just you saw his eyes dead on. I thought that was interesting. I, I like the idea that like one of the first times you see Batman in the Earth One, one uh, comic, he shoots a grappling hook. And it, like, gets all caught up and doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So he just, like, falls down. <laughs> but it's, like, the idea of Batman, like, on his first night making mistakes. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that straight out of the year one stuff, too? Or at least the cartoon, I think I remember seeing. Uh, yes, there, there's some of that in year one, but this is more on the nose. Yeah. Mark, what was that up? No, go ahead, Meyer. I was just going to say, I think it's interesting that when you look at the creative teams in the Earth One books, this is kind of the, maybe the one most unusual team ups um, because they kind of come out of nowhere. I don't think they've done any work for DC before, so it's interesting that they're you know you've got Aquaman's going to do for, be done by Francis Manipool, and you got Grant Morrison on Wonder Woman and Jeff Lemire on Titans, Jeff Johns on Batman. Straczynski and Shane Davis on Superman, and then you've got these two people who, and I'm not trying to besmirch them in any way, but it's interesting that they're going with kind of a lesser-known uh, creative team. I've always liked the concept of the Earth One. Oh yeah, stuff. because it, it, maybe not the execution, but just the idea, like yep. take these characters and concepts, don't change them drastically, but you're not beholden to the continuity. Do do something new. Something fresh, something in your own world, and have fun with it. Well, they, they tried to modernize it. I mean, it's just kind of for the the everyday audience. Yeah, I, I guess part of it was the modernization, but it's just like it feels like a less complicated task. Uh, the way it's set up and pitched, as opposed to something like the Tangent Universe, where like only the names essentially <laughs> remain the same. You know, just play play with all these concepts and do whatever you want with them. As a this is like, you know, <laughs> Superman is still Clark Kent. He's still from Krypton. He's still you know over here. The building blocks are here. Everything else is tossed out. They've obviously chosen to go to like let's modernize it and make it all hip and cool and blah blah blah. But like I like the the pitch, the initial pitch of what Earth One was supposed to be. Uh, if, if that's still the pitch, you know, maybe eventually we'll finally get a story that's just like, whoa, like that's just batshit insane. Uh, and hopefully this Green Lantern story is something that we walk away going like, wow, that is like a really cool new take. I feel though, like this is the most drastic departure from, from an Earth One character's origins in terms of the right... The Earth One origin versus the regular DCU origin. Well, I like the fact that they're trying to make him an astronaut. That kind of really ties more into the whole theme of it all. Yeah. 
But he's also supposed to be a scientist, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, so, oh. So, so, it, so it's literally rocket science. Rocket science. <laughs> and, and, and supposedly uh, the core is gone, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And the ring doesn't choose you. It's just, you know, something you can find and put on. Yep. Yeah. So, like, that's, I feel like that's the most drastic origin uh, change from the regular DCU to the Earth Ones. Uh oh! It'll be Hal Jordan, the torchbearer. There'll be people. They'll, they'll, they'll be speaking to torches. There'll be people with them in pitchforks. <laughs> and we know who you know who you are, people. <laughs> Mark, what was the other feedback you wanted to go over? Actually, I want to switch. I want to change that if you don't. If you don't mind. <laughs> no, that's fine. Let's do the Doctor DC podcast one, which actually will open the door for you for you to do a plug, <laughs> but not a. Because I think, for considering who we have on, I think the, the uh, two parts of this are kind of more are interesting. So let's do the first. Let me read the first part, and then we'll do the the second part's more straightforward. Yeah. Um, mythologically speaking, what did you think of Guy Gardner wielding green and red in tandem? What do you think it represents emotionally? And what characters do you think could reasonably wield dual colors? And what colors would they blend? And he, he just mentioned that obviously Kyle had all seven, but so there's a couple there. So what do you think? Of, so again, what we th- what we think a guy when he had both rings and what that really represented, uh, at least emotionally or what, you know how it worked, I guess too. You could look at it. And then what other characters do you think are capable of wielding more, two two colors at the same time, and which colors would they be? Hmm. Uh. I'll go first if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm thinking. Uh, I think the green and the red for Guy made sense because obviously we know he did have a lot of rage inside him, but I think having the green made more sense of him being able to control the red. It was always shakier that he was able to, you know, during the intelligent red stage, (laughs) that just having a red lantern ring alone, it kind of made it shaky that he would be able to be in control of everything even without the whole going into the, you know, bathing and everything else See, cool. that, that makes sense, and I kind of almost had the same thing in mind with Hal when it comes to the yellow ring as well. That's true. S- since one of Sinestro's main thing was, you know, really understanding will helps you control fear. Right. I think... See, it, it's kind of stretching it because I think... Well, I think I think Sting Walker could use green and blue. He's not really obviously a Green Lantern Corps member, but it just says what characters do you think could. So I think St. Walker could wield green, and I think he could wield, wield blue. And obviously we know how well they would work together in tandem, so that would be a, nat- that would be a natural. That's really a natural to have a green and a blue in one person because there's so much that could be accomplished. It's funny you mention that, green and blue, because one of the first things I thought of is Kilowog. Uh, Kilowog, and it's hard for me to narrow it down. It's either green and blue or green and indigo. Because as much as, like, Kilowog is always portrayed as this, um, you know, this gruff drill sergeant kind of guy, no nonsense, he has a ton of heart. Like, he is he is one of the most passionate – it's an odd word to use since the colors I'm talking about. He's one of the most passionate hearts in the Green Lantern Corps. He, he cares about the core and the people in it so much. And a lot of people, they don't forget, but 
it kind of escapes their mind what you know i remember it every time i see Kilowog. this dude's entire planet was lost and his his wife and daughter this he he has a lot in common actually with martian manhunter and martian manhunter is like depending on the <laughs> the iteration you go with but in terms of recent years but like for the most part, Martian Manhunter is like the heart and soul of the Justice League. He's, you know, nobody has adopted the planet Earth and loves its people more passionately for the most part than like Martian Manhunter. And I feel like the same is true with Kilowog and the core. So as much as he is this gruff guy and you'd want to assign him something, you know, powerful and intimidating like Red or something... I feel like he could dual wield an indigo or a blue ring with green quite well. 100% agree. Yeah. Myron? And in terms I'm sorry. It, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In, yeah, in terms of in terms of guy being able to dual wield, that made sense to me because how has always been just essentially it being a pure will, <laughs> you know, that can't be done. Oh, great. Well, what can we do? Do we know if this is going to work? I guess it could. All right. <laughs> I'm going in. <laughs> like you could die, Hal. So, <laughs> you know, just, just <laughs> dive, dive straight into it. Won't be the Spend first time. That. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas guy, like, I feel like there's so much of him that is about proving himself as much as he already, projects that he already feels good about who he is and he's cocky and you know you know i'm the best and you know, i can kick anybody's ass and and that kind of a nature i feel like there's a piece there's a big piece of guy that's still trying to prove himself not just to everybody else but to himself and he acts maybe out of will because obviously one of the main green lanterns of course part of its will but a part of it is is also that kind of and, – and I come from a personal place on this too, and it's maybe part of the reason I identify with Guy more lately just you know in recent years than I have before is because they portray him in such a way that it's just like I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Because I remember I wasn't the best student in school. Like I was I, – I, you know, it, it wasn't challenging enough for me, and they didn't like really work with me the way – somebody who was really taking time <laughs> could have worked with me. Not that I was like a special needs student, but I, I, there's a specific way I learned. And they <laughs> didn't bother to figure that out. So it, school bored me. And as such, I got bad grades. But I remember my punishment, I grew up in, in the country outside of Dripping Springs and <clears throat> at three acres of land and all this. My punishment for bad grades during the summer was I don't get to hang out with my friends. I have chores to do. I had to go cut down cedar trees with a handsaw instead of like a chainsaw. Got to drag them up to the burn pile, so on and so forth. And if my dad's off work, I got to do projects with him. One thing we did was we uh, poured a foundation around the the water softener well house outside before we built a, an enclosure over it to keep it warm in the winter so we didn't have to wrap it or worry about freezing or anything. <clears throat> and while we're doing this, because this is probably <laughs> – for the third or fourth time, you know, I've been grounded in a row on a summer, you know, having to do projects and stuff instead of having my own time. My dad looked me dead in the eyes while we're laying this foundation. And I, I'll never forget, my dad said the words, 
I give up. You're not going to graduate on time with all your classmates. I don't know what else I can do. So I, it was at that moment I looked him dead in the eyes and wrote in the concrete, Chad, class of 05. Because that's what it took, you know? It You, you could do all this stuff, but, like, to tell me I can't do something? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm proving you wrong. <laughs> like, I feel like that's a part of who Guy is, too. And that comes from a place of anger. Like, no, you don't get to tell me who I am. Like, this is, this is, this is, I'm proving everybody wrong. And I feel like that's a big part of who Guy is, too. I think you're exactly right. I think, I think his anger and frustration at always being second best or not being good enough, that anger and rage, he converts to willpower naturally. I think that's just part of his character. So for him to have a, a red ring and a green ring is very natural. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in terms of other characters, I mean, to me, the obvious thing that stands out is is Arishia with the green ring and a star sapphire ring, just because of how she evolved herself out of love, and she's always seems to be someone who has to fall in love with somebody. It just seems like an obvious thing to me. Yeah, it's a good one. I didn't think of Arishia. Yeah, Arishia. Arishia is a good one, actually. Okay, so any, there's a second part to this. Unless someone, does anyone have any other thoughts on the first part, or should I? The second part's more fun, actually, and it's pretty straightforward. It's 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 hard it's hard though because like I feel like there are alien characters I would go with. It's just that right now all my mind is doing is listing off the most popular <laughs> ones and trying to figure out what I'd com- combo with each of them. Like you know, I'm like, all right, Vath, Gar, blah blah, blah like. Salik, uh, two, two six. Like, what would I do for each one of these people? But I can't think of one that, like, off the top of my head, screams it as well as like Kilowog did for me earlier. That makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So the the second part of the question is, uh, what was the first Green Lantern comic you ever read? And this one will be real fun. If uh, if you had to eliminate one. <laughs> You know, it, 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 it really it should be because it's because the answers are probably not going to be the same. If you had to eliminate one thing from the Green Lantern lore, what would it be? So whichever where, whichever one of the two you, people want to start with, feel free. Or not. Go ahead, Myron. <laughs> <laughs> Throw me under the bus first. Okay. Jeez, uh, my first Green Lantern issue. <sighs> It wasn't a Green Lantern issue. What got me into Green Lantern was an issue of the Justice League. Um, and I don't remember the issue number, but it was an issue in which uh, Mr. Terrific died. Mr. Terrific from Earth 2. And it was one of those, you know how they, they, back in the Silver Age, they used to have the crossovers between the JLA and the JSA every year? It was one of those issues. And that was what got me into Green Lantern, was that whole thing there. And then I started picking up books. And that was right around the time that... Um, it was it was after the the O'Neill and and um, Neil Adams books, but it was when it was Mike Grell and Neil uh, and uh, Denny O'Neill. Um, if there's one thing I could get rid of, oh, that's that's just a loaded question. <laughs> Specifically um, in the lore, Myron. I love that he threw I love that he threw in the lore because I was gonna be like. People who don't care about continuity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In in the lore, does that include characters? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I would get rid of the whole Simon Baz Jessica Cruz experiment. Ouch. 
<laughs> I, I just think it's it's bad for the franchise overall. I think it's 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 weakened it just because we've gotten it we've gotten so much focus over there and everything else is crammed into one book. I just don't think it's good for Green Lantern mythology in general. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Like family feud here. Good answer. <laughs> Survey says. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, I started pretty early in the Sinestro Corps War. It may have even been the first one shot. Um, it just kind of blew my mind, and I had to go back and learn everything from the beginning. So that's where I started. As for the franchise, oof get rid of something um i would well i never really read much of the de-aging of the guardians when they were kids i don't know how long that stuck around but that seemed kind of silly to me um i don't know it's really hard for me to say since johns was my you know my main person and then from there on Everything he did kind of fit everything into this nice, neat little package of everything making sense. Hmm. So it's a little bit hard for me to say what <laughs> to take out. Uh, let's see. Uh, what, my turn? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. So what was the first Green Lantern issue I ever read? Uh, it's, uh, it's hard to tell. So, like... I, I went to a Borders one one day before movie to kill some time, uh, and ended up walking out with Rebirth and the second volume of Green Lantern Showcase. Those black and white reprint, you know, you get for nine dollars. They're probably the best deal in comics. Uh, <clears throat> I remember sitting on the floor in front of the shelf where I pulled those off of, and speed reading through those. Not like the whole thing, but just to give it a test, see if I liked it. I don't remember which one I started with. It may have been Rebirth because of the art, just because it caught my eye a little better. But I do feel like there was a part of me that was like, all right, well, I know this is the old stuff. Do I like the original concept enough to stick with the new stuff? I bought both of those that night, and I read them both. I'm pretty sure I read Rebirth first, which would technically mean... The Rebirth Trade slash Rebirth Number One would be my first Green Lantern issue. <clears throat> However, I started collecting single issues, like going to the comic book store intentionally with the Rage of the Red Lanterns Final Crisis one shot special. So, if we're talking like first Green Lantern story, I guess it would have to be Rebirth. If we're talking about single issue that I purchased off the rack, it would be the Final Crisis Rage of the Red Lanterns one shot. <laughs> If there's one thing I can eliminate from the lore, uh, um, I don't, I don't. It's so hard because it's, there's not some, there's not stuff that in the lore that I just loathe with every fiber of my being so much as some of the decisions people make. Like I keep coming back to obviously, and I will not go in or go on a rant. Everybody knows. Uh, already, but my stance on this, but I don't like this idea that we're going to take, even if we keep Simon and Jessica and all this stuff, 
we take all of these human lanterns from Earth, try to build so much character into them so we care about them, and then we launch them off into space never to see Earth again. Like, I, I can't stand those decisions. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a huge part of the mythos. It is a space cop story. It is DC's cosmic title. It needs to be largely cosmic. I understand that. But there has to be ties to Earth. Otherwise, why have Hal have a brother and a sister-in-law and nieces and nephews? And even though his parents are dead, they've got that on Earth. He's got Cowgirl and Carol and Pie Face. And that's just Hal. And that's just his personal connections, forgetting all the friendships he made in like the JLA. So I just I don't like when we get stuck in these ruts where it's either all space or all Earth. Because if you look at Green Lantern history, I've said this before, it's cyclical. He is out in space, and then he comes back down to Earth to get his feet back on the ground, get a sense of things again. And then he's launched back out into space again, and it gets too long in space, and he comes back down to Earth. And I can't stand that. There needs to be a better balance, I think. And I know that's not lore, but like, if I if I gotta stick with lore, I guess the 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 emotional reservoir. Like <laughs> that's that's one of the things I've just really there's there's too many things that that kind of throws out of whack that I don't like. Um, there's an adaptation of it I may accept, and we we can get into that if we want to, but like. It's, I really don't like that, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but but my my the the burning passion I have for like the way in which they treat the characters by just always keeping them in space or always keep, keeping them on Earth bothers me. And I will say to the credit of Green Lanterns, I like that it's a two eight one four book. I do like that. I I like that balance that it has struck there whether the quality of the stories are there we care about the characters that's another thing entirely but the setting i like that and i wish we had more like it i wish it didn't take so long for us to get a book like that and i wish it was a book with characters i cared about in a setting like that (laughs) but but it's just I'm, I'm 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 so fervent about that part of the way they treat this mythos uh from an editorial slash creative standpoint, that I just I can't. If you if you sticking me with, <laughs> all right, you know what? I'll call him out. Read <laughs> if you're if you're saying I have to choose lore, then read. My answer is uh, is the emotional uh, reservoir. But you have my other answer. <laughs> that's that, that's definitely probably right up my alley as well. I think I may have blacked out the last couple of years post Jeff Johns but I think that's probably going to be the biggest one as well and uh, and Atrocitus, probably what they did to Atrocitus post Johns as well the whole just downplaying him and his power hmm. that's good um, my first Green Lantern issue I read was Green Lantern 46 The Reign of the Superman tie-in the first Green Lantern issue I read, as in going forward, you know, read, read this issue and then I didn't stop, was Green Lantern 51. And that caused me to go backwards to 
become a Hal fan, even though I like Kyle, because obviously I read the entire Kyle run. But I became the Hal fan thanks to Kyle in a way. So that's when I kind of read, kind of like caught back up on everything. Uh, stuff, what I would get rid of. Well, the, the Reservoir is easy. That was my go. That was my go-to answer. The reservoir was, you know, the. I, another thing that popped into my head as I was listening to, to other people talk was maybe the whole, the, the whole, the whole destruction of the Blue Lantern Corps. That that was kind of hmm. crappy. I'm still hoping. Keyword again. Um, I'm kind of hoping we'll get. <laughs> the, 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 the password is crappy. <laughs> uh, I, I'm hoping we'll get those back. Maybe once the whole doomsday clock plays out. So, but the thing, if I had to pick something unique, and this, I'm, that's why I'm kind of glad you're back, Corwin, because this is going to kind of like segue into our kind of like the t- segue back into the whole talk about that the Superman Hal Parallax Sinestro thing. If I had to do, get rid of one thing, I think I would still go back and have that friggin' fear entity be named something else. <laughs> because I hate it with a passion because, because Parallax has a specific meaning and Daryl came up with a good name for, for exactly what the what that character was and it works for what Hal was during that time frame and, and it, it, it means jack shit when it comes to fear or a fear entity it means nothing you can try to stretch it and make it and, and really, really, really get desperate to try to make it work because of looking at things from another perspective if you're so full of fear, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really fit the way you'd naturally fit for when Hal, when they named Hal that after in Emerald Twilight. So that's probably one thing that, cause it always, that always eats at me. So where I was going to segue with this, and people can obviously <laughs> comment on this too, was where do you think Parallax actually is now since we know he wasn't in that ring that Superman gave to, to Hal Jordan? <laughs> or, or where do you think he's where do you think he's going to go or where do you think his goal is? <sighs> Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. That's the answer, right? That's what DC's gonna tell us. Oh yeah, I mean, he's, he possesses Doctor Manhattan. What a what yeah. a host! Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. Um, he, he's in a bottle next to Lobo. <laughs> That's where I thought they were going to go with it. When we actually thought he was going to stay in the ring, I figured he was just going to be he was going to be kept somewhere on Mogo. But since now, some miraculously, he's floating around. I would honestly, where I hope he is, I hope he's just out there. Where I think he is, somewhere obvious, like, you know, somewhere we've been before, Riot or Ysmalt or in the, on Quard, you know, where Oa was, I, I don't know. I mean, I know Mogo is supposed to be stationary, but Mogo has been more mobile than stationary <laughs> lately. So, um, I don't know. I personally, I hope he's out there just in the universe kind of the way he was supposedly, I guess, at the beginning of time, just messing stuff up out there. <laughs> I mean, I just, I kind of hope he's just wandering around doing his thing that I, I, I think that'd be more interesting. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping he's out there somewhere finding a primitive planet that he can manipulate to give himself some more power and bring himself back and kind of like Voldemort. You just well, kind of, 
kind of like that legend, kind of like that legend of those aliens that Kyle found. Right, right. Exactly what I was going to mention. Oh, okay. His first, yeah. Yeah. His first appearance in the uh, rebirth. Yeah. No, where I'm where I'm hoping he's going. Uh, now, what, is to what, take on what, OG Parallax? Yeah, not because for one reason, for one main, not take on, because based on the ba- obviously we're going to delve into this soon enough in in a, in a big way, but the thing you got out of the Superman Sinestro interaction was the fact that supposedly Parallax is actually afraid of Sinestro now. He's afraid of being used, be, of being manipulated, of being hurt by Sinestro. So if you were Parallax and you were seeking out somebody to help protect you from from uh, Sinestro, who would you naturally gravitate towards? It would be Hal Jordan. And since he really can't get that Hal Jordan, why not go to the other Hal Jordan who also happens to have a version of Parallax in him too? Oh, damn. And that also would set up your the the all the predictable, but a good, in a predictable in a good way as we're getting close. Because what issue what issue are we up to, are we up to now? We're Hal in the core thirty three. Uh-huh. Something like that, and we know the, the the controller's arc is like two or three issues at least. So we're so, and then after that is the, the General Zod thing, which of course means as I have no interest in that at the moment. But that pretty much is going to take us to issue forty. So setting up the 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 his, the pattern the patterned appearance of Parallax in issue fifty. That I would like to think that's where Parallax went to seek out the other Hal Jordan Parallax, so you could have a. A rendezvous and a appearance as we round close to Greenland, Greenland, Hal in the core forty nine and fifty and things like that. It would make sense, but that probably means we're not going to happen. <laughs> but that's 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 why I wanted to segue into that. So, but. hopefully, to give a nice build up to it all, though. Well, God, that last time we saw him, as, as we've uh. seen before, the build-up the build-up means nothing if we have a piss poor execution when it show when he shows up. Because that first that's because that first that first appearance was that first appearance was awesome. That first uh, uh, yes, it was awesome. The whole the, him him wiping out the Sinestro Corps members and talking about you know something like how the universe is in darkness, but Parallax will bring the dawn. That was just great. And then the, and then and then you get to like the next issue with Cost City and how he senses Hal's fear, and it all went straight into the here's the here's the word again straight into the crapper right after that. <laughs> oh boy! Come on, Robert, throw us a bone. <laughs> Um, you mentioned you wanted me to say it uh, to uh, Dr. DC Podcast. Uh, Dr. DC Podcast is a podcast I've been turned on to recently. I really thoroughly enjoy. Um, it's these uh, three Canadian guys, um, and uh, they are uh, – one of them is a producer of podcasts, uh, kind of a casual comic fan, knows a little bit more. His name's Richard. Um, then you have the doctor, uh, who, you know, kind of like an encyclopedia of DC knowledge. And, uh, then you have Colin, who is not a comic fan at all. Um, so basically they have a news segment. They start off the show with a news segment. They go through some DC related news, uh, multimedia comics, whatever. And then they have a topic that they get into where listeners can submit questions. It's basically a Q&A show, a kind of a one-on-one, uh, or not one-on-one, a 101 type of thing. So 
say the topic is secret identities. What questions do you have about secret identities in the DCEU? People ask their questions, and he get answers them, but also gives context. So if they ask about, you know, Wally West or something, you know, he doesn't just assume the audience knows who Wally West is. He gives a nice explanation of that, too. Um, <clears throat> so it's a, it's a really good informative show. It's really laid back, really casual. They make a lot of jokes, you know, stuff like that. It's really fun. It releases every Wednesday. Um, almost. Uh, they, they just... They did release one today, but it was a special episode, so <clears throat> the next regular episode's releasing tomorrow instead. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm one of the regular people who's asking questions, except I'm not really asking questions. I'm more directing their content <laughs> when I do that. You know, like <laughs> instead of saying, you know, like they, they had a they had Doctober. They called it Doctober. Uh, so they talked about, you know, like. October, you know, Halloween, scary related stuff. They had an episode on fear. So you can imagine what a lot of the questions they received were. They they got a lot of questions, whereas my response wasn't a question. I said, let's talk <laughs> about, you know, three of the most feared, you know, Sinestro Corps members, Carousel, uh, Romat Rue, and uh, Crib. <laughs> and it was more just telling them what to talk about instead of <laughs> instead of asking an actual question. Um, but it's funny because in that episode, somebody else asked a question about Parallax. So in the context uh, of explaining who Parallax was, he also explains, he has to explain, you know, kind of what an emotional entity is and where the others are. And he, he says, and I believe Parallax is the only one left, you know, <laughs> and then he says something along the lines of, as a result of a storyline that I believe our friends of the Lantern cast would rather not exist. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dr. DC podcast uh, is, uh, is, is great. And hopefully uh, people like to tune into them. It's one of the only shows I love that comes out regularly because like, I love Ryan Daly's like, you know, it's midnight, the podcasting hour, but, because of his schedule and stuff that has gotten not as regular, so on and so forth. So Dr. DC podcast is my, like my regular weekly podcast that I download and listen to. So do they put a lot of research into doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been listening to it and I'm not like intentionally doing this, but I am like listening and waiting for him to say something wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not intentionally assuming he'll be wrong, but like thus far he hasn't said anything where I'm like, Actually, you're wrong in such and such issue. You got blah blah blah. They do a ton of research. Nice. Yeah. And how frequently does that drop? Every week on Wednesday. Man, that's a lot of work. All right, yep. I'll be sure to check it out. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, I got into it because on there, it's it's really new. Um, on their sixth episode, um, every because Colin is not a comic book fan, they very rarely, but every now and then, slip him an issue to read. You know, like, hey, I want you to try this. The yeah. first time they did it, it was Ragman number one from 1976. So that's that's how I found them, <laughs> by, by following the Ragman hashtag. Um, <laughs> the second time they did it, <laughs> I, I laughed my ass off because <laughs> they gave Colin Grant Morrison's Multiversity. Oh, Lord. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and you can imagine the amount of Confusion. sheer... 
what in the holy hell is happening? <laughs> uh, commentary that is, is ensued after that. <laughs> because I think it was the issue of multiversity, one of the ones where um, it's like it's telling you not to read any further because it gives them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. And, <laughs> and he basically, there's a point, Colin, Colin says, there's a lot of like. It's saying stuff like, don't turn the page. And for a moment, I was just like, all right, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> he, he hated every fiber of that. So I thought, it's, it's hilarious when they give him stuff like that. But they did just have a Halloween special, like I said, that dropped today, um, where they gave him the, the, the first trade he's ever read, which was Batman Long Halloween. Mm. So it's funny that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've they've done four of those now, including the Long Halloween Ragman number one, that Multiversity comic. The third one they did was uh, uh, a Booster Gold issue. Um, so, but yeah, uh, I'm rambling. Uh, I, I, it's a great podcast. It's really quality. One of the things I've always said I enjoy about new podcasts is when they have an idea, a format, and they stick to it, like. There are a lot of podcasts out there that start a new show, and they're like, all right, uh, I feel like this is going to be the format. We'll kind of test things out, see how they go, and you know, I guess we'll make adjustments along the way. And then their posting schedule gets all wonky, and they fall apart, and pod fad, and all this other stuff. But there are, other sh- there, there are shows like this, and a bunch of other shows I've listened to, and a bunch of other shows people on this show produce, <laughs> on this episode right now produce that are quality from the get-go so yeah that's one of them but yeah um before we go i guess do we want to talk about uh the next possible big moment for green lantern depending on what happens in the movie (laughs) (laughs) oh justice go for it yeah well, I, know, I, I we, figured that was a segue since we had talked about throwing that out as a topic, but it, it, yeah, well, yeah, we're, we're we're coming up on uh, past the time we wanted to, uh, these segments to be, but we can uh, we'll obviously edit oh, some of it. Um, <clears throat> but um, what is everybody's expectations for Justice League? First of all, do you think forget Hal, forget John? Do you think Green Lantern will be in it? I think there will be a Green Lantern in it. Okay. But probably more in terms of um, flashback. Um, so, like, I, what I, happened to get, like, Stefan Wolf on Earth on his journey here or whatever? Either that or when, you know, when the mother boxes get come to Earth, something taking place during that, but something that takes place a while ago. Uh, it would, what I really would like to see, be, be, even though I want Hal to be a part of the foundation of the Justice League in the movies, at this point, I, I, I kind of don't because you miss out on all the merchandising, you miss out on all the marketing. Um, I'd love to see Abin Sur yes. show up and die, and then the ring go to Hal, and either him show up during the fourth act or in a, in a, in an end credit scene. Um, I think since it's Abin Sur, maybe he should be played by Sean Bean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the blackest night is coming, and then die. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we'll see. I think we'll see something just because Steppenwolf made reference to no lanterns. 
I, I expect to see something. One does not easily. <laughs> One does simply not. Go yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> even, even the cameo of just having her going down somewhere in the yeah, post-credit yeah. scene or something. I mean, yeah, a little Easter egg at the very least we would hope for. What do I hope for? My opinion of this has changed. Like, do I hope it's Hal and so on and so forth? Yes, we do know it's going to be Hal and John in the Green Lantern core movie. But who appears in the in the Justice League movie if if a Human Lantern does appear is still up in the air. The more I think about it, the more I hope and or think it's going to be John because. It gives you the added shock and benefit and power set of having a Green Lantern there and a Green Lantern you recognize without the stink of the Green Lantern movie. And not not that a lot of people would fault it for that, but I feel like it's, you know, like <coughs> they reintroduce with a quote-unquote new character the concept of Green Lantern in a way that it can't be judged for anything that came before it, other than, I guess, the animated series. Well, if, if they did, John, do you think they'd still even reference Hal at all? I think they'd reference Hal, but I think it'd be like, you know... You know my sector should make they. it, so... Yeah, my, yeah, some, yeah something, something along those lines. Like, you know, Batman place to call. <laughs> you know, 1-900-SPACE. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm aware I said 900. <laughs> so, but, then you're going to have bass pop up... That, that, that Alfred guy has some class. <laughs> but I think I think because I feel like wouldn't it be interesting? Uh, will Warner do this? Doubt it. Extremely doubt it. But wouldn't it be interesting if Warner treated the Green Lantern movie the way Marvel treated the original Hulk movie? Whereas it clearly happened or some variation of it happened in the incredible Hulk movie when you're looking through the credits and all the stuff they reference in the movie, but they never outright reference specifically something from that movie, just kind of the general gist. And would it be interesting if that's how Warner treated it? Like nobody at Marvel studio. Yeah. Not, not disowning it. Nobody at Marvel says, okay, if you're going to watch the cinematic Marvel Universe, you need to start with the Ang Lee Hulk movie, then <laughs> then the Iron Man movie, and so on and so forth. They say start with Iron Man, because that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Incredible Hulk, some people don't even reference that for some stupid reason, uh, but the, the intro credits to that movie are essentially a recap of what happened in the Ang Lee Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. But they never outright say it is that it happened. And it's never considered a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But if you look, it is there. Those events did happen. So I wonder if it'd be interesting if Marvel or if, if Warner treated the Green Lantern movie the same way. It exists, it happened, or some variation of it happened, but we're never gonna outright refer to it or claim it's part of our universe. And they do so by introducing John, and he can say something like, you know, how sent me, or, you know, some cooler way of saying that. But, you know, you reintroduce this concept that's been, you know, (laughs) slaughtered in public perception ever since that movie came out um, and made Green Lantern. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, but 
at this point, like, I'm, I, I'm so, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong at all, but it's it's six over six friggin' years ago now. People using the William Shatner line, "Get a life, people." <laughs> it's six years ago. I mean, if Warner Brothers is still friggin' running scared because of that because of that movie, I mean, it's like come, it's like oh we have we can't introduce how we can we can't introduce an Earth career. It's like. Meanwhile, if if Justice League either doesn't do particularly well financially, or it it pulls a BVS where it does okay financially, but people despise it, we may not ever see any of these other movies anyway. That was the that was the other latest thing that came out this week. That like the Flash and and basically anything that hasn't already gone into production. If if you know the oh, wow. fu- the future of the DC cinematic universe basically result. Is all going to rest in the hands of how, how the Justice League movie does? That a lot of these other projects could blow up. So, I just—I mean, I think it's ridiculous to keep dodging, dodging that bullet. I mean, yeah. So it's you, like, you, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to kill off Abin Sur and you stop reboot Hal and give him a kick-ass intro and everything's forgotten. Yeah, I mean, I—I it, it, think they're they're shooting the. In a way, they're making they're they're it's like they're making that the stench of that movie last longer than it than it normally would have <coughs> by, right. by by trying by trying to avoid it and pretend it didn't. You know, it's kind of like I mean, let let's be honest. Even though we've talked about this too, I'm kind of like I'm kind of Ryan Reynolds out too in, in some of his attitude now. But Ryan Reynolds has obviously taken that failure, which was a big albatross around his neck, which wasn't the last failure that he had before he, had, you know, at the, you know, he was, you know, he still had like what R.I.P.D. or whatever R.I.P.D., came out, yeah. among other things. So his track record of being a box office uh, albatross is pretty strong, even. But he was able to rebound, and 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 you have Deadpool now, and now people aren't like saying, "Oh, you know, Ryan Reynolds." You know, it's just I don't. I just think that there there there's a lot of reasons why that movie didn't do well. It was not the worst friggin' movie on God's green earth, like some people make it out to be. It could have been a lot better, but it wasn't significant to me. I still don't think it was significantly worse than Thor. Uh, I thought it was better than Thor. But. It was, yeah, it was, it was close. I mean, it was just, I think, I think, the, the stu- I mean, the studio botched it across the board because we talked about this before. They, they probably rushed that first trailer. People didn't like the first trailer. Then they were all too scared to release anything. So you got that first trailer, like in the fall. Then you didn't see anything until like four or five months later. You had I no, know, right? You had no marketing. You had no marketing of that movie until either at the end of May or beginning of June, and the movie was coming out in the middle of June. The posters didn't show up at the friggin'. I like I said, I've said this before too. I I got my Green Lantern poster at my Regal Theater. I got my poster that went because the tube, the poster tube arrived like May sixth or whatever the hell the day Thor was when Thor opened. That Thursday is when the friggin' first posters for Green Lantern arrived, and that was like a month before the movie came out. It's like that's ridiculous. I mean, they butchered everything so the marketing of that and then they and then they just force fed it then everyone's throat. So people so there was like a pushback to it and people thought, "Okay, maybe the lady doth protest too much." Uh, <laughs> and that's not a Harvey Weinstein joke. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> Steve, right too. But so I just there were so many things that made that movie bad and it's like and, and it's not like the quality of DC movies have gotten all that better. I mean, the only one, the only one that's really significantly better is is Wonder Woman, really. 
I mean, Super Man of Steel was questionable. A lot of people were so-so on Man of Steel. Obviously, BVS, most people didn't like. Suicide Squad, pe- the average person seemed to like it a little bit more, even though most of they kind of acknowledged it looks like, you know, Stevie Wonder did the editing on that movie as far as trying to make it, <laughs> as far as editing it to make a cohesive story, besides some of the casting. So, I mean, come on, Deep... W W B D C you know D C hasn't gotten all that much better and to avoid it's just sad as as Green Lanterns fan Green Lantern fans that we are. It's just sad when you look back and realize where the hell we were in two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah, right. Big Green, I mean Green Lantern was the non official part he was a non official part of the the, the Trinity, Trinity at that point. He absolutely was. Wonder Woman was on the outside. It was Hal, Superman, and Batman, based on stories that were being told and the relevance of the character in the DCU. And we and, were and the animated series and everything else. And that was a yeah. And the animated that, that even though that came later, that still was after the movie, right? And that was better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That should have been canceled either. So, but the thing is, it's just, it's you know, come on, it's time to. I'm not gonna use. I'm not gonna use crap. It's time to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> <laughs> so I. So I do think personally there'll be. A, I do think towards the end there'll be a Green Lantern in it, and if not, just uh, call call it a day, man. <laughs> Have Doctor Manhattan wipe out the whole cinematic universe. <laughs> Awesome. Well, guys, we wanted to thank you for uh, for coming on uh, to help us celebrate episode 300. And before we let you go, we wanted to see uh, if you had anything you wanted to say before you go, as well as uh, pimp what you got out there, what uh, what, what shows you what, what shows you have, and uh, when they come out, any projects you're working on, so on and so forth. Myron, why don't you go first, buddy? Uh, well, run the blog, Voa. Um, I'm trying to do updates on a regular basis. I had a bit of an art problem a while ago, so I'm I'm having to go back through all the articles I've written since the dawn of the blog and redo all the all the images. From Call scratch. them out by name, Myron. They deserve it. Um, yeah, photo bucket. Screw you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they shut down, right? Did they shut down? No, what no. they did is they um, it basically, if you were using them to house images and you were using them in websites, they disabled the ability to link. Mm. So all of the images show up now as a little meter thing saying you can't see this image. Basically, it, it ruined my blog overnight. And how much do so, they want to charge people? Uh, I think it was like three hundred dollars a year. What for the luxury of of linking images? So that was the first part of my problem. And then the second part was, well, I thought, well, I can just house it, house the images on Google. And because I'm using blog, I was using Blogger and uh, link them that way. Well, then Blogger wouldn't let me go back and edit my HTML, my template to put in all the graphics correctly. So I was like, screw it. So I've gotten my, my own web host and I'm doing WordPress. And so I had to find a new theme and reskin the whole site. So as I'm trying to write new content, I'm also having to go back through uh, five or six years worth of content and put all the graphics back in again and download them all from PhotoBucket, put them in a folder, upload them up to WordPress, relink the images in each article one by one. So it's a it's a very um, tedious process. So I've been working on that. That's been kind of the big thing I'm trying to do is get the back catalog done. Um, I didn't realize how many articles I had until I started doing this. I had over 1,500 articles. Uh, so 
I've, I've got my work cut out for me, but that, that and, the, and the podcast and the podcast right now is on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I have a co-host who's, who's got a young family and between a new job and young family has not been able to record. So we're kind of on a hiatus right now. So, but that, that's all I've got going on. You're always welcome to join us. <laughs> if you'll have me. Serious. No, <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. Beginning uh, of something new for the next five me? years. Oh, <laughs> I mean, whenever he wants to come on, he can come on if he wants to talk about the latest stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, was like an, I, I, I was in that. <laughs> I laughed and said, "Yeah." I, I laughed and said, "Yeah." I, 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 I agree with you. you. I mean, Cor- I mean, oh. I, I, mean Cor- I think Cormer would make it sound like this was our, the unofficial invitation for our new. Ho- Here's our new host. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Myron, we need you to update our website. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, How about I you, Corwin? Wanna, I definitely want to thank you guys for having me on your 300th episode. Um, as always, big fan of the show. I tune in every episode that drops. Uh, you know, it's not when it drops. I, I love you guys. Basically, is all I'm trying to say. I, just, I love you guys. We love you too, Corwin. <laughs> awesome. We love you. Hey, where, what about your stuff, man? <laughs> uh, same old, same old. Y'all know how it goes. <laughs> I don't want to toot my horn or anything. Well, same old. Y'all know how it goes. But the wife is calling me, so I'm going to get off now. But I will see you guys online. All right, man. Thanks for showing right. up. We appreciate it. We appreciate you guys coming on the show. Right. Anytime, hey, thank you. Anytime. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Talk to you later, right. guys. All right. Later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Chad, with his last breath, picks up his microphone, says, choose wisely, choose well, and throws it out the window. <laughs> oh, man. Man. Uh, What's going on, guys? Uh, <laughs> hey. Yeah, you know, we're just going to pick a random spot like that, probably, to begin the, the, this segment. So we're already started, guys. Uh, I, I, and I'm Jim. <laughs> oh. oh crap! We didn't we didn't get Corwin and Myron. I can probably pull it from another episode. Does it really matter? Yeah. <laughs> we, we'll just I mean, it. It, it it does for consistency's sake. Well, We've always had a and I'm so and so. Yeah, but don't forget the first segment isn't going to be these kind of segments. So we could just say who's going to be on the show in the different segments. Well, I know, but the, it doesn't matter. Even when we split it into segments, every episode has always had like a. Uh, an intro with that, where we just splice together, and I'm an 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 it's. I mean, it's, in the scheme of things, editing-wise, that that's not that hard. <clears throat> All right, where do we want to start, guys? Well, I, I think Jim. I think Jim wants to start because he's actually been listening to some old episodes and catching up. So I think Jim oh, has God. some things he wants to share. <laughs> yeah, he he told he messaged me today and told me about that. <laughs> okay. Um. A quick question, unrelated to like anything, but. Uh, with Volthoom, his uh-huh. 
his ring, the original ring, is that like di- that? That's different than the Phantom Ring. Yes. Yes. In issue thirty, it looks like he's got the Phantom Ring on. That wouldn't be the first artistic mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually just read like the last twenty-five issues of these books yesterday. And, <laughs> I knew he was going to say something like that because Dan is dedicated. When he's coming on, he's going to catch up, even if it takes years off his life. Which I'm sure that did. One of you guys t- said to me on Monday, "Hey, I want to be on the show," and I looked at the pile. I'm like, "Well, shit." <laughs> <laughs> but, but like yes every time that ring showed up in a different issue it was a different shape like at one point like when uh when uh what's his face guardian puts it on Raimi? it's just a yeah when Raimi puts it on it's just a flat circle like time <laughs> right yeah yeah like and that that's what i thought that the first ring was that flat like just like a like a round like indent basically but then in issue 30, it's like, okay, well, now he's wearing the Phantom Ring. And I mean, judging by the rest of the art in that issue, I kind of would chalk that up to artistic mistake. But The, same, mean, way those, the same way those skeletons were? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Please tell me you guys agree with that. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> which, which skeletons? Again? So, oh, in the tubes? In the tubes? Yes. Yeah, even, that's you, bullshit. You, you, even though... Even, even though some of those beings were robots and, <laughs> and tree creatures. Tree? Like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, those guardian grave robbers. Let's throw a body in there. <laughs> Who's going to know? <laughs> yeah, just, just throw a generic skeleton in. You know, it's, it's the symbology. Uh, Kill that guy over there. Throw him in the tube. <laughs> It's for the greater yeah. good. Uh, so let's see. So yeah. So I, I'm basically not not completely caught up, but as far as Green Lanterns go, like the first two issues of that Back in Time series. So uh, let's see. Hey, Jim, whole, before yeah. you go, before you go, is that how far into that story you are? Oh God, no. Oh, okay, okay. I, I mean, like, I, I, I just, like, look at the pictures and, and skim through. Okay. Um, well, that's how we always did it. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, and it, it's, it's real hard, like, to try and, like, keep all this stuff straight, but, um, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say now. Well, that's kind of how Sam Humphreys, I think, approached it, too. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I really was into that story at the beginning of it, like, the whole time travel fit, like, the page turn reveal of, like, the embryonic white entity was awesome, and all these these new ancient lanterns they're assembling all seem really cool, but as soon as they all got in one spot, it just sprinted to the end, and it's like... It barely ended! I know! Like, is this, like, is this a thing where, like, they're having trouble with the bi-weekly schedule? Is this a thing where, like, they're not being given enough time to flesh things out? Like, what's... Like what's going on? I honestly, I mean, I think, I think, quite honestly, I think Myron hit it on the head on the on that uh, uh, State of the Green Lantern Union episode. They, I, we feel like the the creators don't care as much about this stuff as we do. Like oh, they don't yeah, that, put as that's for they damn don't, sure. 
they don't put as much effort, time, creativity, or whatever into this stuff as we would if we were. They don't adore these characters. That's the problem. And mm-hmm. maybe they like them. Otherwise, you know, why stay on the book as long as they have? But I mean, you'd think they'd put like a lot more into it if they cared about them quite as much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't believe that putting someone as as I'll just say fanboyish as we can be on these books would be that good of a thing because a oh lot no of, no yeah like you need some some distance there like you need a, some middle ground between us and the current crop of writers you know like yeah you give that book to one of us or something you know it could be every issue it could be every other issue or at least every story arc you like try to put in some obscure reference to something that happened in the 80s or, you know, the 70s or whatever. Remember, like it, it just turns into fan fiction, you know? Yeah, some sort of editor's note, like, C issue whatever from April whatever of 1983, you know? So. But I do appreciate, like, like, with Green Lanterns, I look at that book, and it especially became apparent to me when I was binging this most recent time. I look at that book and... I see like I see what is clear to me them like like what they aspire to make that book into is basically what I saw when I read the Kyle book in the 90s. You know, like a lot of those elements are there, they're just not as refined. Yeah, like like the the writing and the art isn't quite up to snuff. But the thing that they're going for is so clearly the thing I would like to read that I'm constantly willing to give them another chance. Well, yeah, we're, we we haven't covered it yet, so I'm, obviously I don't want to talk too much about it. But the 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 first two issues of uh, of the new run for this title for the new creator, I enjoyed a lot more. I had no idea they were getting a new creator. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? Seely. Uh, yes. Tim Seeley. Right. Tim Seeley. Oh, God, uh, really? Yep. He's, oh. He's really fucking good. Yeah, he was oh, on Revival, wow. right? He did Revival, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> when does that start? Because I, I... It's already started. It's two issues in on now. Okay, so it's right after the issue where Simon and Jessica kind of have their downtime on Earth after yes, they get home? Yes, yes. Oh. The horrible way to end a run issue, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, interesting. I've only read the first uh, issue of the two. I like the I did like the first one. I haven't picked up the second one yet, but I, I, I did like and I like the art a lot in that first issue. Hmm. Yeah, it's it is it, it has a very uh, it, I, I think it has a very Green Lanterny feel to it. Not that the others did, but it just seems more true to a Green Lantern story. Which again, we haven't covered the specifics, so it trying to you know dissect it here isn't going to make any sense. But whatever. Uh, Oh yeah, I I imagine I'll get those issues sometime this week. Yeah. But awesome, that's cool. That is very cool to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have an interest in reading again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you you liked revival. It was one of you. I'm pretty sure it was you, Jim. Right? Because you, I remember you said you don't like zombie stories, and then you read some revival, and you're like, actually, this is pretty good. Yeah, I. I only read, like, the first couple of issues, and then just, like, you know what happened? Like, uh, the comic book store that I was actually getting those issues from, the only one that was actually ordering it, burned down. So, 
that kind of like knocked me out of getting revival and then i just completely forgot about it but they just uh announced that that's going to be optioned for something tv or movie or something yeah it was really cool like mixing of supernatural slash aliens like it was it was really interesting i enjoyed that that's that's right he was the guy who uh started with hack slash Hmm. Yep. That was the the story. That was the series where it's like, like, what if the last girl in a slasher movie survived and then devoted the rest of her life to hunting down and killing slashers? I never saw Buffy, but is that is that a Buffy kind of thing? Kind of, kind yeah. of. Like it's a more proactive to Buffy. Yeah. It's like a more proactive, gory Buffy. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, no, with with Sam Humphreys, like, the impression that I got from the stuff that I did read was that, like, he was, like, definitely not concerned with the finer details of, like, too much of what had come before, and, you know, he wanted to tell the story that he wanted to tell, and if anything got in the way, like, so be it. Yeah. Didn't try to start it. Jim tried to start an argument with me today about the the, the ten billion years thing. <laughs> oh no no no, not an argument. Just like because I mean that's what I do now. Like when I hear you guys discuss it, like uh, you know like all the inconsistencies and like you know and dumb things. Like I think to my to my, you know if I was going to write a Green Lantern story that was going to fix this, like how would I explain it away? And, I mean, for one thing, it makes Green Lantern a lot more interesting, <laughs> especially <laughs> lately. But, um, yeah, no, like, and that that is one of the things that I was thinking about earlier, like, the whole 10 billion years ago. Like, it used to be that the Malthusians were the only ones that were really advanced enough at that stage to really do much of anything. And now, all of a sudden, like, you've got, like, the Kryptonians, like at the level of um, space exploration. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know if you guys maybe, you know, speculated or not. I, I didn't get to that point if you did, but like the, the, the place where they landed on, are you guys thinking that's probably Daxum? I, I, we didn't, we didn't talk about that, but that would make sense. Yes. Yeah, if we, would, if we yeah. follow that through to the net, it's natural conclusion, it would probably be Daxum. <laughs> I mean, but then they, again, they they, they they drop so many seeds in the story. Like they put a plant elemental on Earth at its very beginning. How yeah. is that not the roots for the green? Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. So, but I mean, like that, and that's it. Like you know, that would have been a really cool idea. But that's also that would require knowledge of the rest of the DC universe and wanting to tie it in. <laughs> yeah, and and is that. Is that sentient AI consciousness? Like, is that where Stell comes from? Yeah, it's from Grenda. And I, I was under the impression that that was the same way we have Adam and Eve. Like, I, I'm pretty sure Brill was Grenda's Adam. If we if we read his creation right. Yes. Yeah. I, I, would, I would agree with that. Also, speaking of robots, Chad... Sinestro Corps has a robot named Chad. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, <that's> fucking awesome. <laughs> 
take credit for it. It was named after you. <laughs> it's, it's an acronym, so I wonder what it means. Probably the most vile thing. <laughs> they, they, by your 18th rant, they're like, all right, we got to get this guy. <laughs> uh, nice. But, but yeah, so like the 10 billion year thing, like now all of a sudden you're saying that there are Martians and, you know, Earth was around 10 billion years ago and all this other stuff where it really shouldn't make any sense. So, like, my thought was just that maybe, you know, with the, you know, with the, the life entity inside the Earth, like, maybe it just causes, like, a reboot to the entire planet, and this happens every couple billion years, and that's why, like, you know, as far as we know, it's only five billion years old because... You know what happened before that is completely lost to the regeneration. Yeah, but it, it if it does that, it does that on Earth. It doesn't do that to the whole universe. So right. you're talking you're you're talking about like so the Maltusians at this point are in the division process. I'm assuming the controllers are already gone. The Zamorans, I'm assuming, are already gone. But there are some le- obviously there are some leftover Maltusians. Because the Guardians have already gone Guardian-sized after getting rid of their emotions or whatever. That's what started, kick-started their whole stunted growth or whatever, where they're shrinking. <clears throat> but there are still Maltusians. So, like, you have this entire history of the Maltusians going from their, their first of all, their creation, whatever their, you know, fish crawling out of the sea evolution cycle is, then they split off into controllers and Xamarons and so on and so forth. They develop skills and abilities and science and technology, and they do all this stuff. And then they're at this point, while the Earth is 10, uh, 10 billion years old, is a baby. It's got, like, you know, <laughs> bear birds and some kind of crazy crap on it. But, the, it, like, it's, it's 10 billion years ago, and it's making the life entity an embryo that really kind of screws it up for me. Plus, you have the whole idea that it's 10 billion years ago, and they just became Guardians, and these first seven rings happen, and they're experimental. Which means the Green Lantern Corps in the emotional spectrum is, like, experimented with, created, acknowledged, used, abandoned, then they decide to pick it up again in the form of robots, (laughs) then that goes wrong, and they decide to pick it up again, which makes no sense. Well, the, the like the the Manhunters like they did say that they took a break for like a like a few billion years. Right. I'm just saying all of this stuff throws. A, oh yeah. Be, I mean, it throws yeah, everything out of whack. Even if you're does. you're doing this cycle of life and death thing with yeah. Earth and the entity, it still throws the rest of the universe off. Well, I don't know. I mean, let's not pretend that 10 billion years is a short. Time, you know, like if they ever wanted to, they could very easily put together a timeline that's comprehensive with all this stuff that falls in a nice, neat row. But, that may be, that may be, but then you have the problem of saying, like during Blackest Night and everything, life began on Earth, and yet you see the life that is on Earth, and compare it to Kalu and the Third World and Krypton and Mars, which is our freaking neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which you know. should which should technically only be as old as Earth. It's slightly younger actually, I think. Or no, slightly older. 
slightly older than uh, Earth, but so, only by like point something billion years. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I mean, it could. Well, I like uh, like that's the thing with like with the regeneration thing. It could be that all life started on Earth, and then you had a couple of regenerations or whatever. <laughs> maybe you know, maybe the Malthusians did originate on Earth, or like the, the first regeneration. Or maybe it's as simple as, you know, life grew out of the life and like even without being born yet, the life entity is still like shooting off life rays or whatever that make life throughout the universe and everything. But the planet it's gestating in can't be done until it's born. So even though life is emanating from Earth as its original focal point, the Earth itself won't coalesce into a completed state until the entity is done growing. So that way you can have the Earth in the constant state of, of liquid flux and all of the universe around it seeming to be further along. And, and I, I can accept stuff like that, but here's the deal, though. That'd be, all, that'd be one thing if they took the time to even bother trying to explain it. But see, <laughs> oh, that's... No. That's 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 just it though. They it's not just that they didn't bother to explain this specific thing. That's part of the reason I have a problem with them using like a Kaluan and a Martian and a Kryptonian. Like they they do this thing, they don't bother to explain it. Then they recruit all these lanterns, the, these these well these seven lanterns from places in the DCU we are intimately familiar with as cosmic DC readers. And do nothing with that either. They don't explain it. They don't plant seeds for anything for the future. They don't even try and tie it into anything else within the DC universe by hinting that, like Jim said, these might be Daxamites or this might be the reason for the green or so on and so forth. You're introduced to these characters. They get a ring. They're immediately brought to Earth. They train with Simon and Jessica. Then they fly off of Earth, encounter this dead world, and decide to take on... The, the Guardians, or, I mean, uh, Volthoom. There is well, no, like, empty space between there to try and tell another story in the future, and they don't bother trying to explain or anything. Okay, they, the, well, okay, I'm going to stop you right there, because the specific races that they picked for the original seven has absolutely nothing to do with anything for that story. However... We know that Volthoom is going to be searching for the other rings to try and rebuild his travel lantern, correct? Right. So, like, even though, like, the Guardians, like, they collected all the rings back again at the end of that story. Supposedly. But, it looks like What's-Her-Name from Kalu still had her ring. So, I mean, reason. like, you know, there's... You know, yeah, I don't know if she necessarily did, but regardless, like, just because those rings did not, like, go back to, you know, just because we didn't see the ring go pick a new person in those sectors doesn't mean that the Guardians didn't hide them in those sectors or, you know, for whatever reason, you know, like a, like a memorial or something like that or, you know, whatever. I think that it, it could still very well come up again. Now, you have a whole other writer, you have a whole other direction, you know, 
who knows if that was something that Sealy asked for. Like, I want to deal with these races, make these the first seven, so that way I have something to play with when I, you know, get in there. Um, you know, or it could just be stupid. I mean, on a... I vote, I vote for stupid only, only, <laughs> only because, based on what we've heard from Sealy so far, is he really has no plans to touch on any of that crap for, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I won't, I won't say stupid, I'll say disappointing. Because it does, it like even, even notwithstanding what does or doesn't happen after this, it feels like wasted potential. And on a base level, it makes sense why they made some of these decisions. Like, okay, why make it ten billion years? Well, because that's a big, crazy, fun round number, and it's a long time ago. Why do you pick representatives from all of these known DC planets and races? Well, because if that would mean something more to us and be more fun than seeing some like a bunch of generic random aliens from nowhere we've ever heard of before and it's and honestly like my big problem like like i realized while i was reading it that okay this probably doesn't gel with the history we've known forever but i was having fun for so who cares but the thing that really got to me was that that, yeah, they don't leave any wiggle room to ever use these specific characters again. And I'm actually, I, I didn't think of what Jim said, and I honestly hope something comes of it. Like, yeah, there's a built-in reason now to go to Mars and Kalu and all these places today and explore this and maybe meet their descendants and find out more about their lives. Even if we never get to see those characters alive again like like flesh them out as part of this world a little more like a little more like they deserve to be before they died in battle the whole storyline was disappointing it had a lot of like i like i think dan said and we talked about in one of the episodes or probably all the episodes covering that arc the storyline the idea of going back to see how they beat volthoom that part was always kind of that part was really interesting. It was they, it was so heavy-handed in the beginning that you knew right from the first time they end up in the which one's that the not, the vault the vault of shadows. That's what I was because I knew I knew it wasn't the chamber because that was the other one. I just couldn't think of the word vault. Uh, you knew the minute they walked in there and they saw Tyranir and or he saw them and they reacted the way he did to Jessica and everything that you damn well knew that they were going to make it like Simon and Jessica were so responsible, even though they really weren't, for beating for beating Volthoom, so you knew that was so heavy-handed, but the idea of, of that would have been a cool story to, you know, it would have been a cool story to see if they handled it differently, and if Volthoom was handled a little differently, but of course, it wasn't, so. And then and then the fact that they don't even touch upon current Volthoom at all, they just conveniently give you like, like a off-camera, oh, he's out there looking for the other rings now. Well, I have a question, why you didn't pick up on the other ring? <laughs> well, no, but talking about Volthoom specifically. So, I and I didn't go back to reread anything. Maybe I should have, but I had a big pile. So, um, at the at the end of that arc, you know, Volthoom's like, like I hate you, Guardians. I hate you so so much. But you two humans, you're cool. I'll send you home. Thanks. Thanks for trying. And he he then goes, hey, Travel Lantern, activate, turn, send them home. Did past Walthoom 
know the rings had the, like how did pass volthoom know he could do that because i i finished that issue thinking wait did they just confuse pass volthoom with future volthoom well pa- pass volthoom knew he knew it i think he knew at that point in the story arc that they had ripped up his that's what they had done to his they ripped up his travel lantern i think that, oh yeah. no yeah he he yeah. says it to raimi <clears throat> yeah yeah yeah, when Raimi comes out, he's like, like he said something like, "What did you do to my rings?" Or like he he, he recognizes he recognizes the Green Lantern's rings is, is like, "Where did you get those?" Like he knows immediately oh, that, okay. that that it's been cannibalized into this new concept. Okay, because the last the last Volthoom I remembered commenting on it was the one in the future. So I'm like, wait, did they just mix up the two of them? I guess not. Yeah. The the bigger and- question the bigger question is why Vol. Volthoom in the future didn't recognize Jessica and Simon from beating them in the past. If, yeah. if we're in this time travel Terminator kind of loop, which they implied that well, he's been he's been through a lot. Yeah, he's been locked yeah, up for it, millions it, they, of years. Yeah, they could they could go that route where they're just like it's been ten billion years. You know, he's been in prison for X amount of time. Who knows what happened to him between now and then? Like he he probably remembers the Guardians betrayed him, but does he even remember the specifics of it anymore? Like. He still remembers Raimi, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And just to make Chad happy, if they ever do that storyline, they'll make sure and say, like, like, something like nine nine billion nine hundred ninety nine and nine hundred ninety nine like billion. Raimi, you betrayed me twenty billion years ago. Now the the fact that Jessica has one of the original seven rings. So does Simon. Now he does, yeah. Well, now he does, but he didn't before. Right. Did they ever explain how the, how she got that ring in the first place? No. Because I mean, like, I guess I, I when I heard about that, I you know went back and checked the JLA, and uh, you know where she got the, the the Green Lantern ring for the first time, and. I don't think that they... It's definitely not in the issue that she gets it. There are no Green Lanterns that are that die and says, seeking a replacement. Like, that Green Lantern ring basically just kind of shows up at the moment that the Volthoom ring disintegrates. And oh, the, pa- the, power, the power ring, power ring? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. the, the, right. So, like, that ring you know disintegrates she no longer has a ring and that ring had a piece of volthoom's soul and then all of a sudden she gets one of the original seven (laughs) travel lantern you know rings which you know picks her and again like one of the one of the lines in the book is nobody questioned why you know she got a ring they did question why the ring thought that Earth needed yet another lantern. I took that to me like like what was the the story arc right after that? And, like wasn't there some big jail Justice League crossover or crisis event or something like that? Well that that was the story that she got the Green Lantern ring in. It was that whole New Gods Stark Side War. Yeah. Because she had gotten the power ring before that. She got the Green Lantern ring near the end of that Darkseed War story. Right. Okay. Because she got the power ring at the, after, what, Forever Evil. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I, assumed, I assumed at the time that line meant, like, 
something bad is coming no. and the universe is getting ready for it, but maybe not. They've I mean, never like, they, of all the crap they've explained in Lantern lore, they've never given us any sort of story or reason that would even remotely justify why we have six Earth lanterns. I mean, is, <laughs> I honestly don't remember. Is is there? I mean, I know there's a red entity growing inside the Earth right now, but is that the only entity in the Earth? Is the white entity somewhere? Did the, are uh, they all no, still dead he's or gone. something? Yeah, he's gone. Okay, I couldn't remember if they're all dead or not. Parallax, Parallax, Parallax is the only one of the original entities well, that's still around. Technically, there's two Parallaxes. Right, but Depend- but, but, but but our 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 Parallax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's not, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings up a question I kind of wanted to ask, since you're talking about the other stuff. Uh, but I don't want to I don't want to cut Jim off. You're going to say something, Jim? Well, yeah, just like you know, with the whole like travel lantern concept. Which, I mean, like, you know, I think it's it's kind of dumb, but also the fact that that's so closely tied to Volthoom also. Like, they had a real, like, chance to explain why she was chosen, and then they just completely bypassed that, and it's probably never going to come up again. I mean, the one of the great things about these franchises lasting literal lifetimes is the fact that anyone can come along at any time and address any of this. It's true. Might, it might not be soon. It might not be while we're alive, but it will most, <laughs> it will most likely happen. Oh, and Chad, they kind of did explain why there were so many Earth Lanterns, because before Brightest Day, they, like, they were, like, the Earth was, you know, basically calling out for more Lanterns, because it needed defending because the life entity was in the earth. Yeah, but that, that explains the four. <laughs> Why did we get two more? Well, habit. Well, have it. And honestly, why haven't any of the other lanterns ever questioned it enough so it became a big deal? <laughs> because they all wanted the ring. No, I meant any of the other like alien lanterns. Oh, they do. I don't know, man. I just I missed the days in the early Jeff Johns run where aliens thought that Earth was like like some backwoods, back alley like dump of a planet and humans were all kind of trailer trash. <laughs> that was a good time. Speaking of rings and selecting people, because we were talking about Jessica and where that ring came from and everything and the selection process there. Maybe I'm just tired, but tell me again. Okay, so how it originally was, was that the Green Lantern, and and by originally, I guess I mean the Jeff Johns run in terms of just recent memory. But, like, how it was was that Mogo was directing the Green Lantern rings, right? No. Yeah, uh, well, no. at a point. Yeah, at a point. That was was way down. I think that was, like, after Johns. Like, it used it used to be that if you wanted a ring to go to somebody, either a Guardian or a Green Lantern had to, like, go hand it to them. Direct it. But, like, I, I could have... What is the, the direction process for all the... Is it, is it just AI? Like, it has certain parameters? That, that is what it used to be, that the ring okay. would naturally select somebody. Okay. Because I I could I couldn't remember if it was a direction like if the, they had a guiding force that 
I just couldn't recall or something. Because when when they re- when they restarted the core after Green Lantern Rebirth, I, th- I think the the rings were still coming from Oa at that point. Yeah, they, they were. I don't think they were going directly. To the, I don't think Mogo had a role in that because I think. I was, oh no! Because they had that. Remember that splash way, splash page when Hal shows up talking to Kilowog and he, how he says it looks like fireworks because all the rings have been shooting out for the last couple of days when the Guardians are for restarting the core. So yeah, I think that's, it was. It was either like a thing the battery was doing, or it was like Salix computers or something like that. But it, it eventually became Mogo, but that was like. That's a thing that's like five years old or something like that. Okay. Now, here's something that I wanted to get your opinions on. With Volthoom, while I think that what they're doing with him is kind of interesting with his backstory and the Travel Lantern and stuff, well, for one thing, what are your thoughts on the Travel Lantern? And two, like... Don't you think that it takes away from the supposed intelligence of the guard, the Guardians, in that, like, now they were not the ones to, like, figure out the emotional spectrum at all? They basically just reversed engineered, you know, what this guy from another universe came with. Not really, because when you, when you have Volthoom on this, don't get me wrong, does it diminish it in some way? Probably. But not as significantly, because by the time Volthoom's shown up, Crone has already done his thing. So, I mean, that's, that, that, uh, that in and of itself is a significant enough scientific <laughs> breakthrough to make me kind of understand, you know, that the, the, the intellect of the Guardians. If Crone yeah. is able to build a view screen to go back in time and then they banish him into this, you know, energy state to wander the universe, they're... They're 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 pretty good on their own. Plus, they have they they've developed. I, see, did they did, did they develop their abilities in this new continuity after they became they got rid of their emotions and to the great heart and became little blue bastards or or were they did they show at some point that they had psionic abilities or something like that before? Because I I know for sure. Like in that Secret Origin issue that Mark and I reviewed with Ryan Daly on his show, before they became the little blue short guys, they had abilities. But is that still the case? Did we see that before they abandoned all emotions in this storyline? I mean, by the sorry, you go ahead. Oh no, I I think that they're they're kind of playing fast and loose with it, like like most things. Yeah, but what they're kind of going at is that the Guardians had no access to the spectral, you know, energy, which is that white energy that they were firing off way back in the day, uh, you know, to to fight Volthoom, basically, until they got rid of their emotions, and, like, you know, at that point, between that and the the Travel Lantern, I think that's where they got their, their powers from. I mean, the oldest sci-fi thing ever is the idea that, oh, we we evolve, we get smarter, and our bodies shrink, and our heads get bigger, and because our heads get bigger, we develop mind powers. And over that that whole Volthoom flashback thing, we saw them getting smaller and their heads getting bigger. So, like, and I know that by the end of the fight with Simon and Jessica, the Guardians were flying. 
So I think, like, while all this was going on, they were undergoing that metamorphosis. Were they activate? Were they gaining access to the spectrum? I don't know. Probably not yet, because they think it's the dirtiest of dirty things. But they're they're like trial and error with green is probably what kicks that off. So I think by the end of I think by the time Simon and Jessica got sent back to the present, they were starting to to have like like telekinetic mind powers and stuff. I guess it depends. Before Jessica and Simon show up, did they know about the white entity? Were because they, they the they, ones that put it in the the earth? Well, uh, well I don't think so. Because yeah, well, I guess it, I guess it could have been. I guess it. Could uh, have I got been. Blackest Night in front of me. Let me pull it down. And see what we it at says. least know they knew about it. Let's put it that way. We at least know. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the Guardian's great lie, or whatever, right? Right. Yeah, about where life began and everything else. Yeah. Well, does that, does that have to mean that they put it there, though, or it's just that they know about it? That's probably true. But it does not necessarily mean that they they were the ones responsible for it. They just learned about it, and they protected it by telling a lie. I, I, I personally don't think, by the way, I, I don't think it takes away from the Guardians, because we kind of know the Guardians are like kind of like, Blind, backstabbing bastards. Anyway, <laughs> even at their best, even even before the you know the Jeff cons of making them like uh, little little Hitlers in the way in the in the making all the time, <laughs> that the reality is that we've they've always been kind of like you know self-serving and they've always told you what you needed to know at a given time and and I think it, and I think it's and even going back to the John stuff, it was kind of implied even when Volthoom showed up that you know Volthoom. Really was the one who brought you know who brought the at least the value or the potential of the emotional spectrum to their attention and helped them yeah. and helped them develop <laughs> it even though we never saw how so I think it fits at least from the Jeff Johns version going forward it does a lot of this stuff obviously weakens the Guardians if you go back in the uniqueness of what they do when you see it being yeah so but that's well yeah I mean like without Volthoom you've got Krona looking back in time and you know, shortening the, the universe and, and all that jazz. And then the Guardians have no way to do anything about it because they have not figured out the spectrum. And then, lo and behold, one day, Volthoom shows up and it's like, ooh, let's reverse engineer that. That'll save us some time. Well, also, keep in mind, we're talking about, about beings that are, they're essentially functionally immortal. So, their sense of urgency is going to be different from what we would think of, you know, like, like to that, like what is a billion years to them? It's nothing. And I actually kind of like the idea of, of the guardians and Volthoom comparing notes and working out the spectrum together. And, and one of them creating the first green rings kind of, just on a lark by accident almost because like it's it's this is gonna sound stupid but it's it's basically how science really works you know these you get experts in from different places with different levels of knowledge and expertise comparing notes and helping each other until they make a breakthrough and sometimes that breakthrough isn't the thing they were trying to find at all i don't think no go ahead sorry I was gonna say like I I also but I also come from a place where I don't really care that much about Green Lantern 
and its stuff being being special. So like like I don't need the Guardians to be like the first of whatever. I don't need them to be to be like the sole originators of this or that or the most powerful whoozy what's it's, you know, I I don't know, just just come up with an interesting version of it and I, I'll go with it. Um I found the panel from Blackest Night. I think I think your confusion, Jim, might be because of the way it was worded during Blackest Night. Uh it it's right after the entity shows up and Necron throws his scythe into it for the first time and everybody feels the pain. Um Ganthet says the entity, the living light bestowed upon this universe that triggered existence itself. The Guardians may be the oldest living beings, but life did not begin on our world. Life began on Earth. We buried this fact to keep the entity protected. It was imperative we not draw attention to Earth. We did our best to keep humans from the Green Lantern Corps. So, like, they they buried it, but they didn't, like, physically put the entity in the Earth. They lied. Yeah, the thing they buried was the truth. They just didn't tell anybody it was there. Yeah. <laughs> we buried the truth and the entity <laughs> ourselves. God. <clears throat> yeah, I have a question about the travel lantern, and I'm probably just not remembering something again. Do we ever get an explanation for why it's a lantern? No. Okay. Uh, why? Why it travels? No, why I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I can. I don't even care that much about the specifics of that stuff. I just like I'm every time they mention the travel lantern, I cannot for the life of me figure out why it is a lantern. Like why did they make it that shape? Like why like if this was not a green lantern series, it would not be a lantern. Like why why is it a lantern? Yeah, it's a, method, it's a method of travel. You'd think it'd be like a flight ring or like a belt or something you physically wear, you know, or, like you or like twist a, a watch thing and you travel through the multiverse. Or something you get inside of. Like, I don't, like, I yeah. don't know. I, that's like, that, like, I could take or leave any of the things that have frustrated you guys so far. But, like, this is the one thing where I'm like, you know what, you need a reason for this. <laughs> what you call it? I think... The, okay, here's my thoughts on the, the, the Travel Lantern. First off, I think it's powered by, like, the bleed or something like that, the energy between the universes, which, you know, would allow it to travel between them. When was the last and, time we heard about the bleed? Uh, that was, like, two universes ago, Jim. Ion. Well, uh, they, they did just mention <laughs> hypertime in the button. What? Oh, my God. Yeah. Why yeah, did they, they do they, that? They brought up Hypertime again in that Button uh, miniseries. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, even if it's not the bleed, I'm just, you know, like, whatever the space is between the multiverses. So, like, I'm figuring it's powered by that, and nobody really expected so much to be grasping onto it and using it as a means of travel, just that this was the device that they used to contain it. Um... I I mean beyond that I, I don't I don't know. I think the moral of the story right now is that we're all looking forward to what the new writer does and can't wait to see what someone someday does with the things that have been introduced in the book so far. 
what you call it, the one thing that I did see that was I thought was pretty interesting, which kind of relates to the Travel Lantern, is that Earth-15 that Volthoom is from, if you look that up in the um, multi, multiversity or whatever, you know. The Grand Morrison thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Earth-15 was from a like the most perfect universe in all yeah, the we're all the Yeah, where all the Justice Leaguers became gods. Right, but... And then it got destroyed by Superboy Prime. Right. Oh, he's from Superboy Prime's world? No, 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 no. no. Super, Superboy Prime destroyed their world. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. But also in uh, Multiversity, like, one of the things in the guidebook... They they call out the reference to the um, the Lantern Grail or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that in one of the episodes. Oh, okay. Covering those issues. I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Like, there's like a Brother Power the Geek cameo and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> that that was nice. That part was nice. Well, that that issue was nicely done. The art, the kind of the art, Volthoom's origin issue or whatever. That part was nice. That part was nicely done. Not saying it was perfect because nothing's perfect, but there was yeah, it was yeah. handled well, and there, and it was, and they did a good job. Of, they did a good job at making him the that trying to anyway make him the parallax like figure where you can understand his perspective on things and why he kind of feels wronged and why he wants to basically set things right. Yeah, and it worked because this. Like, I think the strength of this writer in his run is the is these quiet human moments where, like, this issue worked so well because it was mostly just just Volthoom and and Raimi, like these two people, just like working together and growing as friends and figuring out that their goals are opposite of each other ultimately, and what does that do to them? Uh, that's, that's I think that's also like the kind of the source of some of the better moments that's been written with Simon and Jessica too. It's just like I haven't read the final issue with those two yet. I can't wait to now, Jesus. But um, yeah, like so much of the things of the positive things I take away from those two characters come from moments like that. Come from the two of them them bonding over their love of pancakes or something. It's like they like this writer's stumbles when it comes to the larger lore of Green Lantern and the DC universe at large, but I think has a good enough grasp on how to just write people. Yeah. I can see that. Nice. Can we talk about the other book? Can talk about, of course. Threshold? So, yeah, that one. Which I thought of you before, Jim, when I was looking for those Planet of the Apes issues. I I, I stumbled upon uh, some of the threshold issues and when I was doing that. I was like, oh, yes. Let's go, um, panel by panel. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> once, yeah, so, once was more than enough. I, uh, I was listening to that episode uh, just the other day, and... I, yeah, like I, I completely missed it when you guys, you know, did it, and I—that I, was one that I was actually looking forward to listening to because there was zero chance of me ever reading those issues, and I was like, I had like a, um, a slight passing interest in how they did wrap it up, but um, 
Yeah, listening to your episode, like, that was awful. <laughs> I mean, like, it was a you, good you episode. Mean the, you mean the story, not us, I hope. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good episode. It's just, like, I kind of felt bad for you. Um, but, like, oh, so that made me curious as to, like, why that series exists in the first place. So... I started doing a little bit of research, and I was looking into, like, interviews and things like that, and it's just like, you know, like, why did they think that this was a good idea? So, like, what I found was that Keith Giffen had been wanting to do something with the DC, um, like, cosmic side, because he was the one that helped reboot, like, the Marvel, um cosmic thing like, like annihilation that, and all yeah, that exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrote like the star lord miniseries and i think like either the like i think silver surfer but he did like a number of those things and he was instrumental in rebooting guardians the way that they are now and all that stuff he wanted to do the same thing with dc so you know he made his intentions known and so Dan DiDio calls him up one day and says, hey, I know you wanted to do that cosmic thing, so how would you like to do something that's kind of like Hunger Games? Because Hunger Games was, like, super popular at that time. So they wanted to do a Hunger Games reality TV show type book. And, you know, so Giffen is like, okay, well, I want to bring, you know, these original characters from, like, the, the pre-crisis universe or whatever and bring them into New 52, and update them. So, like, that, um, uh, Ilda, I, I sent Mark the picture of yes. Ilda and, uh, I believe it was, was it Starhawk or something like that, the detective? They were characters in, like, pre-Crisis DC, and, like, the robot, like, literally had what would now be considered an emoji face on, like, her head. Like, it was, like, it was a giant yellow head, and that was the, the robot wife of this detective. Perfect. And yeah, so Giffen is just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna reboot this stuff for the modern day because that's what people have been clamoring for. And like, yeah, like, the whole thing is just like, hey, oh, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I really wanted to make it a dense read. And they're like, oh, so, and... <laughs> he succeeded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, what do you, uh, you know, what are you looking to do? And he's like, you know, labeling his plans. You know, it's like, and that's what we're going to do for this if we make it that long. So, like, you know, it's almost like he was, you know, just like, oh, I have the greatest plans for this series. If people are smart enough to buy my book, it was, uh, it, it was pretty ridiculous. But, um. That's yeah. more work than you ever did for this show. I, I had ever, just ever. I had to know personally. God. So, so you want to talk about the other book, Dan? Go ahead. Yeah. So something that I mean, I put off Hal and the Core for a while just because the arcs that were piling up on the surface, didn't seem to interest me, you know? I didn't care about the new gods coming back again. I didn't care about the, the oh, these prism monsters are going to be attacking, or who cares, whatever. 
And I just kind of like, I part of me was like, oh, maybe I'll just skip a couple of these issues. Who cares? But I ended up reading them. And I was really surprised at at some of the things they just they just really went for. Like like the instant that guy, uh, what's his name, Sarko, mm-hmm. the time traveler man, as yep. soon as he references, as soon as he uses the word like creative to reference his dad, I'm like, oh okay, well that's how that's a uh, Kyle and Sora's kid. <laughs> That there's no way around it. He's 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 pink. He's just he's like he loves like his, he's he's a he's a freaking Kylo Ren. He loves his grandfather for his war crimes, and he's he's, he's their kid. But he, what they did with him, like letting that have a lasting effect on Kyle, and having that be this like this poisonous thing in his relationship with Sora and having that be the catalyst for the alliance breaking up first i was floored cuz i didn't see that coming i like i mean no one ever thought the green and yellow would stay together that was never going to happen long term it's amazing it was going on this long but like like I remember, like the last, the last uh, page of that, that like a uh, two or three issue Rip Hunter story thing was just Kyle with his mask on the floor, with his head in his hands, like just coming to terms with the fact that he just saw his son die, and I'm like, wow, okay. And then, oh god, I'm like tripping over thoughts. Like, like I, I remember like when I saw him like starting to flirt with Ceranic again. Being like, oh god, they're gonna get back together, and we're gonna go back to the old sas quo again, and and yeah, she re- rejected him for now, but that won't last. And then she just flips the fuck out once she realizes the truth and what he kept from her. And yeah, she went a little off the deep end, but I don't think. I mean, she just unknowingly autopsied the son she didn't know she had. I think that that's that's kind of a blank check to go a little crazy in the moment here. So, like, they're pushing these characters into interesting and unexpected directions for reasons that I never guessed they would do because I thought they would play it safer and more generic. And I'm very happy about that. And I'm very sad for Arkillo because he can never keep a best friend. First it's St. Walker, and now it's Guy. I want a hard-traveling hero that's just these three idiots going on a road trip. (laughs) But, I want our- <laughs> but but apparently our killer can keep a hand that they never explained he got back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I want no, I want I want Guy and Saint Walker to be constantly at odds because their personalities clash, and our killer to be in the back being like, "Oh come on, guys! I just I I met, I I finished the stakes. Come on, don't you want to sit down? <laughs> don't like stakes. Come on, you guys." I want I want our and Guy to be best friends, and then they've just got like a rope tied around St. Walker's neck and they just drag him wherever they go. <laughs> guys, I really, I have to rebuild my core. Come on, you guys. I have to hand these out in person for some reason. Guys. No, no, no. Absolutely we should, not. We should take, we should take side bets actually when we'll see St. Walker again. <laughs> I want to, I want to see St. Walker like so hopeless, 
Like he starts talking like Marvin in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, well, I think we've already been down that road with St. Walker. Thank you. At this point, <laughs> St. Walker, we saw him just like fly away to I, – I, they talked around it, but he went off to recruit new Blue Lanterns, right? Yeah, that's what that's, he's doing? Yeah, yeah. That's what, he's, that's, what his, that's what his mission was. At this point, I just want him to be gone for like six months and then show up with like 120 Blue Lanterns. That I don't would be even cool. Just do that. Just just do that. Keep him off the table and then give us a whole core back. Yeah, and a key moment. Like the cavalry showing up, but it's not just Sam Walker. Yeah, it's just a whole core of blues. Yeah, that would be that would be cool. I thought that there was no hope left. Now he's got it. No, <laughs> there, there, there is hope left in the universe. It's just something is something was trying to. Something was impacting it. Something was pre- preventing it. We're trying to wipe it out. Trying, trying to prevent it from spreading, which is also the main reason why Kyle's attempt to restart, to bring resurrect the original Blue Lantern Corps failed. As, as we probably all assume, it's probably Saint uh, uh, Manhattan, since he seems to be anti-hope. Everything related to hope is stuff he zeroes in on. So it would make sense that the blues would be something he would try to. So. I, I just hope since they and I, we said this before, just because they went, I would never w- thought in a million years about oh they're gonna bring back Worth and all those guys. But once they opened that door and that story arc about b- resurrecting them, once they gave us that little those breadcrumbs, it's like yeah now I want to see it eventually. Now I want to see these guys brought back when this when this roadblock is pushed out of the way. So, yeah. Resurrecting. Well, the, the, the blue, whatever preventing the what was preventing the resurrection, which supposedly was not possible. Which, of course, we know we all know the Guardians think a lot of things are impossible, but are because they probably under they overestimate their own abilities. But once that whatever's preventing the prevented Kyle from bringing bringing them back, once that obstacle is removed, hopefully they'll be brought back. Since it's not like technically Kyle isn't the wasn't the only White Lantern. Anymore, he really wasn't. He's anyone we've seen, but he wasn't the only White Lantern anymore. Yeah. So, and I like to see Kyle go white again too, because I don't know. Or they they have to do something different with him than they're doing at this point. I saw the art. The art in one of the books, like he between the way that they drew his head and his mask, he looked like a Neanderthal or something like that. Yeah, but Kyle, like. One of the one of the big complaints from the '90s and on that has always been kind of true about Kyle is that depending on who draws him and from what angle, that mask just looks like there's a brick duct taped to his face. Yeah, that that mask is not easy to draw. No, and, and not very and very, especially if you leave Daryl out of the picture, not many people can really do justice to it. <laughs> You would have to just Photoshop a Daryl Banks head on every character <laughs> model of Kyle. That's the only way that you can get a good Kyle mask every time. And, and Daryl will get his royalties, and he'd be happy with that. <laughs> how is how is Kyle doing now that he's green? I haven't read any of those stories. He's generally happy about it. I mean, his life is hell right now, but... <laughs> oh. oh, Awesome. I mean, he just watched his son die and his future baby mama blow up and turn into space Hitler. But that, but again, like you said, that 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 was his fault. <laughs> oh yeah, and, oh yeah. And, and see, part of it also oh, was yeah. Thor, 
But Sora was probably pissed off too because she was pissed at it's these you know, the psychology. She's pissed at herself too because she allowed herself to start falling into that trap again of, of warming up to Kyle just to, to end up in the same spot, which is the reason why they broke up in the first place. Yeah, so, like there's there's this great moment where like like he I guess like in the wake of losing what he could have had with like he, like he's trying to process what he lost versus what they didn't lose because it's it's complicated and he's was also trying to like not tell her about it because he didn't want her to have to go through with it or whatever selfish reasons he had for not telling her but also wanted to bring her closer to him so he started really pushing the idea of hey you should become a Green Lantern again, and we can both be stationed here together, and it'll be great just like it used to be. And when she finds out, like, he hands her her old green ring, and when she confronts him about it, she squeezes it in her palm so hard it fucking explodes and is actually a pretty beautiful page. I forget why I started talking about that. <laughs> Well, it is one of the more memorable. It is one of the more memorable. Not just. I don't want to say the whole arc. I mean, the fracture arc is memorable. Obviously, the whole Sarko thing was kind of. To me, the more interesting thing about that was the whole Chronos Gauntlet gaining sentience. <laughs> that was more. And the fact, you know, so that was a little. That was more interesting than Sarko, I thought. But yeah, the, the Sora thing is probably if, if you look at everything through this. Certainly, the majority of the, this run so far. In this book, I think that's that whole Sora falling, following in her father's footsteps, is uh, probably one of the more interesting things and memorable things of it so far. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the, I think the twist reveal of the gauntlet becoming sentient was was interesting, because like it's a thing. Like I thought, oh, oh, this guy got the gauntlet and he's been using it, but no, it's actually it's from. It's from how I forget how far in the future it is, but it's from far enough in the future that it gained sentience and came to life, and now came back in time with him to beat up Hal Jordan. That's that's a cool twist. It's I, the 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 sentient gauntlet in itself. I don't think is very interesting yet because it's blatantly not done. But yeah, it's a, it, it's a cool piece to have on the board for later. Speaking of Sora, the thought just hit me as we're listening to this. Since Parallax is out, without again going to delving too deeply into the the Superman, Sinestro, Hal Jordan's issues that we're going to be dealing with soon, but we've already, but since we already talked about this in one segment, why not talk about it in the other? (laughs) Since since the Parallax entity is out there, our Parallax entity is out there. Seemingly, we don't know where it is anymore. Well, I, it still would be a really cool story to see it have it seek out the other Parallax entity. I was just thinking it actually would be pretty cool if it would seek out Sora, since that would be another person that if, if it's trying to to not just potentially get revenge on Sinestro, but also put Sinestro in a really tough spot of trying to uh, take it out of Sora. But but it's Sinestro, so he, I, he really probably wouldn't have much trouble. And yeah. Inside, he really wouldn't have a big issue beating the crap out of his daughter. So I, I, I'll stick with the, it'll be more interesting him seeking out the other Hal Jordan, the other Parallax. If he's looking for someone to get revenge on Sinestro and to protect him from Sinestro, that would be his best bet. So, but it just <laughs> hit me now that Sora as as the host, and that would be trying to stick it to Sinestro a little bit. That would kind of be that 
it wouldn't be beyond the realm of parallax to do that since there is a kind of like sadistic side to the satisfaction he gets out of picking his hosts and kind of like flipping the birds to a previous host in the process. <laughs> now, with the with that Superman, Green Lantern crossover thing, how many issues of Superman were there? Two. Two. Damn it. Oh, which book? Which yeah, Superman. Uh, it was super it was just super it was Superman, just Superman. Okay. Does it go back and forth like an issue of Hal and then no, an issue of no, Superman no, no. or No, the, no, the, the, the yeah, it's, it's the Superman's a prelude. Hmm. Okay. Good issues though. So, Superman issues were good. I'll have to look for it. <sighs> no, it because it gives again without going into great detail at the moment. It gives it gives it kind of shows you the status quo of the Sinestro parallax relationship, which is understandable, but not where people might think it actually was based on the last time we saw them together but it's but I think it's a natural evolution to what that relationship is and and how Superman kind of factors into at least from my, from that storyline how Superman factors in and also how Superman deals with Sinestro which is quite interesting too okay who write who's uh writing Superman Actually, the was, old green Lantern team yeah yeah oh that's their book that's yeah, uh Tomasi and Gleason mm-hmm Nice. And didn't Kirkham do the art on it? I thought Kirkham uh, did the art, or at least the cover or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good it's a good read. It's uh And I like I kinda I can't say I love the first issue of the super of the Superman Hal Hal Jordan thing and Hal in the core. Uh it was kinda disappointing where the where they were where they ended up going with it at the end. I mean you knew kind of it by the solicits kind of where they were going to end up but when you read it you'll, you'll understand a lot of it's just like you know smoke and mirrors Jim that's kind of like what it was uh, so. uh, yes I remember that yes I know what you're talking about <laughs> now we now bef- not that we're rushing because we're not and we want to do some feedback with you guys because we had a bunch of questions so if there's other oh. stuff you guys want to talk about we probably at least should allow like at least ten minutes to do at least one or two feedback questions. So, but if it's um, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about was like uh, an episode by episode breakdown of Stranger Things season two. I, I didn't like, start it yet. I just uh, hope it's better than season one. I like see if if you didn't like season one all that much, which I actually didn't. I thought it was good, but not like the Mount Rushmore like people were putting it up on. I actually okay. I personally like season two more, other than. Some of the decisions to keep certain characters away from other characters for for the bulk of the show, I, of the season, I didn't necessarily like, but I did like the story we were getting and and a lot of some of the other characters that some of the characters that didn't get developed as well in the first season, I think got a little it's like it ebbs and flows. Some characters that were main characters in the first season kind of got crapped on, I thought this season, which was okay, but. Other characters got more playing time and got a little more plot and development, so I think that was. So I liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was good. I watched it. I finished it. I think last weekend. I watched it in a couple of days. Cool. How how many episodes is it? Nine. Nine. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll probably start working on that this weekend because I really liked the the general tone and everything they were going for with season one, but like 
I didn't a lot of the things that they wanted to come off as like funny and cute I didn't respond to and I never really really understood what the I'll just say the men in suits were doing that makes them bad guys and that took away from a lot of the tension but again I really like like the the look and the feel and the tone of what they make and I'm I'm much more interested in Eldritch Horror. So season two looks like it could be up my alley. So here's hoping. <laughs> I loved it. And you get Paul Reiser. Yeah. <laughs> actually, he's pretty, he's pretty good in it, actually. It was yeah. good, I, and a lot of a lot of the new a lot of the new cast members that they brought in, I think, added to it. Not all of them, but. I think most most of I think the female characters they brought in were a plus. I don't necessarily think the. Uh... Well, I mean, I think uh, the one the one character you're thinking about we're not supposed to like. That's true. I mean, he he, he plays the role well, but I mean, but I don't know how much he brings to the tape. I mean, I, maybe that's a character that's not supposed to bring anything to season two, but he has plays a role yeah. in season three. But as a season two character, he he wasn't really that necessary other than being a thorn in his quote-unquote sisters side really yeah. and getting in the way but uh but the two main female the new uh what max and but kari i like kari a lot i hope she comes back and i hope she comes oh back. Yeah. yeah she was awesome probably. she was pretty yeah she was she was we should probably cool. stop talking about this for spoilers well that's why i'm not going to go into more details that's why i'm just throwing out names I know. <laughs> well, that's it, though. You throw it out. Well, a, name. Yeah, well, a name really isn't a spoiler unless their name is like you know, like like the Spinebreaker or something. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, Car Kari the Spinebreakers in this? Spoiler alert! Spinebreaker. Bane. <laughs> Bane. Yeah. After credits. Uh, uh, okay, so what's this feedback? Whatever. Well, Dan, <laughs> was was there something else in particular you wanted to address? Ah, uh, not really. It's just I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with how much more I'm enjoying Hal and the core than I thought I would, even when they're even when they're not doing anything all that big or exciting, really. Like we got an issue that was almost nothing but Hal flying in a construct jet really fast. Oh god. Talking like, to like do you like that issue? <laughs> I like reviewed, that we haven't reviewed oh, it god. yet, but I like alert, it, I hated it. <laughs> It was it was Hal in a construct jet trying to catch up with God, and he's he's pushing himself so hard that like his ring is like warning him that he's about to rupture the speed force, and he's talking to his dad's ghost for who cares why. And it was just a really nice nice issue that like I think tapped into a lot of like what makes Hal Jordan Hal Jordan, and kind of like gives us like a right now perspective on his own origin and then and then we'll get and i'm also really pleased that they seem to be embracing shorter story arcs like there was a i don't think i can't remember but i think every one of these has been like two to four issues and i think that's really like unlike with green lanterns which feels like they ran out of space too quick i think hal and the core is really like capitalizing on that and making it work and moving on to the next thing before we get a chance to get bored of the last thing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where Hal and the core is right now, where they seem to be going. And I'm 
looking forward to seeing a fresh take on the Simon and Jessica book. So I think Green Lantern right now is in a pretty good spot. Well, the next story arc is interesting. Well, to me, that that's the one where we're hoping we're with the, with the controllers. That's the one where we're hoping we're finally going to friggin' get an explanation for where the hell the Templar Guardians are. <laughs> based, based on what the storyline is supposed to be about, be about. So, you know, them pretty much trying to wipe out and gather up the remaining Guardians. You would think that's probably where the Templar Guardians are. If not, give me a break. <laughs> Controllers and the Templar Guardians went to a higher plane to make babies. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, they better be off training all those white lanterns Kyle gave rings to. Yeah. A higher plane, doesn't that make it the Mile High Club? Yep. Oh, <laughs> Just like Hal and his ghost dad. <laughs> they were uh. the Mile High Club together? Oh, no. <laughs> God. Oh, that's an image I can't get out of my head now. Uh, and on that note, no. Well, I, I'm not sure how much. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're canceled again. Speaking of that, <laughs> no, of that it had nothing to do with that. But I figured now was a good way to segue out of, out of, danger zone. And I'm not sure how much, <laughs> I'm not sure how much feedback we'll do. But this, I think, this is a good one for all of us to address because basically we have two teams of Lantern Cast hosts, hosts here. So I'm gonna, so if you, if you, unless you have an objection, Chad, I figure we'll do laurels. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Because it seems like these so wait, are pretty so, cool. so Dan and I are teaming up, or well, when or you what? hear the questions, it might, it might, you're still going to technically answer as individuals, but, but I think it, from a experience of recording together, when you hear the questions, in my mind, mind's eye, it seemed perfect to kind of deal with it as, as teams, even though Chad is kind of the wild card because he was in both. Uh, all right, so the questions are, um, how did you get into Green Lantern podcasting? What's the craziest story of making the Lantern cast? Any humorous mayhem? <laughs> what do you like about making the Lantern cast together? And the bonus question was, if you did podcasting with a member of the Green Lantern Corps, who would it be? And they could be living or dead currently. Uh, someone from the past. Uh, and why? So. Okay. So, and I can refresh you in case you didn't remember all, every, all those little A, Bs, and Cs there, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, I can answer the, for one of the first questions for Dan. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, why, did, why did Dan get into uh, recording a Green Lantern podcast? And that was because I sent him a message saying, hey, you want to do a Green Lantern podcast? <laughs> he sent me a really creepy message that said, hey, little boy, you want to <laughs> talk to me on the internet? Uh, I'm Hal Jordan's dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, free Mile High Club invites. <laughs> I've got two tickets to paradise. <laughs> Love Kevin Spacey. Oh, too soon. Oh, All right. Yes. Well, maybe but when yes. it gets released, it might not be. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, about, so... Talk about a hole getting dug deeper about every single day, my God. So Jim and I both listened to Comic Geek Speak. And we're both active on the comic forums. And Jim, I think, was was in his... The, the way Jim mo makes most of his podcast decisions is, hey, nobody's making that thing I want to listen to. I'll just do it. Yeah, basically. And then I guess I was talking about Green Lantern a lot on the forums, and he messaged me. He's like, hey, I want to make a Green Lantern podcast. You want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, okay, uh, I guess... 
Oh, well, it is a little bit better than that, and I is don't it? think I don't think it's, ever... it's not that much better than that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've heard no, no. this story. Of, I've heard this story a billion times. It's not that much better than that. <laughs> the reason it gets a little bit better is because the reason that I messaged Dan was, yes, I knew that he was a Green Lantern fan. I mean, like, his his screen name was Gland. But also... Oh, that can mean a lot of things. <laughs> that, that, also, that actually has nothing to do with Green Lantern. <laughs> he's, he's got a glandular condition. Now you feel like shit, don't you, Jim? It was actually because at the time, I was a big fan, for some reason, of the Sci-Fi Channel's Invisible Man show, and that the premise of that was they took and they found. So the reason no one can find Sasquatch, you see, is because he can turn invisible. So someone caught one and took the invisibility thing out of its brain and then put it into this guy's brain, and it was a gland, you see. And now that guy could go invisible, but if he did too much, he would get like, like, invisible crazy. But yeah, so that's where that came from. That is the that's a crazy story that <laughs> here. Um, but no the reason that I had a uh, message Dan of all people was because like at, there was some point before that and I think it was like a couple of months or whatever like that like I don't know I, I asserted something on the forums and like Dan came back at me basically telling me that I was an asshole. <laughs> I don't remember this, but I believe you. And, like, you know... I also I don't doubt that is true. <laughs> like, and I, you know, I thought about it, and it's like, yeah, he's probably right. I am. You know, and the fact that he was able to, like, just, you know, completely called me out on it, I said, I'm like, ah, that's probably... That's probably a good direction to go in. <laughs> God. Ugh. I, but I was, I was right. It's definitely it's either that or you message a lot of people, and I was the only one that got back to you. Well, you see, that's the other part of the story that I don't think I've ever mentioned on the podcast before. Is that there was like it was months before I messaged you. Somebody messaged me asking me if I wanted to do a Green Lantern podcast, and I have absolutely no idea whatsoever who that person was. I, Are you sure it wasn't I, Corwin? No, <laughs> it definitely wasn't. No, you see, like, it wasn't anybody that I, it wasn't anybody that I know today that I know of. Um, it was somebody who, I like, I feel like their screen name had something to do with, like, Red or something like Red something or other wasn't Red Lantern, but, you know, whatever it was, like, I ha I didn't have an actual name for the person. You know, they basically just said, yeah, this is something that I was thinking about doing, you know, and I said, I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. You know, I I'm totally on board. And that was the last I ever heard of that person. And months later, you know, I still hadn't heard anything, and there was no Green Lantern podcast. And I said, I'm like, well, I'm like, it is a good idea. I'm like, let's do it. So, 
God, look at, look at, listen to this. Listen to these retcons to our established <laughs> continuity. <laughs> listen to how oh. 10 billion years ago Jim got a private message from somebody. I got a, it, the guy's name was Volthoom. <laughs> Well, no, we, we, we heard last segment uh, a story I'd never heard before that the Lantern cast was originally going to be part of Corwin's podcast network or something. Oh, no. Y'all got, y'all got invited to be a part of that network but decided to do your own thing? Yeah, oh, we yeah, did, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, we had been recording, like, a few episodes. I don't remember how, how deep we were in, but... Um... We felt like it would be getting in over our heads too quick or something like that. Something stupid like that. You know, it was very early on. Like, it was, we hadn't, I don't even think we had reached episode five. And he messaged us that. And, I, you know, my, my feelings on it were like, you know, whether we succeed or fail, I would like to basically do it on our own. And, you know, not be... Not so much beholden to another organization, but like you know, if we decide to stop tomorrow, I don't want to lose you control. know. Well, not so much lose control, but just like not be able to post, you know, not have anything to post on, you know, the network that we're a part of. And then also, like, if it becomes you know something really popular, I want to be able to just make changes whenever we want to. Plus, at this point, neither of us were, like, really knew Corwin the way we do now. So it's like, yeah, yeah. it's not like we're, it's not like, like, if he asked us to do it now, I'm like, yeah, no problem. Because, you know, we have this history. But back then, it was just like, like, we knew Corwin less than we knew each other. And that wasn't a lot. So, so it was kind of like, back off, Joker, we're doing this one on our own. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and little and little did, did everybody know at the time. But I think it was a wise decision. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because they, I think they've gone through some expansions and contractions of their own. So, you know, um, now they're, they're basically, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like X Men and Avengers. And so, Deadpool. And Deadpool, yeah. Oh yeah, and Deadpool. Um, but I mean, you know, they, they stick mostly to the Marvel stuff, whereas, I mean, you know, this is just the Lantern cast, you know, people know what they're going to get when they come here. So. Well, was was there more to that question? Are we, are we all asking, answering each question one at a time or, are we, or is one person think, answering a string of questions? Well, why don't we, why don't we, well, why don't we just let Dan and Jim answer the questions and then you and I answer the questions? Okay. Because, cool. I mean, it doesn't matter, but it kind of started that way, so I think. No, that's fine. Whatever. So what did you ask Jim? What was the other part of the question? Yeah, what was the, like, the, la- the final part of that question? So you think you, well, let's see, you, I'm sure, does that count as your crazy story? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty it good is, crazy I know. story. Uh, Unless we want to get the origin for Choanada finally. Oh God, didn't we do that? No. Maybe maybe episode five hundred. Oh, how about, how about the, you. Or the how about the tenth anniversary episode next year? <laughs> the, <laughs> finally, it can be revealed. Uh, let's see. What do you like about making the Lantern cast together? And the was if you did a podcasting member with a member of the Green Lantern Corps currently alive. Or formerly alive, <laughs> who would it be and why? 
I mean, Stell, because he could do everything. Oh, man. That's He'd be great at editing. editing. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I mean, this, this, this isn't going to make much sense in terms of somebody to review with, but Rotlop Fan. Because I think... I think podcast and Rotlop fan would be uh, a pretty pretty good combination. Yeah, I think he's a little too stoic, though. I don't know. He might have a sense of humor. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> all the real, all the really cool ones are like have like weird personalities that are like kind of a little too dry. I miss Carrie Wren. God. Is she the you sound so, you sound so wistful, Mark. But I, well, I do like that storyline, too. And I, it is a character that really, I mean, that certainly can be revisited at any time, really. <laughs> well, at one yeah. specific time, but you know what I mean. But, yeah, I miss... Yeah, I think that's... I like I like the... Because that was... That was when they finally told us the concept of it being tied to his genetic template, right? Yeah. Or was it... Be- was oh the, no no! That was a little uh, bit they before told that. Us that. Yeah, that was like the fourth or fifth issue in when he was off in that alien planet and he found the alien Green Lantern. Oh yeah, you're. Did they? But, oh. did, but we didn't get the official. We, I mean, it didn't work for him, but we couldn't get an explanation without Gantha telling him that. Could Kyle would have known the reason why? Well, I remember. So there was a period where this was one of the few issues that I had and reread over and over again because at the time. The idea of, hey, someone else with a Green Lantern ring was, like, this novel thing. And, like, I remember that scene where, like, he wakes up and finds his co- his ring gone and then finds her and she's like, it only works for you, you know? And then, like, gives this whole explanation of how she tried to use it and tried to take her old life back. And, like, so that's where they told us, like, oh, it doesn't work for anybody but Kyle. And right. we might have gotten, like, the more technical, yes. like, oh, it's, 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 uh... Anything about, like, like the word genetic code never came up in that issue. Well, I, I know it came up, but it actually came up before Carrie Wren, because I think we, they talked about it in the, uh, when, but the sod was torturing him. Yeah, yeah, that was another thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. That might have, that <laughs> might have actually, that might, yeah, because, yeah, I, cause I don't know, if, again, using the cur- that terminology may not have been, that may not have been stated to the, the Carrie Wren issue, but, uh, but, uh, but, it was brought to Kyle's attention. The concept was brought – something like that. I mean – but, yeah, I do – but I still like Carrie Wren as a character. So he, it's another character that – you know, it's just one of those – especially if you read – like us, if, or even if you were re- reading the Kyle era you know, when it was happening, that was kind of a cool concept, you know, that – and the fact that it got a guarantee that Kyle was getting – you know, his – He's going to have descendants, so that was a plus for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think he feels that way right now, but. You know. <laughs> I think the best Green Lantern to to do a podcast with would be the one like you would have to have one that has a good personality that you can gel with, but who would also have a lot of cool stories that they could just uh, tell tell I off the, the top. I have the answer already. Is it Kilowog? Vaz. Oh, okay. Vaz, I always like Vaz's personality. He always seems like 
Everybody's telling me to get the hell out of the freaking place. What the hell's going on? Like, he's he's always so gruff, but, like, you know, he, he seems sociable. Uh, but, you know, he runs the freaking prison. So, like, he's got to have some great stories. And he got, uh, and also, he got set on also, fire with, like, red napalm, right, when he's still alive to tell about it. <laughs> I'd, I'd also say Salak if he wasn't so... Douchey? Gl- yeah, glum and, you know, deadpan all the time. I think I'd pick Guy for the reasons you said, because Guy would be funny and Guy would always have stories to tell. <laughs> He'd be a dick, but so much. I just you think about it from that perspective. You, if you you kind of want to be the guy who's not a dick if you're in a, t- in a team, kind of. <laughs> I th- I thought about Guy, but I don't want to be around somebody who drinks that much all the time. <laughs> Every episode's the drunk episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the sober episode. It's it surprises everybody. Dan, Dan, you can record with Jack T. Chance and, and Nort. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> does uh, it, dream does, team. Hey, why don't I, while I'm at, why don't I get the Nort that's like the angry, grizzled bear from that Howard Chaykin abortion? Oh, collateral damage. Yeah, yeah. It's the second time collateral damage actually gets mentioned in this episode, ironically. <laughs> collateral don't. damage needs to be remembered. In all of these these anniversary episodes, yeah, no, no, it needs to be remembered through history because it's a fucking war crime. God, collateral damage is one of the worst things DC has ever printed in its entire publication history. No, Dan has not finished reading Threshold. <laughs> I would read Threshold from beginning to end every day for the rest of my life. Then. Instead of having to even look at the cover of Collateral Damage. Yeah, but wait, no, like, no, when you say that, though... That, that no, I mean know, all of the issues every day. Yeah, and I'm what, I, what I'm saying is that you know that if you did that, you'd just commit suicide after the first day. <laughs> no, if, eventually, I would become mentally and emotionally drained and dead inside, and I would be able to get through it quicker. <laughs> You know, th- um, and I, it's it's almost blasphemy to say this, but you know, actually, when when I had to read those issues for Threshold, uh, I, I'm not going to say I cared about the story at all because I didn't. Were, uh, but it wasn't as horrible a read as I kind of remembered it being. <laughs> Mark, that's going to be on the back of the of the trade. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I always have. I, I'm good at coming up with blurbs to put on I put on covers. <laughs> It didn't make me forgettable story. Yeah, it did not make me envy the blind. Mark Marvel, lantern yeah. It didn't suck nearly as much as I thought. Mark Marvel. At least I read how- worse. At least Howard Chaykin didn't do it. Mark Marvel, lantern <laughs> Oh God. At least these issues are inflammable. Oh man. Do we answer all the questions? I think oh, so. Mark and Chad have to. Oh, yeah, man, like, I think he, I thought, I thought damn it, you guys. Uh, yeah, us, you and me. And I think the reason, like, the thing we like about podcasting about Green Lantern and stuff is just that, like, we didn't have people to talk about this stuff with before, and then we did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some sometimes it's it's like it, the reason that we flocked to the comic forums back when that was a thing, and was because like. We needed to find like-minded people that loved the things that we loved to 
So let's share that with other people. And we found that and we took it uh, to another place where like now instead of typing away, we're saying it out loud and sharing it with an audience of other people who specifically love that certain thing, too. So it's cathartic for us and it's it's letting us make something that can hopefully mean something to people. And since this has lasted 300 episodes and change, I have to think it does. Well, we can't top that answer, so maybe we shouldn't try on that question. <laughs> yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> Dan for the win. Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> and on that note, go, go ahead, Chad, so to answer some questions. Uh, well, what's the first one? How'd you get into post, Green Lantern podcasting? That was, that was just stalking Dan and Jim. He it? wouldn't leave us alone. Yeah. I basically, I basically annoyed them to the point where I was responding, I guess, to every episode in terms of feedback. And then Jim needed somebody to do something, so I volunteered because you know that's what Jim does. He just pan shit off on other people, so he doesn't have to do it himself. Yeah. And I, Shout out to well, James Doyle, everybody. <laughs> well, listen, listen, I do do that. That's not the case with, with you. With you, it was like, you were like, okay, guys, what can I do? I'm in Texas. You need me to, you know, go interview some people for you. Like, and it was like constantly, like, you know, like he was emailing us like daily. What? And, you are pulling shit right now. <laughs> Okay, maybe not daily. Maybe it was like hourly, something like that. No. <laughs> so we. I I messaged. I did. I did initiate the interview thing because only because I saw that Scott Collins was going to be in town. I initiated that because I was like, I, I'm going to be there anyways, and I have this thing. Do you want me to do this? So we agreed that Chad could be our roving reporter. Um. And then, uh, and like you know, we'd already had him on for the um, the documentary. The how's that? Uh, how's that documentary going? By the way, <laughs> <laughs> we've already discussed this. <laughs> he, he's in the research phase, Dan. All right, all right, you know, just just keep us posted. Keep us posted. I'd essentially get sued if I did it, even for like, even if I made no money off of it. <laughs> So now you have a hundred episodes of a podcast documentary instead. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, that that was that was not lost on me. <laughs> after after we did like two hundred episodes of this, it's like, yeah, this is pretty much a documentary in and of itself. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So like you were doing that, and then like there was a time where. You know, either we'd have you on for, like, guest spots or whatever. And then Dan wanted to take a break for a little while. And I said, hey, Chad, you know, you want to, you know, you want to co-host a couple episodes. And then we couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> we tried. We tried. Good luck getting, Obviously good, not good, very hard. <laughs> good, good, good luck getting a straight and or complimentary story in some way or another out of these guys about it. Because <laughs> I have... Like, it, it was pretty, like, to my recollection, it was all pretty, like, non-specific, like, planned. Like, you know, you need you needed me to do the, the best of episode. Oh, Chad was the best at that. Yeah. But, I mean, again, like, Chad was, like, 
Chad was going through and like re re listening over yeah like listening and re listening so it's like well, he still does it. I listen. I'm not up to date by any means. I like I'll pop in, listen to three episodes consecutively, and then like pop out. And like sometime in the last year, I heard you make a new mention of like re-listening from the beginning again. Oh God. <laughs> you know. Yeah. He's he's dedicated. My God. I like I don't even listen to the episodes that I record. <laughs> You don't remember the episodes that we're recording while we're recording halfway through them. That's <laughs> yeah, true enough. Can't, I can't argue that. So it was, I, I mean, it, basically, I started doing Green Lantern podcasting because Jim needed some help with something here and there. Then the Larflees report happened. Then Dan stepped away, and we had like a rotating cast of people. I. What I can't remember is how I went from one of those rotate, rotating cast of people to like a regular co-host. Because that, 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 that no, it was. I'll tell you right now, it was because you were you were putting in the most amount of time, and Dan came back, and it's like, well, now we're just gonna have three people, and that oh. was it. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, because I didn't ask or anything. I just assumed when Dan got back, that was it. But I, it just like it just all of a sudden I became a co-host after Dan came back and I was like I don't remember exactly how that happened if there was a vote or a discussion on that I wasn't a part of or what but all of a sudden it just happened and I was like all right <laughs> well, here we go obviously I wasn't going to object I was a big fan of the show and everything and yeah. I would assume you know now that Mark and I have been doing this for a while I would assume part of it was the idea of having somebody on who didn't know as much as you guys did. So it looked a different perspective. No, not at all. No, no. no. <laughs> I mean, it worked out nicely that way. Cause yeah. I think, cause your starting point was like rage of the red lanterns, right? Oh, that's when I started buying issues consistently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it just turned into a thing where it's like, yeah, this, this was working out. Let's just keep doing this. It was, right. compl- it was, co- it was, it was just it was something that just sort of naturally happened, and the polar opposite of how we got Mark. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark was always a dream to have on as a guest. Um, always Fuck you. Very, very knowledgeable, um, great to talk to. It, every, we were lucky every to have time, him. every time we talked to Mark, I went, I like, I walked away from the show smiling, and I just, I didn't know why. I just, yeah. I just did. Just and because like, he I, gave I you a happy ending doesn't mean. <laughs> Like every, every time we had Mark on, I learned something. It's like he was my ghost. If, if only all this was true, I'd feel so good. <laughs> but no, but the, the way Mark, like, no, the, for real now, for real now, the, the way no, I, I like how I like how Dan is telling your origin. It's okay. It's that's fine. I mean, go ahead. Because like when it's we like got it's to the secret origin. Because like when we we got to the point that like we were going to either stop doing this or keep doing it and hate it forever or just kill the show in general or pass it along. All, I think all three of us made like a short list of people that could be Chad's co-host. And Mark was like, like in the top two or top three of all of them. And that was yeah. the only name that we all had that high on the list. So we just kind of said, Hey, let's get this guy. Yep. And I held out. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Contract I, and I got it. 
<laughs> I, I can't remember Sorry, how Chad. we did that. I, was it on Facebook that we did that? Because I might still have that message thread somewhere. Probably. I don't know. That was a long time back. But yeah, yeah. probably. Um, I, remember, I remember way before Mark took over, Dan would be like, that Mark is, like, this is legit something that Dan would say to me. Yeah, Mark's really knowledgeable, and he's really great at podcasting. I'm surprised he doesn't have his own podcast. Yeah. I do I do kind of remember something along those lines there. Yeah. I think I asked you, Mark, at one point, why don't you do this? Yeah, you did. I'm, I'm pretty sure you did. I'm one, I'm one of the – probably not the first appearance because I wasn't that good the first time. Uh, um, but I think you did. I think one of the times – actually, the first time – no, I was on with both of you the first time. No, was it when we did the game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was promoting the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird because I mean, other than it didn't really strike me as any. Not because I wouldn't didn't wanted to do the recording aspect of it. It just it's just that from a th- I think from a subject matter perspective, I didn't have anything else that I really either felt passionate about or, or passionate about to try to get a you know get a co-host to do. Because obviously we, we all kind of know recording by yourself is not really fun unless you're doing like a, like a three or five minute just solo recording and even then it's I mean it's, it, it works if you, it it kind of can work but not if you talk for an issue review kind of show based you know, it doesn't it doesn't really work like I has those, has some, those I, green green arrow green lanterns episodes coming chat there's one coming out right after this one. I, I'm asking because specifically after what Mark just said about recording by yourself. Yeah, Actually, but he's got he's that one has multiple people on. <laughs> yep. Have they all had people? No, 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 no. Uh, we're, I'm just we're talking about the next episode that's coming out of it. Ah, I see. Yeah. It's yeah, already been like, recorded. Uh, so you want the next question, Chad? Uh, what's the crazy story yes. of making the lantern cast? Any humorous mayhem? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, that's the actual <laughs> question. I keep forget. I keep forget. I keep forgetting because since I read the question when we for different questions for Corwin and and Myron, that the fact that you know technically speaking, this Chad is the one who organized this PDF document, so we both had the PDF document that the question yeah. on. So that's I forgot. I zoned out. <laughs> Craziest story, I don't know if Mark or I have any specific crazy stories from our time doing it. I know for sure there was a time I fell asleep. (laughs) 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 There was was an episode, and it it wasn't like a huge thing, but there, there have been times like Mark and I will record, and I will mute myself on my end. Because like I can hear myself, because you know, like I listened to the you know the week before episode, and I can hear myself breathing on the other end, and like I'm consciously thinking about that while Mark's talking, so I just mute myself, <laughs> and then he comes, and then he tries to come online and talk to me, and I you know t- my it takes me a second to unmute myself, so he thinks I'm gone, but there was one point there's yeah. There was one point where I actually did just fall asleep. <laughs> so now, anytime that I'm having trouble unmuting myself, Mark thinks I fell asleep. <laughs> so I remember that. Uh, but in terms of like any like overall, I don't think of a specific instance. But I always found it hilarious to just be privy to the arguments that Dan and Jim would have, <laughs> both on. Both on air and quote unquote off the air, but like outside of the episode recordings. And it's not like they're like 
bickering old hens or anything, but like, you know, they would get really intense arguments that, you know, you could tell they didn't like hate each other during it, but they were just, you would think if you didn't know them, they hated each other. Oh yeah, you'd be like, oh man, these guys are never going to talk to each other ever again. Oh yeah, yeah. That's how we are all. I think we did that last week. Like we. <laughs> no, it was, it was close to a month ago. Okay, probably. Now, but, now, yeah. now they'll argue about the time frame from when they argued last. <laughs> no, it was last week. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't remember a specific thing, but uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know they have a story about arguing over the. Was it the album art or something? Or oh, <laughs> oh man. So, we've we gone to war over that. Oh, God. So, we, our, our original logo, like, we went back and forth for, like, a week or two. Like, just send, like, texting, like, sketches back and forth. And then Jim just picks one and says, okay, we're doing it. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And eventually, like, it's, it's I forgot how long it was our artwork for. It was like a few months or a year or something. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this, this has to stop. This is enough. This is a really, really bad looking logo. We can come up with something better. Yeah. And I'm going to tell Jim about it tomorrow. Tomorrow comes and Jim messages me saying, Hey, I customized it like eight different ways to represent the different different spectrum cores and and we can rotate them out and it's really good and I'm really proud of this. And then and then I'm like, Jim, our logo's terrible. We can't use any of this. <laughs> well, I did that because I was sick of looking at that one, so oh, I just I wanted a change. How fast the history gets rewritten. <laughs> well, the, the, uh, new, the new design is like fantastically better. And again, yeah, it looks it looks it looks a lot more, a little more like Kyle's battery, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that was the same thing. It's like I'd sketch something and send a photo to Dan, and you know, Dan would send back, you know, whatever his ideas were, and we just keep on going back and forth bickering. We we bicker on like the colors. <laughs> the shape of like certain aspects of things. No, that green is too light. No, it's too dark. <laughs> you see this, and, and and people listening at home right now, this is why like I took like the, towards those later episodes after I became an actual co-host, that it, it would be like, oh, Chad came up with this idea, or you know, Chad did push us to do this because they wouldn't decide otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think you got those all those episodes that you guys suggested on the forums a long time ago? Like, I'd love to hear this and this and this. Oh, yeah. Because I made a list and said, guys, let's do this. Oh, yeah. Did we, did we ever get to everything on that list? We don't know, because the forums went down. Oh, that's true. We got to a big portion of them, like the Sinestro Core War Spotlight and stuff like that. And, the, you know, stuff like that. That was Those were uh, listener-suggested things. Did you guys ever do the uh, the Jeff Johns retrospective? No. Oh, we, see, now, <laughs> now in, in theory, at one point, we had talked about an informal one being done with all of us tonight. But yeah. You guys would have known about it if we were going to do it. We were going we to give you the heads up, but we weren't going to just spring it on you. But we had thought about that. We really should 
do it because the further we get removed from it, obviously the more the more research any of us would need just to catch up, even if it's just reading the major story issues again, the major uh, like the major issues that stand out. But we should do. Although that. if although if we do it next year around this time, it'll yeah. be five years since. It'll be the five-year anniversary since Jeff Johns left. Maybe we should like, oh. hold our feet to the fire and say we, we'll we do it as part of the 10th the, uh, year anniversary episode. As, as part of the 10th year anniversary episode or just like that month's celebration? Type, either type or. Thing? I'm flexible to be either or, but I'm just trying to say to, just to try to make sure that we're going to do it either way. Yeah. I mean, That's next, what, November? Yep. Ten years. Okay. The... Uh, uh, well, one of the nice things is that as, you know, the farther you get away, yeah, you'll have to do a little more research, but, you know, the farther you get removed, the more you're going to look at it from a bird's eye view, so you can yeah. encapsulate it better. It'll be, a, it'll be a more fair assessment. Yeah. yeah. The, um, she didn't ask this question, but she's one of, she's one of the only folks who asked questions about, like, the actual podcast itself, like, in terms of, like, how we record or, or, you know, stuff like that, like the, the, the process of it. I'm gonna, I'll be honest, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if any of the three of you piped in. I hate podcasting. But by Whoa. that, by that, Whoa. by Whoa. that, by that, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I am like annoyed up until you start talking. Like, and, and, until you hit record and you're on mic with one another, you're like, ah, I gotta do this again. Like, I, I you know, I, I, I usually, to... I usually don't get annoyed until Jim starts talking. <laughs> like, so I, I enjoy the show. I enjoy prepping for the show. I enjoy coming up with the, you know, the episode ideas. Sometimes I even enjoy editing, depending on how much editing needs to be done. I enjoy creating album art. Mark will know. You know, I'll get some idea in my head and then I'll send him a, an album art sample or something like that. But, like, the actual, like, okay, hey, we're recording at X and, X, such and such a time on such and such a night. You know, I get home and, like, you know, let's say I'm watching an episode of something and eating dinner. I'm like, I'd really much rather take longer on my dinner and, you know, watch another episode of this. And then you hit record and all of that goes away. Yeah. that does It doesn't bother me at all after we hit record and start talking. It's just the lead up to yes. and the setting aside, the planning for and the time for it. But once you start recording, I don't care anymore about all that. But yeah. if for some reason, right before, I'm just like, oh, God, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, I I agree with that. There, are, I'm not going to... I'm not going to lie. And then, even if it's a topic that I really am looking forward to, I would say exactly what Chad's described as how I feel like somewhere like around like 5.30 or 6 o'clock when in case it did slip my mind, not like I would forget to be on, but like from, I kind of was looking ahead and I forgot, oh, this is for a second. This is the day we're going to record. Very rarely is there a time when I when I realize this is an evening that I'm going to record and that I that, – to the thought that's pop into my head, I really don't want to do this tonight. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's very it's just very much like it's it's a variation on the Dorothy Parker quote that I hate writing but love having written, and it's the same yeah. thing with podcasting. It's like I like having when it I like it when it's done and I've done it, but I don't <laughs> like the build up to it and the process necessarily. Now I don't even mean like the actual recording of it, so it's a little different than that quote, but it's along the same. Once it's all said and done, and you've done it, you feel good. You've accomplished something, and then you move. So, so it's it, it is similar to that quote, and that's that is. 
That is how I, I tend to feel. I didn't feel, honestly, I didn't feel that way tonight. Tonight was I, tonight. I was really I was looking forward to this, but a lot of a lot of the recordings, that's just the way it is. Even if it's something, you know, it's going to be fun, like with, with uh, like a commentary track for a movie or something. It's just oh, commentaries are the best because <laughs> there is zero editing. Otherwise, yeah, you screw up the timing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a, it's a tremendous pain in the ass. Like all of the, all of the pre stuff, all of the post stuff, the, like the, the sheer time commitment of doing the actual recording and it's, but it, 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 it's also like, at least for me, you, you get the thing where if you haven't released something in like, a week or two, it starts feeling like, oh my god, what am I doing with my life? I need to put out a thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's 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 either really great or we hate ourselves because again, three hundred episodes in ten years. <laughs> three hundred numbered episodes if you can in all the spinoffs and everything else. It's oh yeah yeah yeah. More. <laughs> All right, let me, so let me let me let me roll through the, these questions just because we don't want to keep this going too long for Chad. <laughs> He's still awake, my guy. We must be doing something right. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, how I got into podcasting, Dan covered how I got onto the show, how I got, how I got officially to taking over the show with Chad. Obviously, Jim and Dan both know that you know it was because of that Facebook game. Which wasn't really mine, but it kind of like fell into my lap, and it kind of became mine. That which I was happy with. I'm just stating for the record, it's not like it really was my original invention. I kind of came onto it, and then I kind of became the, I guess, the face of it. Uh, so that's how I ended up become, getting onto the show. Craziest story of making. Le- I remember the episode earlier in the year when uh, Corwin and I recorded in my and the uh, by my stupid. Uh, recorded didn't record, which sucked because it was a really good episode. And then Chad, then Corin and I had to go back and do it again, and had to re. And it still was a good episode, but it wasn't quite as magic as it was the first time. <laughs> but I also remember, and Chad will probably remember this too, because it just it was an odd thing when we were doing the April Fools' episode a few years ago, since we didn't do one this year. Uh, remember when we were doing, and that was I think the only. The only Arnold Clinton sketch we were doing that year. You know where I'm going with it? Maybe, yeah, go ahead. Uh, that we, we were recording something at the end, and and it was such an such an such an odd, innocent word that Chad just couldn't couldn't say, which was crisis, because we were kind of hinting at the the, the the concept we always go back to about somehow someday doing like the crisis of of infinite lantern casts. And it was like him doing on and supposed to say, a crisis. And he just yeah. kept, like he must have gone through like seven takes because whenever he started saying it, he just kept cracking up. So, because I, it's like, I mean, so how do you say how do you say crisis in an Arnold voice? Like, well, where where what's the what's the enunciation point on there? Like, a crisis. No, it sounds like sounds like Mark got it. I know. And I think that's what made, that's what made it funny is because it didn't seem like it's a word you would st- you could would stumble over even with the accent. So, because uh, uh, I think like Clinton said it to him, was like, I think it might be a crisis, and he said, a crisis, it's a crisis. And it was like, but it took us like six or seven takes to get it. 
<laughs> it was fun six or seven takes, but it was like it's like everything else. The more you keep cracking up, the harder it is to try to even get get through anything without cracking up because you're just waiting for that tr- that trigger. <laughs> um, I'm not even gonna touch. I'm not gonna touch the you know what I like about the show. I'm making it not because it, I'm being you know sarcastic or anything, but because Dan said it about as well as could be said. Uh, I do like one thing I will add. I guess I will add is that I do like having. I do like when we also branch out and do things that aren't 100% always Lantern Cast related, which yeah. I think we're entitled to because it's kind of hard to do 40 to 40 plus episodes of stuff <laughs> during the year that's focused on you know and have it all a Green Lantern focus. We're lucky on one level because these books are still but bi-weekly, so we there's a lot of material to cover. I really but, like but, it when you but, guys. I really like when you guys do those uh, the movie roundup things of like what's coming out and what are you excited about seeing and what you just saw. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I do. T- I like. T- I like whenever we do stuff about about movies and, and even TV shows. I like. I like that. So too. Thank you. And I guess like I already answered the guy, the guy guard. I think I would pick Guy just because he would be amusing. And it's, <laughs> and it's not like you'd have to be in the same room with him while you were recording. So so the annoyance factor might be a little less. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I just realized I totally skipped the question. What do we like doing about the Lantern cast? I, it's the same thing I've liked even before Mark and I started doing this together. It was back when I was just a co-host or, or shit, but one of the first things I volunteered to do. I like doing interviews. Uh, I listen to those. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, you, you know, there are things in like your life, your just general life, you know, like, you know, it's like, randomly you'll remember oh in seventh grade i said this to a girl i'm like god i'm still embarrassed about that <laughs> like if i re-listen to some of those old interview questions i'm like oh god like i could have done that so much better but i like the i like doing interviews and that's part of the reason like i do things like the wizard world austin like go try and do like a con a year type of a thing and and bring those interviews to the show even if there's people at the con that have nothing to do with green lantern that i interview because one, it's practice for me, and I like doing it. Two, it's something else other than just Green Lantern related, and you know, it's it's fun. Like this year, I'm going to Wizard World Austin, so I guess yeah, I guess that makes there that means there will be a, a Wizard World Austin interview uh, episode this this up on the show feed this year. But there's I've, I've poured over the guest list. There is nobody Green Lantern related at this show this year. But, like, I'm a big Venom fan, and Sam De La Rosa, who did, like, the Venom Lethal Protector storyline art, you know, he's going to be there. So I'm going to talk to him about that. I'm kind of pissed because Alan Bellman was going to be there. And for those of you who don't know, Alan Bellman is one of, like, the last remaining Golden Age creators alive right now who, like, Mm -hmm. worked on some of the OG Captain America stuff. So, like, back when Marvel was called Timely. (laughs) Wow. yeah, so, but but I just, you know, I started following him on Facebook, and he, he just announced he's not going to be there, because he was under the impression that Wizard was going to fly him there, and they just told him, no, you got to fly yourself. <laughs> so, they just told this old man, he's got to fly himself, like, the hell? <laughs> like, I, 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 would, I was going, I was so looking forward to speaking with Alan Bellman. I don't give a shit that he has nothing to do with with the Green Lantern. He was there for the Golden Age. He was there at the inception of the industry. It's like, who wouldn't want to talk to people like this? 
So I like yeah. I just I just enjoy talking with people in the industry. I don't give a shit if they have anything to do with Green Lantern or not, quite honestly. Yeah, and one of the things, one of the big impressions that Comic Geek Speak made on me was this idea that podcasting can be this archive of of interviews and informations and experiences with these talented creators who you know, may not be here a year or two from now and probably haven't been talked to in this way in a very long time, if they ever have. And, like, you have this ability to not only just pick their brains and show that you still have an interest and appreciation in the work they did, but also to kind of spread that to people who might not have gone that far back to look at the at their comics. And, and you can always kind of have one more shot at letting them leave their mark. Yeah, like the Denny O'Neill. Like the first time we interviewed Denny O'Neill, me and Jeb, that was awesome in and of itself. Yeah, that was but nuts. This, this, and the second time I did it at one of the cons, I have a story with Denny O'Neill. Like I don't, I don't mean like you know a last like crazy you know funny thing, but I, I remember it was after a panel that Denny had had. When you listen to that audio from that interview, that's what it was. I waited until after the panel. We sat down. Denny and I were alone in a panel room, and his wife, Mary Fran, was right there. And that's the, that, the, that audio is from that moment. But I handed my phone to Mary Fran to get a picture with Denny O'Neill, and bless her heart, she couldn't figure out my smartphone. So Aww. after like 15, 20 minutes of trying to get this picture taken, it, it, it probably wasn't that long, but it really felt like, you know, because I'm taking a Denny O'Neill's time, like it probably felt that it just felt that long. But <laughs> I finally just took it back from him and was like, no, you got it. But I never got a picture with Denny O'Neill <laughs> because she couldn't figure out how to work the, the camera. But I have a story like that. You know, I was with Denny O'Neill in this room and we couldn't get a picture taken, blah, blah, blah. So, and I wouldn't have opportunities and stories like that if it wasn't for this show or doing interviews. I love doing interviews. I may not be the best at it, but like it gives me so much opportunity for like things to be passionate about that I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's just. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I I like that. Mark thinks he's like either bad at them or gets too nervous or something, but he's he's been holding his own every interview we've done so far. So I, I don't know what you think. I appreciate thinking. you saying that. I don't know if, it, if it's true. What I, I think I can at least come up with one or two good questions at least. I mean, at least I mean, I mean, Ron Mars made me feel good when I asked that question, and he kind of like almost like gave me that compliment for asking the question just because it made like Daryl like stop and think for a few, <laughs> for a few seconds <laughs> about it. It's like okay, at least. So, but i think it depends i think it depends on, on who we're interviewing and ha- because the more natural questions i have for that person just because i i of my knowledge of them and especially if it's green lantern related so i have and the, you know the stories that they did it makes it easier i'm less comfortable when i you know when stuff where i'm not as familiar with so that's kind of well, which is a lot understandable as, but well yeah as a rule of thumb with interviews anyways like the, the less Q&A you make it and the more conversational you make it, the better it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah. I hated doing interviews, by the way. <laughs> but, and, you you love, know, but you love having done them. Well, that is I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, he liked doing the Denny O'Neill one. 
listen, talking to Denny O'Neill about, <laughs> like, Green Lantern and, and basically anything is always going to be amazing because the man is one of the greatest storytellers, you know, of all time. And I mean, like, and I, I'm not even, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating. No. Nope. Like, you look at the material that, that man has put out in his lifetime, and it is, you know, it's really amazing. He has had a, a lasting effect on pop culture, whether you realize it or not. Getting to talk with a legend like him is, you know, it's a treat, basically. That's really cool. And, you know, Phil Lamar, talking to Phil Lamar, like, was like, that was the most fun I've ever had doing an interview. Just because, like, he's really, really nice and really cool. And he could just slip into, like, the different voices. That was, like, it was crazy. Um, But, I mean, like, like Chris Maloney, like, Uh really nice guy. Oh, yeah. Like, it was cool after the fact that we had done an interview with Chris Maloney. Was but it? like, it was pretty cool. It's a cool thing to tell people that we did as long as they have no follow-up questions and <laughs> we can leave. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but, I mean, I'll never forget, like, a grunt. You know, sometimes a grunt is just a grunt. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Oh, but I mean, you know, like beyond that, like you know, I, I don't even think we did many other interviews. Well, you did the Chaykin one on your own. Yeah, yeah, you sell out. <laughs> All your questions were like, "Man, Howard, how come you're so great?" <laughs> you kiss us. Well, listen, boy, it was, boy golly, it was nice. are you, boy golly, are you as handsome as you sound over the phone? <laughs> Gee willikers, Mr. Jakin. <laughs> I wish you were my real dad. <laughs> uh, hey, he was he was nice. He was cool. You know, uh, it was it was nice that he did the interview, and it was cool that we got it for episode twenty-five. Oh, we talked to wait wait was it us or was it Mar? I know for sure we talked with. Uh, uh, Tyler Kirkham, before y'all handed it over to me and Mark. Did when was Tony Bedard? Was that before you handed it over or yes. after? Before. I don't before. Because yeah. I remember Tyler Kirkham and Tony Bedard for sure were we interviews we did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's cool. The only <laughs> other person I remember talking to was Daryl Banks. Yep. The first time. Yeah. 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 Daryl's awesome. Yes, Just like, like I didn't like. It's literally the next episode on my queue. But the fact that you guys got Ron Mars and Daryl Banks together on the show—that's like that means something to us. That means something to the people listening. And who knows when the two of them will be together like that again, either creative, creatively, or just conversationally. No, uh, creatively, to, it'll be very soon. Say, if you listen, when you listen to the episode, they don't, we don't have any idea what they're hinting at yet, but apparently they are going to be doing something together. Whoa. Yes. Mm. Yep. When I, you know, when I saw the, the show notes, like, I just saw, like, a clip of it, and I'm like, oh, shoot, are they promoting a new Kyle series that they're working on? <laughs> oh, my God. 
and, and then I was like horrifically let down when I read the actual <laughs> show notes. Still, though, the fact that they finally came out with yet another, I mean, I know it's a, a reprint of stuff that existed before, but the fact that they finally started trading the Kyle run again, I was like, yeah. that, that merits a, an episode in my mind. Let's get them on. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully they stop trading it just before the Ion series so my existing trades retain their value. <laughs> I, not only do I want them to keep going to take away the rarity of your trade, I hope then a water pipe bursts and ruins oh, it. Oh, <laughs> I have those sealed in Lexite. Yeah, there was there was an interview that I would have liked to have done, and I can't remember who it was. Was it an opportunity we had, or just someone you never got on? No, I'm sorry. It was Judd Winnick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have liked. Well, you know, it was. It's kind of a. A split thing. Like, on the one hand, I would have loved to have interviewed him. To talk but about the, the hand, Power of Ion? Oh, yeah. Well, his, his entire run. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. But Power of Ion specifically, of course. Yeah. Well, that, and also the, um, like, the storyline with uh, uh, his assistant. My brother's keeper, or whatever it was. I think that wasn't that it. Oh, uh, the, oh, the, with, uh. With Terry. Yeah, with well, that Terry. Was, yeah, that was, at least that was the graphic novel title, I think. Because I think I have that, like, brother's keeper or something. Um, yeah, it was the Terry storyline. But yeah, like, uh, but I did, I got to meet him. Um, he did a, uh, a, a, like a book signing for like a, like a kid's book that he had at a bookstore like nearby. And like getting to meet him, like I was so starstruck, <laughs> like I could barely speak. So I do not know how well an interview would have went over, but, um. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know someone we forgot? One of my favorite people to have on the show, actually. Jackie Nodell. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. cool. Yeah, because yeah. we've obviously both both incarnations of the cast have interviewed her. Uh-huh. I, I always feel like her more as a friend of the show as opposed to, like, doing an actual interview. But I guess you're right. Yeah. You know, it wasn't an interview, but one of the... A few a few years ago, when I went to New York Comic Con, I was wandering through the Artist Alley section and saw, hey, Cully Hamner's over there. And I went up to him and I'm like, hey, I just want you to know, I just, I've just been reading Green Lantern Mosaic for the first time and it's awesome and thank you for doing it, for drawing and all that stuff. And he looked at me like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> like, like, of all the things that someone would pull out of his body of work to say <laughs> that that they just now read for the first time, it's like this this weird, like metaphysical old Green Lantern spin-off side thing from like 1993. <laughs> and then he slapped your face. <laughs> He's Don't like, ever talk I thought about I, that. I thought I burned them all. <laughs> And that's the only creator from that book that you'll probably ever see again. Oh. All right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. So before we go... Thanks, Laurel, by the way. Yes, thanks, Laurel. You gave us an hour and 20 minutes of (laughs) stuff to talk about. That's right. 
And with our 10-minute time limit, we kind of exceeded it by a tad. Were there any other feedback questions? Oh, we have a shit ton of feedback questions. That's, <laughs> that, that, that's, part of the, that's part of the reason why we kind of decided that since we're basically having two, if you will, two little panels in two different recordings, that let's, let's ask one panel A a certain couple of those questions, and then panel B, and then Chad and I will deal, the re- deal with the rest. <laughs> Do you do, do you have any like rapid fire ones that you could throw out? Um, yeah, there are. Uh, Jim wants to feel important. Uh, I listen. Anytime you do feedback questions, like ending on like rapid fire stuff, always is like a, a nice ending. I don't know if they're rapid fire though. Uh, let's see. Uh, it maybe Thomas's. Yeah, Thomas. Yeah, Thomas would be pretty quick. Let's see. Oh, I mean, we can just pick part of it if you wanted. Or we could do Jacks. They're almost the same question. Yeah, they, they kind of are. Let's do Jack and Thomas since they're kind of the same question. So we'll read them both. Uh, so Jack, uh, 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 we'll read them both and then respond. And you'll see why they're basically the same question. Uh, Jack says, would you like to see a third Lantern book? A Green Lantern book that expands the universe. How about one that focuses on a new recruit from an alien planet that balances defending their sector with training on Mogo? And then Thomas says, I wish one of the books was an alien-focused GL. If it was, what species would you want? Uh, And then he had another question, which was, what's your favorite foe or knockoff Green Lantern, Elseworlds, etc., or Pretenders are all valid? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was rapid fire. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, like I think it would be cool because out of the last crop of new kids we got, I the only one I notice around anymore is two six, right. and she's been she's become kind of like this one of the staple you know we need lanterns for a crowd shot who sometimes gets a line of dialogue here and there she's like firmly in that group now. So I would like to, I think it would be cool like if we like pull her out and like put her with like maybe one or two other, like, brand-new characters. Because, like, it's a character that I would like to see more of instead of just being relegated strictly to the background. And she's been around enough that she'll she's recognizable. People are used to seeing her. They know who she is. And she can be just enough of, of an audience surrogate to introduce us to, like, one or two new Lanterns to be her supporting cast. Hmm. I, I agree with the lantern, uh, the alien stuff. I don't know about a species, and I was gonna say team book, but I don't know if I'd do this. Maybe maybe pull it off, kind of like uh, the, the New Fifty Two tried to do that DC Comics presents, where you have like a story arc of, you know, three or four issues of X character, and then another story arc of three or four issues of another character, but all of them Green Lantern. I'd love to see some of the lantern, the alien lanterns that have been around forever but it's always been appearing in the background, like Metaphil and Larvox and all those other ones that have just been around forever, but, you know, had maybe have, you know, had guest starring appearances or t- speaking roles in certain issues here or there throughout the decades, but haven't died and are just there. Like these, the, the, the Green Lantern veterans that, you know, you've been seeing for literally decades. Hell, I wouldn't mind see. Uh, I'm sorry, Jim. I'll let you go in a second. But like, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 the, 
this is obviously just because I really, really like this run, but I wouldn't mind like a mini series or something where we're kind of scooping up the the unused characters from the Tomasi Gleason Green Lantern Corps era that were central to that book, but really haven't done much since. You know, Isamon like and yeah, yeah, Isamon Vath, they're both kicking kicking around still. So is um uh. Ayalande, like she's she showed up a couple times in the recent issues when Sora went nuts, but they kind of kind of she was more of an Easter egg than anything. And and help maybe even bring in a what was it? What's that star sapphire we loved? Miri? Yeah. Bring in Miri. I think she's dead, though, isn't she? I don't know. She could Does be. it matter? Doesn't matter. No, you're yeah. right. Hey, you know what? Now she isn't. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if if we forgot if she's alive or dead, she's pretty much alive. <laughs> Every time I see Aresia, I'm like, did she die? Coming back to the whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jim, but what were you gonna say? Um, what you gonna I I would like to see this this kind of concept with the book with an alien, but since I know that that would not sell, what they should do. I mean, like you shouldn't have a Green Lantern book with four human lanterns in it. It's just nope. wasteful. Like, what I would do is, like, either John or Guy or Kyle, station them on Oa, give them a job that they have to, you know, take care of, train the recruits. Uh, and, you know, if it's Kyle, like, that he has to, like, you know, give them lessons on expanding their creativity or something like that. You know, like a branch off from, like, um, you know, from the boot camp. You know, trying to build their skills or whatever. So that each issue can kind of introduce you to a new lantern. You know, how they are kind of training a little bit and they're kind of like trying to do stuff in their sector. And then you also have the Kyle touchstone. And then he's also got his own issues. And, you know, you just try and like balance those kind of things. And then maybe every issue or two you focus on a new new recruit, you know. And then every few issues, like, you know, you bounce around. Maybe you show, like, the old guy, you know, the older new recruit and, you know, balance it around like that. So that way you're actually getting the Green Lantern core and stories about them so that you can, you know, you care about these people as opposed to, okay, it's a giant mega threat again. Let's assemble all the drones, you know, and Hal Jordan's going to be the star of the show again. Yeah, it would be kind of like it would be similar to what they did with Emerald Warriors, where it was this guy centric book and he had like his team and like everybody got something impactful to do and like some development. I would I wouldn't mind seeing another book like that, even though it like kind of like the way Jim was talking in a way, it would kind of go back to the the idea that we had it. It's not just a Tales of the Core book, Tales of the Green Lantern Core almost. Uh, as far as aliens, I was just thinking about this too, since it's another thing that eventually Chad and I will be working our way towards. I like to see more stories with what Raker Karagat, because I kind of liked him. Oh yeah, I, I really that that was a that whole background to him and, and that on Apocalypse and everything. That's a he was a great character, and he technically was brought back after Green Lantern Rebirth when they restarted the core. He was a core member again because he showed up in one of those <laughs> secret those uh, secret files or whatever. And plus, you yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would, I would like to see more stories in general with him. Um, An ash pack glyph. 
it rolls off the tongue so easy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like the name. It is, I yeah. mean, it is catchy. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen far worse, Lord knows. It would be cool to see any of these. I, I will say, though, I don't think now is the time for it. Just nope. because we have two books right. coming out twice a month, so there's already p- yeah. probably too much being put out. But eventually, I mean, look, this will the double shipping will go away eventually. It always does, and once that happens and it's down to two books coming out once a month, yeah, sure, third a third monthly book that would be great. Um, the other question, of course, from Thomas was, "What's your favorite foe or knockoff Green Lantern, Elseworlds, or Pretenders, etc.? All valid." I don't know about favorite foe, but knockoff Green Lantern, I don't even know if I'd consider him a knockoff Green Lantern so much as a knockoff Hal Jordan. Airwave. <laughs> we, I don't think we've ever... Cause I remember, remember, Mark, I kicked around an idea about doing an Airwave spotlight? I believe so. <laughs> he's, he's such a knockoff Hal Jordan, his name is even Hal Jordan. <laughs> He's he's Hal's cousin, right? His he's Hal's cousin named Hal Jordan. Yep, his family sucks, man. Yeah. It's kind of like those whole, those, those multiple Wally Wests, right? No, I'm only totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's not like he said. Uh, he's not my favorite or anything, but I just think it's one of the more ridiculous concepts. Like in terms of like tying things back to Green Lantern or the things related to him. Like you know, you have ridiculous concepts like either you depending on how you feel about it, like Hector Hammond or like the shark in terms of like their origins, especially, especially, but like, so even though you have weird, crazy villains and stuff in terms of like tenuous, odd connections to green lantern <laughs> and mythology and like all this stuff in the characters, airwaves, like one of the weird ones. It's like, wait, what? So Hal's cousin also named Hal has something to do with sound. Like, what is this again? <laughs> Man, that's a tough question. Is it? You're not going to talk about Nova? <laughs> oh, that actually is, I didn't yeah, even think of point. it like that. Yeah. Well, better than better than the Dark Stars. <laughs> remember, remember yeah. when? Oh boy, remember when we we uh, reviewed the first ever issue of Nova? And we were basically just reviewing Hal Jordan's origin story. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, but I don't know if that's my favorite. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I like a lot of the Elseworlds too. Um, the um, you know, Batman gets a Green Lantern ring. That's pretty cool. Um, well, which one now? <laughs> there's like there's like eighteen not, of them. Not the Devil. Not the devil, Batman. <laughs> oh, Dawnbreaker. <laughs> I, I, I do need to find that issue, but yeah, apparently that's a great issue. I need to read that. Well, it's a good thing we didn't bring it up, Mark, in this segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, the, um, that was pretty cool. Um, I mean, I'm always always going to be a fan of the when Superman gets a ring in. Well, in the storyline that Mark mentioned earlier. Yes. That was that um, was cool. Yeah. But uh You know, Mark brought up Carrie Wren earlier and I always kinda like the uh the fake Green Lantern Corps yeah. criminals from the future. Yeah. Yeah, and they even 
They even made a lantern-shaped space station and nicknamed it Oa or something like that. Oh, those are the ones that could only make, like, a specific construct, right? Yeah, like, this, that Zudari yeah. could only make fish and the robot yeah. could only make guns or something. Yeah, yeah. I, there, like, there was something I liked about the fact that, like, they were just posing as Green Lanterns. In, like, an age where no one knew the difference because nobody's seen the Green Lantern in a long time. And their powers were super, super specific. Oh, speaking of stories I'd like to see, I'd like to see what the hell happened to the Green Lantern Corps. Like, by the time you get to around to the point where Sodom has, a, like, a mohawk and is the last one around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd just be happy to see Sodom yet back again. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'll tell you, my favorite villain, I think my favorite villain right now for, for Green Lantern is actually uh, Cyborg Superman. I was thinking that today. That's, that's, that's pretty funny. I was, I was trying to think because I figured, I figured that was a question that, we, that it might be asked because I was looking at the two emails and I thought originally I was going to ask more than just Laurels, but, but Laurels was pretty complex. So – and, as, and by the time we got to it, obviously, we were later in the recording. But I was thinking, Cyborg, my natural reaction would be to say Parallax, but I really don't consider Parallax really a villain, not the classic Hal Parallax. So I guess I, I, that would rule that out. And Sinestro is easy, but yeah, I think I think Cyborg Superman is a really good answer because there's such a – Hal and he, and he are so tied together and on multiple levels going all the way back to the reign of the Superman that I think yeah. that that is – and how he's really become just as much a Green Lantern villain as a Superman villain that you can that you associate him almost with both equally at this point. That yeah, I think that's I think that was a really I think that's a really good answer. Same with Mongol. Yes, I was gonna say Cyborg Superman and Mongol are both such good Green Lantern villains that I don't even think of them as Superman villains anymore. Yeah. Which is weird because it's Cyborg Superman. <laughs> yeah, but that's it's just, that's right just what's on that's just what's on his birth certificate, man. Yeah. Well, at least they did try. To, at least they did use both of those characters in like action. I think I was in action comics. I think not that long ago. So at least along with a not quite the same version of the Eradicator. So at least they are trying to like reestablish some of these Superman characters as actual Superman enemies. <laughs> They can try, but they, they all try. know their homes. <laughs> also, Mark, I think Laurel should be on your short list for replacements for Chad. <laughs> she probably would. <wishes. laughs> even, even, even Meg, even though I think Meg's too busy there. Meg lives in Austin now. That is true. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess Meg is probably on Chad's short list to replace me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what reading between the lines. I think that's what Chad meant. Hey, we it's, it's easy to record. <laughs> Skype, forget that. that. I know, forget <laughs> Skype. If somebody's mic goes down, we don't have to worry about it. Oh man. Are we done? All right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. We went well over. The, the, it's been two and a half hours. I know. It, so, so what are we looking at right now? Even without recording the other segment, Chad, what are we looking at? Like almost like four and a half hours. Yeah, we're closer to four. 300 episodes. It's a free-for-all. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do two other segments, right? Well, yeah, but we're probably going to do them all 
Oh, we're gonna record them. We're gonna record them at the same time. But yeah, but they're gonna be two segments. Unless we unless we want to potentially re reconvene and debate about whether we should begin the show the way we thought, even though. I guess it's probably. We, guess we should. We have to. Otherwise, editing would suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, before we let you guys go, of course, promote your stuff that you got coming out. If you got another episode of Sliders or, or whatever. But I just wanted to. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about the show? or The, the Burger Slider cast coming out this fall. That the, would be amazing. Episode yeah. 300. I mean, you guys started this thing, but I mean, I know we kept you going, but it, it's it's hit 300 now. So, anything else you want to say before you promote your stuff and say goodbye? Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, yeah. L- listen, we'll we'll have a new Sliders Cast episode uh, in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and who else? <laughs> I'm, I'm challenging Dan now. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, 300 episodes. And, uh, like, I, I've, I've been listening sporadically here and there, like, for certain things. Like Dan said, like, whenever you guys do, like, the, um, you know, what's on the horizon movie-wise, certain movie reviews, if I've actually seen the movie, um, you know, the, like I, what I've been listening to recently is the uh, like the comic specials, like the Planet of the Apes and um, the with the Green Lantern mashup Star, and Star Trek. I haven't re- I haven't listened to that one yet. I, I don't have as much interest in that as I did the Planet of the Apes one because of the Universal Ring. Hmm. But um, like you know, all of that stuff like is just like really cool and. I mean, like, the stuff from the main books, I kind of had to take a break from listening, and it wasn't because of you, it was because of the source material. So, now I'm starting to, you know, get back into it, and, you know, like, listening to the direction that you guys took the show in, and just, like, the dynamic that you've, you know, come to now after 100 episodes, like, you guys have done really, really good. Like, the show is... It's a great show, and I enjoy listening to it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm proud that the thing that we made has managed to last so long, with or without us. And I'm really happy that the two of you have managed to turn it into your own. And even happier that people still find something in it that that adds to their fandom in some way. Because that's why we started it, that's why you guys continue it, and that's why everybody listens to it. So as long as all those things are feeding into each other, then then yeah, 300, that's nothing. We can keep going. <laughs> 300, that's nothing. Keep going till you hit 400, guys. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, la- the, la- the Lantern cast will be something great for a long time to come. Even after Mark dumps Chad and replaces him, and then it can really just, just, really just shake off those chains that have been holding it down. By uh, by all by all reality, it should end at two eight one four, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it really should. Or, or thirty six hundred. Episode thirty six hundred. Oh man. Yeah, we need to bring it full circle. It can end at ten billion. <laughs> 
<laughs> appreciate those appreciate those positive thoughts though, guys. Listen, and, and just you know what's actually funny is it's it because of how much I'm on the Twitter side of things in terms of like using the, the Lantern Cast Twitter. It amazes me how many times I still get the oh my god, there's a Green Lantern podcast. I got to start listening. Even well, Chad, this far into it. <laughs> well, Chad, Chad, you really need to start having more high-profile feuds with Newsarama to really bring in the new lies. <laughs> I think Chad's moved on from Newsarama. I think I, I think that's more like yesterday's news now. I think it's like Movie Web and other places like that that are screen oh, yeah. and things like comic that. Comicbook.com. Yeah. Oh yeah, Chad, is Green Lantern in the, in the Justice League or what? <laughs> That's you can, you can tell me definitively, right? <laughs> In two weeks, you can. Oh. No, I think he's referring to a tweet I posted recently. <laughs> no, I, I'm uh, just in general, because, like, every time I open Twitter, there's, like, it's like, oh, hey, there's a Lantern Cast account debunking another Green Lantern movie. <laughs> I, I have been doing that, because I hate that shit. Like, so-and-so confirmed, and it's like, No. Nobody's been confirmed, you fucking idiots. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> What's that? Isn't that that Michael Jackson? Not Michael Jackson. Uh, um, a Michael Jordan gif? No. Stop it. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, anything you guys want to promote? You said you said the Sliders episode in like two weeks or whatever. Or... So, Sliders cast, we don't do it often, but when we do, it... Always gets posted at sliderscast.com. It's me and Jim reminiscing about uh, one episode of Sliders at a time. This is a TV show from the 90s that I'm told was good in the 90s, and I remember being good in the 90s, but, oh. <laughs> but just just like, honestly, like it's, it's, it's not a great TV show, but it just like with Green Lantern and Green Lantern Podcasting, Jim and I, Jim and I really didn't have many people to talk to the talk to about this show when we were fans of it back in the day. So having this podcast gives us the opportunity now. And there's actually a dedicated Sliders fan base that we tapped into out on the internet. Who they get something out of our show because this is the first time in God knows how long that there's been new content being made by anybody about this thing that they like so you know we're aware of that and we're we're going to keep doing it it's just like a sporadic whenever we both have the time kind of thing but watch for that at sliderscast.com i also want to put attention on a project that i think i've talked about before uh game ghost punch well, that, but I'm I'm gonna start. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be self-serving last. <laughs> uh, Games plus James is the YouTube channel by one Mr. James Doyle, and it is its focus. I thought this was really cool. Is almost exclusively on on teaching people and walking them through the process of making a 3D platformer video game because he's trying to make his own. He uses like the Unity engine a lot and just kind of takes you step by step through his own creative process. So if you don't want to watch him play video games, which he also does, he's has a ton of videos and playlists all about his own experiences in attempting to make them. And that is a very interesting thing to watch. And if you 
are at all grateful, like we are, to James Doyle for all the work he has done editing this show for uh, years that he was doing it. Go to Games Plus James. It's the word plus. This is all one word. Over on YouTube and just, you know, click around, see what's what. Uh, I do a YouTube channel called Epic Ghost Punch with my friend Rob, where we do Let's Plays of video games. We are in the middle of recording a ton of horror games because, you know, screw October. We have adopted February and call it Fear Brewery. So <laughs> get so get ready for an onslaught of of two idiots getting scared a lot for 28 days. Um, and Chad, no, we have not done Castle Crashers for you yet. <laughs> we'll get there one of these years. How about Friday the 13th? Uh, not yet, no. No, we're, we're, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but Chad, if you want something to to watch us play that is not going to make you throw up all over your microphone, <laughs> I, I suggest Shantae the Half-Genie Hero. It is a 2D platformer, side-scroller thing with an, an adorable cast of characters that I love to death and is, is some of the most fun the two of us have had playing a video game in recent memory. You have to send me a link to that because I'm not going to remember that name. I will do it. You are basically dead right now. Uh, <laughs> but everybody else can go to Epic Ghost Punch on YouTube. And the last thing I want to plug is my own personal anime review channel, just called Life Fiber. And <clears throat> all of the videos are basic are fairly short, except when I go just drone on sometimes, so it doesn't happen that often. Uh, of particular note. For the audience of a comic book podcast, I have a, a video about what I think Marvel and DC should learn from the the approach and business practices of Japanese manga, and another video about how I believe that anime understands Superman better than both DC and Warner Brothers tend to. And they are only 11 minutes and 8 minutes long, respectively, so you can all just take a few minutes to go over there, get mad at me, and yell at me in the comments. So that is Life Fiber, Epic Ghost Punch, and Games Plus James, as well as SlidersCast.com. And that is all of the things that we make on the internet at this moment. <laughs> well, there is one other thing that I do, uh, and that's uh, on Instagram. I do I draw a creature a day, um, and that's just uh, look for Chowanada on Instagram, and you can see what I've been drawing. Okay, I didn't realize that was on Instagram. I always just see them on Facebook. I share them to Facebook, too, but you got to be my friend to see them. Oh, well, I'm not going to be that. It's too late. You have no say in the matter. It's already happened. How long have you been doing those? I just posted number 251 today. Nice. Almost a year. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, get back to us when you hit 300, loser. <laughs> <laughs> you know, eventually I'm going to overtake the Lantern cast. Yeah, you will. <laughs> the odds are the odds are forever in your favor. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I draw every day. You guys record once a week, so. And because, and because of this show, it'll be like that'll <laughs> be like one episode for a month. Um, yeah, this, this, this episode is gonna be it for the the rest of the year. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
I also record another podcast. It's Lantern Cast Presents Prebirth. <laughs> uh, I don't want to promote it. I want to, you know, see if we can get some some emails telling us to stop doing that. That, you know, dear is. Jim, don't do it. But apparently, people the people who listen actually do like it. So I know. Yeah, God. that's another How? thing that we have to do this year before before we finish. 2017, we have to at least get one more episode done. Yeah. How that's, much that's, more? That's another one. How much more of that Parallax series or um Spectre. Uh, Spe- Spectre series is there? How far in are you guys? We're about halfway through the actual series, and there's still there's still a bunch of other sto- stories we we could do. I know Jim is like banging his head against the wall right now. <laughs> and, and different appearances of the Spectre, like in JSA, and different things we could do. I'm not saying. We're not committed to doing anything beyond probably the regular series, and definitely we're going to do the the crossover with JLA, this the, the Spectre JLA team up, the Soul War, that two part prestige format one. That's going to be something that we're probably going to do. When we when we come back to this in 2018, that's probably going to be the first one. I think I'm going to want to do to do that one because I've been waiting for that one for a while. But we'll see. We'll make it. We'll make a decision once we. But I assume again, Jim is like putting, hanging a noose around his neck right now. That probably we would have at least one more year of this before we'd really have to make that decision, since we're only about issue fourteen or fifteen, and it ran you know, tw- twenty-seven issues. That that's that doing that podcast. It's like you know, like we were saying, you know, like beforehand you dread it, but then <laughs> afterwards, yeah. And we always have, and we, and we always have fun, and we always have fun recording, even if it's not, even if the material doesn't always meet Mr. Ford's uh, criteria. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun talking to Mark. The material you know, apps. I love listening to that show because all I can ever think about every time I hear it is how much Jim raved about how much he enjoyed the Hal Jordan Specter series when he was reading it. <laughs> Like he used to talk about it all the time. Oh, I love that series. Just like every yeah. every episode, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I was literally <laughs> only ever remembering like the one episode with Two Face. <laughs> <laughs> like that was that was my benchmark for the entire series. That was it. That was my takeaway. <laughs> you just you kept, you collected it, but never read it again. Scott. You know, after this, Chad's going to need to sleep for, like, three weeks, so you two should just do, just knock out a bunch of Spectre issues and just do them, like, weekly and get it over with. Listen, if we're going to knock out issues, I'm going to knock myself out. Oh, man. That should be, like, a drunk reading instead of a drunk recording. Yeah, I've been up for 18 and a half hours now. (laughs) It's okay, Kyle. You know, they, they just... Put that in words in your brain. Mr. Terrific's a douchebag. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. And that's, uh, the, that's the note we're going out on. <laughs> I got to go to bed. Uh, hey, congrats, everybody. Yes, all of us. Yes. All of us, yes. Congrats. Thank guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks. Good night. All right, guys, we're back. We've wrapped both of those segments up. Now it's just Mark and I, and we're going to finish up some of this listener feedback that we got for episode 300. Um, <laughs> what do you think of all that so far, Mark? 
It was a, it's been a very long episode. <laughs> very fun. And no, just in case people think we really are masochists, masochists no, we did not record both segments in one day. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm a masochist, uh, though, because both of those segments were recorded following a 12-hour day at work. Yeah. <laughs> And, and they were only what two days? They were what two days? Two days apart? They were only two days apart, so there wasn't mu- that much of a break. Yeah, basically the way it worked was, <laughs> I worked a twelve-hour day. We recorded a segment. I went to bed. I worked another twelve-hour day. I saw Thor <laughs> on opening night, and I got to bed at about one thirty, um, and, and fell asleep about one thirty. I woke up at five thirty, which means I got four hours of sleep. Did another twelve-hour day. And then came home to record the next segment, which was the one with Jim and Dan. So by the time I went to sleep that night, I had been up for 18 hours on four hours of sleep. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I didn't wake up on Saturday until 4 p.m. <laughs> oh, another, another, another one of those jobs, eh? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it's a lot better, though. <laughs> so. Uh, never say that we don't punish ourselves for you, the listener. <laughs> for, for all three of you guys, I hope you appreciate this. Although, to be honest, when it's a conversational type of episode, it's really not that hard. If this would have been like a review or a commentary or really anything that required more than just having a conversation that's not 100% really structured, I probably would have been like, no. <laughs> But when it's just a conversation, that's easy enough. Yeah, and the Dan and Jim segment went – it went, certainly went, went much longer than we expected, but that's okay because it was good stuff. I mean, we weren't going to cut it short. Uh, though it, it is ultimately ironic that we kind of were joking around about that 10-minute time limit to start the segment as, as – and, and it, we kind of had a, a real, a realistic soft cap, or so closer to like an hour and a, like an hour and a half, and there we are, ended up at like almost three hours. <laughs> but you, but you didn't fade out, which is really impressive. Oh yeah, I was, I purposefully stayed on my feet, because <laughs> if I sat down or laid down, uh, game over. Well, <laughs> uh, so uh, we've got some uh, we've got some more content to go over here, um, and we have a massive email from Ryan, uh, uh, another Ryan. We spoke earlier about a, a Ryan who sent us some feedback. <clears throat> we have another Ryan sent us a very long um, email. Ryan, I'd love to read the whole thing, but what Mark and I are going to do is we're going to take some of the the exact questions rather than the context. We did read the whole email. And we'll probably respond to you directly. But in terms of reading the whole thing on air, what we'll do is we'll just piecemeal some of the questions and make sure we get your questions answered. Uh, the first question he asks is, he's, he says, uh, <clears throat> have you ever read Ganthet's Tale? Um, so uh, the reason he's asking that is because he, uh, he was giving us at the beginning of the email a s- list of some suggestions for future episodes such as filler episodes where you just pick a random character and cover their history, uh, and as well as things like Ganthus Tell, where you can um, do some filler episodes about some of the details of the Green Lantern Corps annuals uh, and their impacts on future stories, as well as Alan Moore and so on and so forth. But he did that specifically ask, have you ever read Ganthus Tale? And, and he said he's not sure if you reviewed Zero Hour yet. Uh, we've reviewed both. Uh, Mark and I have not. But those episodes have been reviewed in the 
well, over now. <laughs> this is the Dan era. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Jim actually, um, I think it was just, no, it was, I think it was just Jim and James. But it might have been Jim, Dan, and James. I don't remember. The reason I don't remember exactly, that was uh, Lanterncast episode 85, uh, where uh, they had our, our old uh, editor and, and uh, buddy James from Ireland, uh, and they talked about Ganthet's Tale. <clears throat> and then we have reviewed Zero Hour. We actually had uh, Adam Murdo from Comic Geek Speak on to talk about uh, Zero Hour um, because he is a he. He actually did his uh, thesis, yeah, his thesis on uh, on uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, for college. So that was really uh, cool to have him on because he's a big crisis event type of person. Uh, and Zero Hour was actually his introduction into the DCU. Um, and so that was episode 94. Um, but he didn't ask, have you ever read Ganthet's Tale? Mark, I know you weren't on that episode. I wasn't on that episode. Are there any thoughts about Ganthet's Tale that you wanted to share? It's been a while since I read Ganthet's Tale. I do have it. I do remember liking it. And and it kind of, in a way, Ganthet's Tale also factored into when we were talking about all all the all the different ways and depending on which story you read about how Cronus screwed up the universe, Ganthet's Tale kind of reminds you of that too. It plays a role into Cronus' history of screw-ups. I like Ganthet's Tale. It was something – as soon as he asked the question, I remember, I was pretty sure you guys did get Ganthet's Tale or they did Ganthet's Tale, and I knew Zero Hour because you and I had discussed Zero Hour early on in our run, whether we could – you know whether whether that was done, and then, we, then I realized that Jim and Dan had covered it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a very it's it's a pretty rel- important it's a pretty important story and people tend to remember it. So not just because that was and that was even before that was, that was kind of like the beginning I think of Ganthet really starting to be, becoming the the, the the go-to guardian that everybody remembers and knows and and remembers also as as not being the jerk guardian. <laughs> well yeah, the, the 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 guardian that everybody knows other than Old Timer, who, yes. of course, we knew uh, was Appa Aliapsa. Yep. Yeah. Um, one thing about Ganthet's tale is I really, really wish they would bring Dowley back. Because the way he died artistically at the end of Ganthet's tale looked like somebody who was being sucked into the antimatter universe. Like the way they sort of just like dissolve. Um, yeah. And. I remember very distinctly my theory on who the bandaged guardian was uh, during, was it War of the Green Lanterns? When Chrono was collecting entities? Yeah, before we got, before the reveal, before, yeah. That that was my theory. It's Dowley. Like, I was just, I was convinced. Because, mainly because, really, Chrono again (laughs) was my thought process. Like, they can't be so dumb as to, like, give us something so... Blatantly obvious as Krona again, <laughs> but they did, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily a bad storyline. Um, but I thought I was sure it was Dowley. It would have been so cool to see him back in some way, um, and you know, it would have been even interesting if instead of creating Raimi, we got Dowley. Like, I just I, I would love to see that Guardian again, but I think we're we're at this point now where it'd be like. 
what's the point of introducing yet another guardian? <laughs> you know, because you had um, oh, what the hell is his name on uh, Knock? Oh, yeah, the, the one who's I yeah, know who you mean. he's a, uh, he's absolutely a guardian. They haven't outright said so, but he. There, I mean, there's so many context clues. He's most certainly a guardian. We have Raimi now. You have Ganthet and Sage. You have the Templar guardians. You have the OG guardians. Like, there. I mean, even if you want to take like the cross species or the 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 side tracks, you got the Zamorans and the controllers and uh, the Scions and so on and so forth. Like, there's so many freaking things connected to the guardians. That if they were to like reveal, oh, and here's yet another guardian you forgot about, it would almost well, and, be overkill. <laughs> well, and then they gave us what the pale vicar who was a guardian, even yep. though we have no idea who he was. Yep, exactly. A random guardian, a random nameless guardian, which is the cheapest way out. It, it would have been awesome if that was uh, Dowley in some way, shape, or form. But pop up the but but yeah, that was that was a little drop, little dropping the ball. Yeah, but. But that's all I can. That, anytime I think of Ganthet's tale, I think of wouldn't it be cool to have Dao Li back in some way, shape, or form as a villain. Um, at this point, though, it, like I said, it would just be overkill. Uh, he then asks, um, "When and how did you start reading GL, and what's the hook for you?" We did, and uh, we did answer the first part of that question earlier in the episode. Yeah. But he asked, "What was the hook?" Like, so I don't think we actually answered that. I mean, uh, what what was it about? Green Lantern, or that story that that you read that hooked you into it when you first read it. Uh, well, the first one, since the first issue I read was Reign of the Superman, so obviously Green Lantern forty six. So that was that was the, so the storyline was the hook, <laughs> uh, and the, the fallout, literally and figuratively, of Coast City's destruction. But since I started reading regularly on Green Lantern fifty one with Kyle. I guess it was the idea of jumping on to something new and then learning more about, even though obviously the rules had changed, uh, learning more about the kind of like the Green Lantern mythology, almost uh, addition by subtraction, if you will. And as I've said before on the show, I became a fan of Hal because of of my interest in Kyle and Hal's becoming Parallax. So I think it was... Compa- I guess comparing the, the present status quo with what was the status quo and, and the cause and effect of the change that I think that, I guess that was the hook for me. I knew about Green Lantern obviously before I picked up those books and that borders that we I spoke about you know earlier in the episode as well as a billion times before in the show. Like I said, my first uh, Green Lantern comics was the showcase presents uh, volume two, the black and white reprints as well as, Green Lantern Rebirth, which I purchased the same night at Borders. Uh, my first single issue was Final Crisis, Rage of the Red Lanterns, but I don't think that counts as a hook because I bought a trade paperback and then decided to seek out a comic book store. So obviously the trade is the hook. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I think the hook for me about Green Lantern Rebirth, I'm the kind of person who's obsessed with duality. Like I like the concept of yin and yang and balance and dark and light. Uh, I'm the kind of person who, you know, I, I attended church all through growing up, you know, because that's my family. We're, we were raised uh, Lutheran. Um, <clears throat> and that's not just me. That's my father, my grandfather, and so on and so forth down the line. And uh, 
one of the things I just couldn't get into about church was, and I hate to get religious, but I'm, I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to uh, downplay any religious beliefs or anything like that. But for me, one of the things I had a hard time reconciling was the existence of evil. Uh, you know, if, you know, if God is so all powerful, then why do we have this, why do we have this dark side? Why not just make it, we're his creation, all good all the time. And then you have the free will explanation and you have to have all this thing. And, and I'm, and, and I'm not discounting that, but a big part of me was like, well, then we, regardless of whether you believe in God or not, the, whatever your explanation is, our negative emotions serve just as much of a purpose as our positive emotions. There are things we can learn from fear, from rage, from greed, from all these other things, these negative aspects of our lives. And just as much as there are things that you can learn from being hopeful or falling in love or being compassionate with other people, they're just as beneficial as the positive stuff. Now, don't get me wrong, you're not supposed to get obsessed with either side and focus only on them. But to me, the more and more I grew up, the more I realized you can't mix the negative just because it's supposedly bad. Because the more you ignore it, the more you push it aside, the worse it gets. You have to face it head on. That's what I liked about Green Lantern Rebirth. It's very literal on the page there because you have a man, Hal Jordan, being visibly torn as well as emotionally torn, but visibly torn between this spirit of God and this being of devilish fear. And there's literal images. I don't remember if it was, I can't remember, was it his cover? It might have been an interior panel, but there's, I'm pretty sure there's a cover of the parallax and the specter literally like playing tug of war with Hal Jordan. <laughs> and not only do you have that, but it's Green Lantern. And especially with Ethan Van Skyver's colors in terms of like you have the really black blacks on the costumes, those greens when they really lit up and they like just poured their power into the ring. Like when I know John is influenced by Parallax when he does this, but when he's like shining a light in Batman's face and saying, you know, what is the Batman if you're not afraid of him? Like, you know, just like this blast of light in the face of dark, like. All of these visual cues of that really sucked me in because I was reading a comic for the first time since I was a kid. I only had five issues, uh, five single issues growing up. I didn't read any other comics until after I graduated high school. I'm reading this comic, and, and there's so much more than what is just there on the page that they're talking to you more than just the bubbles in, in the word bubbles. And that was, the, that was at that point where I was like, whoa, comics aren't for kids. <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> So that's what really sucked me in, was the duality. I agree. I like that. That that well, that almost answers potentially. That could answer one of his other questions, which was about your favorite arc. Uh, um, Rebirth wasn't my favorite storyline. Everybody knows my favorite storyline <laughs> at this point. Oh, yeah, Ion. The power of Ion. Which also, you know, we had a whole episode about that, but like. My favorite part of that, you know, is what Kyle does with the power. He is given the power of a god. 
still takes into the consideration the points of views of everybody else around him rather than becoming obsessed with the power and decides to willingly give that power up. Plus, now I know it's not a Hal Jordan arc or anything, but you get great characterization moments with Kyle there, but you also have great Jade moments, great Jon Stewart moments, great Alan moments. So I really enjoy Power of Ion. There's Parallax moments in there. I mean, there's, there's Hal Jordan moments, I should say, in there. No, that's true. Uh, do you want to do one more from this, or do you want to skip... Uh, uh, my, let me do. Let me just do my favorite arc. Then we can. Then we can. Then we can. Then we can skip. Yeah, yeah. If you want. Uh, I don't. My favorite arc. I'm not entirely sure what my favorite arc is. I'm tempted to to go back to Parallax View. But if I'm gonna do something different, which kind of because it's been on my mind ever since this, we had that we did the recording with Jim and Dan about favorite villain or I think maybe. An arc that is really gets forgotten now since it was so early on in the Jeff Johns run, even though I kind of think that arc may be the turning point of what made that Green Lantern title kind of moving towards something special. Because the, the first few issues were – they were okay, but they weren't you know, that great. Yeah, they had Black Hand in reintroducing him, which was going to be relevant for what Jeff Johns wanted to do. But the arc by itself wasn't anything super special. But I think the Revenge of the what, Green, Green Lanterns arc, which which brought back Cyborg Superman and the Lost Lanterns, I think that was a really, really, really good arc. And I kind of I've been thinking about that more because not only reintroducing Cyborg Superman as the as a serious Green Lantern villain, but also bringing a lot of characters back into the fray that had been missing and having Hal have to deal with more of his parallax sins and kind of maybe a little kind of a direct but also an indirect way. So I think I think that's an arc that that is one of my one of my favorites certainly from the Jeff Johns run but it's like I said it's really easy to forget about it since it happened like within like the first you know 12 or so issues of the book. Yeah. Uh do you want to take the uh the message from Chad? Chad. Ch- Chad loves our show so much he's even sending in questions for us. Not This is no, this is another Chad. It's a different Chad, of course. Uh and it's, it's a, basically, Chad wants to know, our, uh, do we think, um, get our opinions on some characters and ideas, things that were popular in the Silver Age and or Kyle's run that he, that really were, I guess, in his opinion, underplayed dur- during the Jeff Johns run, even though it's interesting that he says that have never been used, even though he just kind of hedges bets because he says current slash Jeff Johns run, but still, some of these things really have been dealt with. So basically, Evil Star, which Jeff Johns did deal with, and apparently uh, Robert Venditti is going to deal with, and Van Jensen dealt with. I don't have a huge background on Evil Star. I'm interested in seeing it, especially since every time we see Evil Star, he seems to change his look. It is what's maybe not 100% his power set, but what he wants. So I wouldn't mind seeing more stories about Evil Star. The controllers, obviously, we're going to be getting uh, in the next ma- in the next real arc of Hal and the Core. We're going to be getting the controllers. We did see the controllers during the Jeff Johns era related to Laura Fleece. Uh, I kind of int- I would like to see more about the controllers. And this one's interesting. Kilowog's time is a Dark Lantern. I. I think you could tell stories like that. I could. I think you could do a story with that if you had like a Kilowog solo story, or even not necessarily solo, but teamed up with another Lantern. But he encountered something related to uh, his his planet and his past, which would tie into 
kind of at least the end of him being Dark Lantern. That would make sense to me why that's never been dealt with because obviously he was only dark he was only a dark lan- dark lantern for a very short period of time and it's not like he is that character now so you can't really have him re- you you could come up with a way I suppose but realistically he's not going to be he's not going to be that character again so it almost would have to be a flashback or something temporarily tying back into that time frame. So but all those in, are interesting characters to t- to to do more stories with or take another look at. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you uh, in terms of all of that. However, with regards to the weapons that uh, from the Silver Age or Kyle's run, I don't know about Kyle's run, but it kind of ties back to how I wish we would see more Silver Age villains show up again. Uh, outside of you know, we had Polaris and we've had Sonar and so on and so forth. But what about some of those just good old-fashioned monsters slash aliens Hal used to fight? Or, like, you know, villains would create various weapons to counteract Hal's ring, or, you know, I remember there there were times when, yes, Sinestro had his yellow ring, but he also had, like, a ray gun. You know, like, I'd love to see some of those crazy, wonky things, you know, rediscovered, found by somebody else, or used by the same people they used back then, and just, you know, reinterpreted in some way, shape, or form that doesn't make them stupid. Um, you know, you could even go the route of maybe, uh, you know, Sinestro's ring. Like, maybe, like, we're talking OG Sinestro ring. Maybe, like, one of the first prototype, you know, yellow rings the Quardians created for him before, you know, he has the yellow ring that he has now. You know, that kind of a thing. I use the term now loosely, of course, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but you know some of that stuff from the Silver Age, because especially when he says you know current uh, slash Jeff Johns run, we're talking about a bunch of stuff. Pe- basically, it's been Power Ring versus Power Ring for a long time, regardless of what Power Ring goes up against what Power Ring. It's been a lot of Power Rings, <laughs> including new ones like phantom rings and <laughs> and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it, it'd be cool to see some of that other stuff and that's probably that's a big part of the reason why I'd like to see some of those silver age villains come back. I would be depending on the on the take on the villains, I would be interested. I was underwhelmed with Sonar. Uh Dr. I'm interested only in the duality of Dr. Polaris and the in you know. It was a good uh, starting he, point. Yeah, almost like the whole parallax kind of thing with the with him fighting. Part of him wants to do right, and then part of him, you know, like that devil always on your shoulder, whispering in your ear to make him uh, switch back. Uh, so, but again, it all depends on the take. I mean, so far the takes that we've gotten, at least they haven't been all that impressive. I agree that I think the Polaris thing was a better was a better start than let's see what we've gotten from Sonar, but but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. So are we hopping right on back to the other one. Yeah. Let's take like let's just. It's not. We've done most of the stuff here, so it's only like really only two more things. I think two more paragraphs. So if we just take you take one, I'll take the other, and then we just. Favorite characters and why? Um, I oh, between the Earth Lanterns, including Alan Scott. I'm, you know, like honestly, it, it it's fluid. It's my top three are Hal, Kyle, and Alan. I couldn't rank rank them. I couldn't tell you. 
I'm not going to spend any more time on that because, like, just I can't do that. If we're talking Alien Lanterns, I love Kilowog uh, for sure. I love some of those background characters. I mentioned them earlier in, in, in the episode, like Metaphil and Larvox, uh, some of those people we've seen since, God, the 60s <laughs> and are still seeing today but never really got much focus on. For some reason, even though he annoys the crap out of me most of the time, I have a I have a lot of curiosity and, and interest in Salak. So, uh, you know, him. Um, Aresia, yes and no. There are times when she annoys the crap out of me, and I'm not just talking about, like, her origins and when she's, you know, a girl trying to grow up and fall in love and how, with Hal and all that. I'm talking about even modern day. There are times when she just annoys me. Um, as for why, their personality. I mean, that's really all there is to it. Uh, there's a lot of, in, in the terms of some of those 60s characters that have been around, hanging around in the backgrounds and never really had a lot of focus, that's part of why I like them. They're so interesting. They've been around this long, and we still don't know too much about them. So they're just really these blank spots I'd love to have answered. Uh, for me, favorite characters, uh, Hal, clearly. Uh, Pat. Parallax Hal, too, which I consider a different character, honestly. Uh, St. Walker, again, not a, not a uh, shocker there. Um, two, of the, two of the characters he mentioned I kind of liked. Sodom Yacht, certainly nowhere in my top list, but it, I, he's a character that has never really been treated well as far as us giving getting a whole lot of time with him. And, yes, we have some – we have – and background is borderline. I, I almost said background, but we know more what he's supposed to be, really, and what his fates, if you believe that, is what it's – than what his actual – a lot of things in him. I mean, we know some things about his background, clearly, but it's just – he wasn't really developed, I think, as much as he could have before he – Ion got thrown into him, which, again, according to the Guardians, that was way sooner than he was supposed to get Ion, and maybe that's part of the... Dexstar's a good one. Arkillo's... Arkillo is, is probably higher on my list now than Dexstar, but the thing I like about Dexstar, which relates to Arkillo, is the fact that, basically, Dexstar is... A, is a, he is Atrocitus's Arkillo, essentially. That, at the end of the day, there's Atrocitus knows that the only one he can really trust as a Red Lantern is Dexstar. Just like Sinestro knows really deep down, even though he has other people that do tend to support him, like Crib and... and uh, I, I was going to say Alyssa, but she's a whole different... Carousel uh, is the one I was thinking of. That Sinestro knows, even how as much as he treats Arkillo like crap, and he... Arkillo is always the one who tries to basically defend the ideals of what the Sinestro Corps were founded on, and it gets bitch slapped by Sinestro half the time because Sinestro is changing gears based on whatever his scheme is at the moment. He knows Arkillo is the guy at the end of the day that he, he can really count on. So I like both those characters. There's, there's, there's a certain loyalty that both characters have, even though, to be fair, Dexter kind of gets rewarded for his loyalty a lot more. <laughs> And did we do favorite single issue? I always think that we, we, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't pick one, but I did ask the question. Uh, That's what I was saying because I thought we, we, did, we just couldn't. Some of that. Yeah, we couldn't figure it out. Quite honestly, there's. Uh, that was earlier in the episode, though, for sure. Yeah, that's why. I, that's why I thought I was looking at it. So I thought. After, All right. Uh, if, if, if I had to pick one, while I was thinking about this, maybe just because I love that splash page at the end so much and, and what leads up to it, I almost would say Gre I think Rebirth Four. I don't know if I 
Because I think the end of Rebirth 4 is when Hal comes back to life, because issue 5 is when he fights Sinestro, so that would be make sense. When when they have, when the ring flies back to Hal when he's in the coffin and, and, the, and, the, and the gray fades all the way from his, from his temples, and it's like, no more fear, I'm finally thinking like me again, and then he stands up and tells Sinestro to get, you know, get the hell away from them. Dave, my... If, if there was an issue, you know, like in the last, like, you know, 10, 10 plus years, maybe that's the one I would probably, if I had to pick one, I think. Just because that, I remember when I read that when it f- first came out, that was how that made you feel. So I think that might that might have been one of them. But. All right. Uh, we got two things from Dwayne. Let me play. I'm going to play them both back to back, and then we'll, uh, we'll just uh, respond to them here. So I'm going to play those now, and uh, that way we don't have to edit them in later. Hey, Lantern Cast, Dwayne Feaster here. Just wanted to send you guys a message of congratulations for episode 300. Way to go, guys. I've been loving the show for a long time. And it is a testament to you guys that the show did not miss a beat when the host switched. So many podcasts come and go, but it's great to see Lantern Cast still chugging along into the future. I do have a question for you guys. I think of what Marvel did on their ultimate line when they revamped and re-brought everybody up to the modern audience or whatever. How would you guys modernize Green Lantern? Because we know Hal Jordan's a test pilot, but does anybody even relate to a test pilot anymore? I mean, it made sense in the day of Chuck Yeager and all that kind of stuff, but is there a better fitting job for the Green Lantern? Would it make sense for him to be uh, a firefighter or a SWAT team member or something like that, something people can more easily relate to? Also, the oath. We live in a world of 140 character tweets, even though, yes, I know some people can do 280. Lucky them. And the Green Lantern Oath is kind of long. How would you guys shorten it for today's world? What tweet-length oath could you come up with? That's all I got for now. Again, congratulations on 300. And let me play this other one here. Cast, Dwayne Feenstra here again with a question I'd love to get your feedback on. If you had to Blackest Night the Marvel Universe, who would get each ring? I'm torn on whether Spider-Man or Captain America would be the best Blue Lantern. And I know it's cliche, but is Daredevil the most obvious Green Lantern pick because he's literally the man without fear? I don't know. I'd love to hear your guys' feedback, your choices, and just want to say thanks again for 300 amazing episodes, and here is to a 300 more. Talk to you guys soon. Okay, so... Thanks, Dwayne. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Uh, so how would we modernize Green Lantern? Although he seemed to focus largely on Hal, so I guess we should take the take his lead and say how would we modernize Hal, uh, then Blackest Night, the, the Marvel Universe, and... The other one was our our tweet length host, uh, <laughs> which would be a good, which would really be a good thing to try to do when we had could do it justice. Yeah, actually spend some time on it, even though theoretically we put it probably done a little bit, but we've been but we've been busy. I think people understand that. Uh, my natural reaction to the oath is it'd be really it'd be a hell of a lot. It'd be really politically correct. <laughs> Not because I would want it that way, but I could just imagine somebody trying to. Cut, maybe cutting down on the evil and and 
Don't say blackest night. Maybe like a non in, in, in non whitest night. <laughs> All this crap. I'm, I mean, just kind of mostly kidding. But I would, but I could see it being a lot less literally black and white about you know about things. Uh, somebody could try to take it that way. But it would be it would be nice. Maybe that's something we should we should revisit uh, and really try to do, or at least do one together, even if we can't do one separately. Um, as as for updating how that's so hard, especially since we have Earth One coming down the pike. Um, you know, in terms of updating his job, I don't know. Um, I would. I, I don't. I don't know what I would say there. I maybe like an extreme, like an adrenaline junkie. Uh, not somebody. Not one of these idiots who like cl- climbs the tallest tower with a bubble lens on their GoPro or whatever. Those kind of videos that make me want to pass out. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but like, you know, somebody who's like into, ex- you know, a tons, tons of extreme sports, like who's that one dude who did that, that stratosphere jump or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? He, I think I know what you're talking about, but the names are not, that's not going to hit me. Yeah. He, he floated up to like as high as like a weather balloon or something would go and then jumped uh, and did a parachute or whatever. And then there was that one dude who jumped out of a plane without a parachute into a net. Uh, like, you know, somebody, some sort of like extreme sports junkie or something like that. But I, that's not a fully formed idea. You know what I would like, though, is it would be really interesting to still have Alan Scott as the OG Green Lantern in that universe, but have Alan more present in Hal's origin. Not, tr- not in terms of like passing down the ring, but a mentor, not in a different way, but in a similar way that Jay was for Barry. I think that'd be really cool to have Alan involved in Hal's tutelage and use of the ring and how to be a hero. I could see that. Uh, you know, so I, was, I would certainly love to aim for that more than having Sinestro be a key factor mm. and Hal becoming Hal. Like I've, I've kind of said that before. I, mean, I but kind of that has kind of become the go-to thing, and people have accepted that. Now it'd be hard to ever change that without again doing an entire, almost like a new universe's take on it. But I've never been a huge fan of the whole, of the whole Sinestro being, you know, the the teacher to Hal and and all that stuff. Uh. Jobs, uh, obviously, he could still be a pilot. He could be a fighter pilot, but even that nowadays is not as what it was because there's not much air-to-air combat these days. Not that that couldn't change, but a lot of drone uh, strikes. Yeah, so I mean, so it's that would be the natural, the easiest thing. But again, it's not. It's not. Doesn't solve the problem. He could be part. You could see him like disarming bombs and being part of a bomb squad. You could see him being almost like a, potentially almost like a storm chaser, something like that too. Something that goes along with your idea of being an adrenaline junkie potentially, but also maybe a specific job where you are putting yourselves at in dangerous situations. So, but it's it is because of, because of Hal and his the other aspects of his personality. It, it those you have to almost like match the job with that too. Mm. But those were the yeah those were the things that came to mind from a from a, from a j- occupational perspective. If we had to blackest night the MCU, uh, I'll let you handle the Blue Lantern one. Because, yeah, he couldn't decide between Cap or Spidey, who would be a better Blue I mean, Lantern. 
based on those two choices, I would I would have to say Cap. I would. I mean, I don't know because I don't know if I when I first think of Spider Man, if Hope is the first thing that comes into my head. Compassion. Yeah, I think more compassion. I mean, just like I mean, I mean, you you could also make Cap for. I mean, Cap is hopeful. But much like Superman, you would totally lean a little bit more towards hope than will. It's the same thing with Cap. You can make a case for him being will too, because he is because of how much he is all about beliefs and a code and a code and how important they, that they are to him and what he will do to to uphold those. But so I would say, yeah, I would say, I would say Cap is hope. Um, Tony is avarice. Yeah, you can make that. I, I assume we we just have to give the Hulk for rage and just call it a day. You know who I'd give to fear? Wanda. That's interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think who would be a who would be a better choice. Hmm. You could you could see you could almost make a case like someone like Magneto or Cyclops because of the way there's Cyclops because of how he's, they, they kind of ruined his character a lot but Magneto because he's always afraid of what's going to happen to the mutants and things like that that there's an underlying fear in him but yeah I, I, I you, yours is yeah yours is pretty good yeah who I can't figure out though is Thor the easy choice for me is Green Lantern I'm a huge Thor fan so to to say Green Lantern seems like the easy choice but there's a part of me that's like, I wonder if he'd be a better fit. You know, I could see Thor as a White Lantern. Actually, yeah, he's got. I know, yeah, he's got the rage and all this other stuff. But like, there are certain aspects of Thor, especially like in terms of his. Uh, if you read the Straczynski run of Thor with Olivier Coipel's art, like this is when like he raises Asgard in Broxton, Oklahoma, or whatever. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that art. Yeah, that yeah. He, you know, he, Odin's gone. He is the king of Asgard. He's responsible for his people and their well-being, and so on and so forth. You know, I just I see him as this symbol of rebirth of protecting his people and ensuring their longevity and, but also not interfering with the natural order. You know, like he's of course, you know, plopping Asgard down in the middle of Oklahoma is, you know, it's own little interference or whatever. But when you get beyond Thor's bravado and, you know, you get down to the nature of who he really is, you know, in that aspect of, of a true hero or whatever, I'd say either Green Lantern, but I, I can see a White Lantern. I don't know what else I would choose, though. But I do see I Green, could, and I do see White. I could see that, if only because he's kind of shepherded his people in Asgard through multiple destructions, Ragnarok-y, Ragnarokian experiences from, when the, from like issue 300 when the Celestials wiped out everything, and, and you know, he thought he was the last one left and all that stuff. Uh, who for love though? <laughs> Silk. Who, who? Yeah, not, to me, that's not, I'm. Well, I mean, you could, could be right. I'm thinking major characters, and to me, that's not a major. Uh, well, for, but I haven't read Marvel much lately, so. Well, do you know what Silk's thing is? What happens anytime she gets anywhere near Peter Parker? So, no. so for those of you who don't know, <laughs> if you're if you're a young kiddo, close your ears. Mommy and daddy don't want you to hear this. <laughs> Silk 
uh, and 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 Peter were bitten by the exact same spider. So because of that, their pheromones match. So when they get around each other, they just get like a, I, I'm sorry, but essentially super horny. They just like they just start making out. <laughs> it's really hard for them to keep their hands off each other. And I'm not talking about like just start mating or anything, but like it, but it's it they get so distracted around each other. That's why I made the joke. <laughs> that for 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 love it would be silk. <laughs> I mean there's got to be there's got to be somebody for love that's just we're, we're, we're overlook overlooking. Maybe Sue Storm. That would be really good, actually. Sue um, would be a good one. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm also trying to think. Of, I mean, Thanos would be a natural to be bl- to be Black Hand to be to be Death. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm, I, I don't know where I'd put the Vision, even though we've kind of ru- we're kind of running out of rings anyway. I'm just kind of trying to figure out what ring I would I would give him because he's kind of, he's another one you can almost see. Which would be again fit, be pretty appropriate, but also slash ironic if he was a White Lantern since he's not really alive. But yet you could see that you could kind of see that uh, classic Vision anyway, um, just like classic. I mean, because classic Vision kind of had all the all the emotions when you think about it. He obviously he had love because he loved Wanda. He had compassion. He had he had rage at times. He had strength. He had will. So I could see him as a I could actually see him as a White Lantern too. Um, that actually was a really good question. Yeah, for uh, sure. We really, yeah, that was a really good question. Another one that deserves more time, but it, it can, sometimes it's good to just like spitball once in a while and not really pre- be prepared for it. <laughs> All right, so we have uh, two more voicemails. Uh, they're from the same person, though, and they're they're pretty brief. So what I'll do is I'll play them both back-to-back just like we did uh, Dwayne's, and then we will start wrapping up this uh, this episode here and uh, talk one more thing and close it out. So let me play that uh, here. Hi, my name is Tom Bobby. I was just wondering if you guys had the chance to do the Green Lanterns at the start of New 52 completely new, like brand new IP, brand new idea. What would be yours? Would you stay with any of the original cast? Would you go with a new character? What would be your plan? And uh, congratulations on your 300. Thank you. So kind of the same, one of the kind of the same, but not not really. Uh, it's it's got a new twist to it. Let me play this other one here. Hi, I was wondering, um, what is your favorite knockoff Green Lanterns? I mean, sort of like the Alpha Lanterns or Joe Gardner, Guy Gardner's twin with his weird gloves, effigy and the effigy core. What would be your favorite, not quite Green Lantern, Green Lantern? That even includes Elseworlds and also all the other crazy stuff. Thank you. It's funny. Uh, so whenever we get these voicemails, we get a Google Translate. Oh God! Which, which is horrible. They should fire whoever does the Google Translation or sets the sets the program parameters. So, what is your favorite knockoff Green Lanterns? I mean, like for the Alpha Lanterns, are Joe Gardner Gardner twin? And then he, this is where it gets wonky. <laughs> with his with his weird cologne effigy in the ass cheek. <laughs> okay, so if we could redo the Green Lantern concept all over again, if we could do whatever we wanted, start from scratch, 
I would keep a lot of the OG stuff from from the from the Golden Age, which I guess makes Alan one of my favorite number one Green Lanterns. If I were to, because Alan is is the one constant in all of this. But quite honestly, you know what would be cool is if Alan got his ring and it was tied to the core, uh, but worked differently. Like there was something wrong with it, you know, it malfunctioned, uh, or it had, you know, there's something involved with it being an actual core ring that maybe like passed through the comet trail of the star heart, you know, something along those lines it where it was different. It was a core ring, but it was different in some way enough to where Alan is still Alan, uh, and has his own sort of unique power set. But then once Alan has done his thing on earth, not for like, you know, 30 years or anything, but once he's established himself a little bit, to then become a sort of member of the core and bring on, like, aliens onto our planet. Like, I thought that would be cool. Like, I, I, I just like the idea of focusing more on some of these alien characters for a little bit. And I think it'd be cool to have Alan interact. It, 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 and, oh, I would absolutely keep it in, like, the 40s. I would, for sure, time place it, because it would be so cool to see a man like Alan Scott interacting with aliens for the first time and then trying to incorporate them into life on Earth. I think that'd be really cool. If, could, if, if Alan could become a Green Lantern and be like... Because you know how like in the future, uh, the, one, of the, one of the reasons the Legion admires Superman so... I mean, obviously the main one is he's a hero and so on and so forth. But one of the big reasons is he's the first, you know, high-profile, widely accepted alien immigrant. He's 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 the the linchpin that opened the door for all these other aliens to move and migrate to the planet Earth. It would be cool to see that concept started by Alan because of his ties to the Green Lantern Corps, but started like in the forties. <laughs> like, I, don't get me wrong, the timeline would have to be adjusted because you have things like. You know, World War Two, where some jackass over in Germany can't even handle the idea of some Jews. You know, so that's just not. You know, the the, the whole timeline would have to be altered, and it would be cool to see Alan proactively working towards something like that. It was an idea I had when I first heard this voicemail. So the concept is more or less we were doing like a New 52 relaunch? A New 52 relaunch, but I, I kind of took it as do whatever the hell you want with the Green Lantern concept. Yeah, I'm not real. Yeah, that's one I probably would have to think about. I, I would uh, – I would. I don't think it was – looking at it from this perspective, I don't think it was wrong of John's – and. Every, and and the Dio to decide they weren't going to screw around with Green Lantern much because at the time Green Lantern was one of their top dogs. They just, like everything else in the new 52, they just was no co- cohesive decision ever made about what about what what took place and what didn't take place because eventually you were going to need to know that because it's kind of hard to kind of hard to reference things and have <laughs> and have characters show up that you know shouldn't be even able to show up and all this stuff. I'm not sure how I would revamp it. That kind of goes along with um, almost like Dwayne's question about changing, you know, like uh, changing professions and things like that. So I, I know I would pick Hal. I would probably introduce everybody else at some point. I would not 
exclude Kyle from having a role. Uh, so even if we were starting from scratch with Hal getting the ring from Abin Sur and read like a brand new slate of history, I think I would still end up bringing in bringing in those other characters. But I really would have to think a little bit more about about major, any major changes to that I would bring about to the property. I think as far as conceptually, anyway. He also asked about favorite knockoff lanterns. Uh, ooh, that's hard because I'm not a. I we we said it earlier in the episode. The the Green Lantern Elseworlds are interesting stories, but they're not like the best of the Elseworlds. Let's be perfectly honest. I really do enjoy the Last Son of Earth Green Lantern story, which is a Superman story, where you know Kal El gets sent from Earth to Krypton. And then visits Earth later on his 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 planet of origin. So I thought that was I think that's a really cool concept. You know something that keeps popping into my mind, and it's really interesting because I haven't seen this in a long time. Nor was it particularly impactful on me when I first saw it, but it's it just it's like a red flag going off in my mind right now. The steampunk Green Lantern from the Green Lantern animated series. Yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting. I'd like to see a return to that some in some way, shape, or form. There was so much like they created this whole world for like this one episode, and it was just like wow. Like, don't get me wrong, it's steampunk. Steampunk's a huge thing. People enjoy steampunk, so it's not hard to create that world because so much of it already exists. But it it was just interesting that they of all the things they could have done. That's what they opted to go with. So it was really interesting to see this kind of fully formed world that we could have dived more into. My answer, which when I first when I heard the question, even I, I mean I remember I remember this this uh, voicemail, so I, I had given this a little bit of thought, even though this was not the answer I had at the time. I think I'm going to go with I kind of like a combination of of Iron of Iron Lantern and or what. Ha- the Speed Demon when Hal Jordan was kind of in that in the Amalgam universes. I kind of liked I kind of like that those variations. I don't remember and, the Speed uh, Demon. Yeah, Hal because it had to do with Hal, Hal Jordan was still kind of like a disgraced member of whatever version of the of whatever kind of pseudo existed as a Green Lantern Corps back then. That was in Speed Demon and Iron Lantern obviously was kind of like the Tony Stark Hal almost like Hal Jordan Amalgam. Uh, so I would say I would so I would let's just split hairs and say I'm going to go with the Amalgam Universe versions of both Green Lantern slash and Hal Jordan as as things that I kind of appreciate and I thought were a, were a unique take. So those are probably the ones I would pick. Oh, I wish... I wish just imagine Stan Lee's Green Lantern. See, I didn't like that one that, that much. I have it somewhere. It didn't... I don't remember... I'm not going to lie. I don't remember that much about it. It's essentially the Earth 2 Alan Scott origin. And I don't mean yeah. like I don't mean I mean the OG I mean like the New Fifty Two Earth Two title. He's essentially an avatar of the Green. Yeah, I have that somewhere. I didn't make it didn't make that much of an impression on me, so I don't. But I but I could understand I couldn't well I certainly couldn't understand why you would gravitate towards it. So yeah, but and uh, that wraps up the feedback for this episode. <laughs> Cool. Holy crud muffins. Uh yeah, I know. That's a lot of stuff. Alright guys, we tried to we tried to keep that relatively short, but you know, we didn't want to feel like we were shortchanging these questions and you know, 
blowing through them at the last uh, instant for the sake of uh, shortening. But Mark and I, uh, we reached 300. We did it. But uh, we also have things going on in our own lives outside of just Green Lantern. Both of us saw Thor Ragnarok. And you know we, we got to talk about it while it's at least somewhat fresh in our minds. <laughs> I know this is about as fresh as... It's still not as fresh as it could have been, but it's still relatively fresh considering it's only been fr- since Friday and this is, what, a Tuesday. Uh, I, did, I, did, I can tell you... The one thing, and yes, there's going to be spoilers here, so if you don't want to listen to spoilers... Which is why we saved it for the end, guys. Yeah. Um, the after credit scenes were kind of a waste. I know, the, I know the one with the ship is relevant, and it's not that hard to figure out you know, what it means and why it's happening, but I didn't think either either the, the, the spaceship scene or the uh, Game Master, Grand, Grand Master, excuse me, uh reappearance at the end. Now, it was funny, but it was kind of pseudo-pointless. Hmm. I mean, um, so. It's my favorite Thor movie, for sure. Which, and the, let's be honest, the bar is pretty low on that. I, I, did, like, <laughs> I, was, I, I did like the first movie, though. Yeah, everybody likes the first one, but... but I'm not, and don't get me wrong, I'm not really, I'm not picking on you at all. I think, but I think as a general rule, I think Dark World, if, it's, if most people don't consider Dark World the worst Marvel Universe movie, it's got to be in, in absolutely the top... The, which means the bottom three that people would throw out there. The Dark World was not good. Um, I do have some criticisms about it. I thought it was too funny. Don't get me wrong. The jokes were there. The jokes landed. I laughed. But this movie is called Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok has a very specific meaning, especially if you're a Thor fan. This should have been like a violent, bloody movie. Don't get me wrong. I understood going into it the minute they announced it, it wasn't going to be that. Because if, if they were going to do that at all, it would be an Infinity War. Just because the stakes would be so high. But it was way funnier and comedic than it really should been, should have been. The whole thing was suit and again, spoiler, so I don't really care. Summoning Suter to essentially take on Hela and destroy Asgard was barely a plot point. Like, that? Suter showing up in Asgard to destroy it is a huge thing. And they made it essentially a convenient plot wrap-up point that was barely a blip on the radar other than a cool visual effect. Like, it had no significance. And that really bothered me. Again, it's my favorite Thor movie, and yes, it was funny, but I felt like it was funnier than it should have been given the the situation. Though they did, it got less funny once they got back to Asgard. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you are correct. But, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I think it was too funny... But I think it was – if it wasn't, I think it was hovering on the border. Mm. I think – and I think – not to cut you off because I'm going to let you go back and finish your thoughts. So let me just do that. Yeah. So let me – yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, it, it was too funny. The music was fantastic. Um, of course, you have the Immigrant Song in there and, and all that stuff. But even like just kind of like the scores, the little sort of 80s sounds and stuff that you get in there, 
<laughs> I really enjoyed the inclusion of the Willy Wonka thing. Uh, yeah, that was cute. That was cool. Um, I did love uh, some of the new some of the new characters we got. Um, I did have one other really uh, uh, deep criticism of the movie. I cannot stand, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm frankly irritated at how they treated the Warriors three. I mean, they yeah. Hella showed up and immediately killed two of them. And, and they had no. I mean, and, and and Hogan was there at the end, and you know he had a bit of a moment where he took a stand against Hella. That was cool, but at the same, but but they just they killed all three of them. Did you mean Heimdall? No, 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 no. I'm talking about Hogan. When when she was killing all those Asgardian warriors. Oh, oh. When she announced, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I, I thought you were talking at the at the end. No, that's why my mind's thinking. No, 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 no. no I'm talking about the Warriors Three. Uh, Fandro and um, Volstag were at the gate expecting Thor uh, when when Hela came through the portal instead, and then she just threw two two knives and immediately killed them. They barely. Fandral didn't say a word the entire film. Volstag said maybe a sentence before he was killed, and 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 Hogan had a moment, of course, right there when when Hela was you know giving everybody an opportunity to bow down or whatever before she killed him, and it's just like and Sif wasn't even the movie, and uh, that was I had that mark to mention yes Sif that was a glaring omission where the hell she is, uh so it's just like they they. Sh- like I get it. Heimdall is a great character, and he's cool. Uh, Idris Elba is a great actor, and so on and so forth. It was cool seeing him. He had great parts. I'm glad he's still around. But to me, as a Thor fan, the Warriors three and Sif are more important than 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 Heimdall. And maybe you could have killed one of them or something, but the, you you just dispatched him. You you did nothing with them. They immediately died. Like this is the Warriors three in Ragnarok, and they just die like a standard Asgardian, you know, century. The hell! I mean, that really bothered me. So. Yeah, I mean, they obviously played fast and loose with the whole Ragnarok prophecy of what it was really supposed to be, at least based on Norse mythology. Yeah, the, what it's supposed the, to be. the Twilight of the Gods, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like. I mean, it was cool having Fenris Wolf. I they didn't have the Midgard Serpent. Mm-hmm. Of course, they should have had Odin. Technically, should have been alive. Yep. For Ragnarok. But the thing that's always annoyed me about all these movies, and it's a minor annoyance, but I, but in a way, I'm a bigger fan of Norse mythology than I was even of reading Thor as a comic as a kid, though I did both. You know, Balder. Where the hell is Balder? Balder is Balder supposed is to be like, a huge part of the original story. Of Ragnarok. Yes. But, but, but as a god himself, We've never Balder seen him. No, Balder has never been, certainly he's never been a named, a named character in any of the three movies, and based on the actual prophecy of Ragnarok, his death is supposed to be the trigger for bringing, you know, that's when you know Ragnarok is coming, when, Bal- when Balder dies. Mm-hmm. So it's so that part has always bothered me, even from the first movies, like Balder is a lot more relevant than some of the other characters that they that they've introduced in, in, into the movie, and he's not, and he hasn't, and he wasn't there. And Enchantress, where the hell is she? 
Yeah, that's that, yeah. I know that at one point people thought she was going to be in this movie before it became clear that Blanchett was going to be hella. And we've seen it. We've, we've seen it in two fleeting instances. I can't remember the specific name, but remember the tree in Asgard where all the 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 gods eat the the golden apples or whatever, and they stay young. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we've seen it. Um, we saw it in a very fleeting instance in Thor: The Dark World. And we see it again here in this movie, but it's never focused on for more than half a second, like while a camera is panning. That's that's there too, but like you're, you know, between the two, if I could if I could have one person mentioned, it would have been really cool to see Enchantress. But I mean, for real, Balder should be somewhere in this. Real. Yeah, they kind of. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, no. They kind of. They played fast and loose, obviously, with the execution or two, which I don't know if that was if that was better or for worse. Um, Hulk was obviously very cool. Uh, the new Hulk is a good is definitely is definitely an improvement. I think it's you can explain it logically. I mean, you can explain it that he's be smarter and more as eloquent as the Hulk gets because of the fact that he, we know that he's been he's been the Hulk for like two years. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So probably the longer he stays the Hulk, probably in a, even though he may not realize it, even though it may not feel that way to Banner, maybe he is kind of absorbing a little bit more of Banner's personality, even though Banner kind of almost described it like a parallax kind of way where he was trapped inside. But the Hulk was, the Hulk was a big plus. Uh, of course, Loki's always funny. Tom Hiddleston's always great as Loki. And he had some really good moments in the in the – Arena on Sakaar with Hulk and Thor. <laughs> That's what I, that feels I, I, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like the yes. Just when, 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 when Hulk literally does the same exact thing to Thor that he did to Loki at the end of the first Avengers, grabs him by his feet and is slamming him up back into the ground. That was really funny, and then Loki's reaction was great. And also, the, and from a as, from a humor perspective, something that I think does is kind of funny and really works is just the way it's constantly throughout the movie how Thor's talking to Hulk, trying to do the Black Widow thing about <laughs> trying trying to do the trying to do the Natasha line about it. It's, you know, sounds getting real low. Late. Yeah, it's getting really low, and it's like touching his hand and everything. It's like, we stop saying that. <laughs> That that was, and it's even funnier in the arena when it actually looks like it's starting to work for a second, which is bef- right before the Hulk grabs him by the ankles and starts slamming him to, into the ground. So the Hulk Thor dynamic is really funny and hopefully and, and good to have that kind of relationship, and hopefully that will con- hopefully that will continue. And certainly from what we've heard, the character development in both those characters and and or their relationship is supposed to be going forward into the, Aven- the next two Avengers movies, which probably gives even more credence to the fact that some of the stuff that they're filming now are flashback scenes when you're seeing Thor back in his old armor with the long hair and Tony wearing the Black Sabbath shirt or whatever. And those are probably all flashback scenes or things related or and or alternate timelines, depending how everything plays out, related to the first movie. Because obviously – and one of the things, obviously, from a spoiler perspective – which they did a good job, is that when we saw some of those scenes of Thor fighting Hela towards the end, of the, which you assumed was towards the end of the movie, when his eyes were glowing blue and everything, that obviously we know that Thor obviously isn't going to look the same even if he grows his hair back out because he's missing an eye now. <laughs> which is also part of the original Ragnarok story, at least in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, Th- real... Thor, Thor gets rid of both of his eyes to learn the truth about Ragnarok, that it's an endless cycle of birth and rebirth. Uh, birth, birth, uh, death and rebirth. Death and rebirth. Yes. He actually he physically pulls out both of his eyes. Um, 
another c- cool things things is of course the the Planet Hulk aspects uh, where you get like uh, Korg and Meek. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I love Korg. Kind of annoyed me for a bit, but then it, he he quickly grew on me. Like you know when he shows up toward in Asgard, it's like, hey man, we're gonna go ride on the spaceship. <laughs> We get out of here, <laughs> and, then, and then like when Loki shows up as, and you know Thor's like throwing rocks at him, <laughs> and then when Loki finally goes away, you see Korg run in and like get out of here, you stupid ghost, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, man, get out of here. <laughs> that I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and, 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 and since the voice doesn't match the character's look, it makes it even funnier. Oh, you know who that was, right? Uh, uh, Ty- that that was the director, Taika Waititi or whatever. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It did. And uh, I I love it too, especially at the end when he's holding holding Meek's body. He's like, Thor's like, what do you think, Meek? And he's like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which of course he was. No, he was. I love it. I'm just carrying around his body. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, I love that Sutor was voiced by Clancy Brown. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was that that was that was pretty cool. I, I, the, I yeah, I think I wish there were a little more of the cla- of the pure Norse mythology aspect yeah. of Ragnarok in the movie. Uh, like I said, the, the most we got really was Fenris Wolf, and that shouldn't have been obviously the Hulk wouldn't have had anything to do with it. But but the Hulk taking him on taking him <laughs> on was pretty cool. I'm sure it just reminds me of the scene <laughs> where. So, so the Valkyrie, he, you know, he goes up to Valkyrie as she's shooting uh, all the people down on the bridge, uh, Hela's armies or whatever. He's like, "You wanted to know who I am? Just watch." Yeah, and he jumps, he that, yeah. jumps out of, he, he jumps out of the ship, and you think, you know, you're gonna get like an Avengers point where you know, like the big space whale or whatever's coming. He's like, "I'm always angry," and immediately transforms and punches the thing or whatever. But you see this big wolf charging down. Down the Rainbow Bridge towards Thor and everybody, and, and then you see Banner's little body just hit the ground, <laughs> just bounce. <laughs> now, of course, you know Hulk wakes up and transforms after that. But I thought it was yeah, hilarious which, which, to which, see Banner, yeah, which works because he because gra- he grabs him from behind as he's moving in a thing and Heimdall and people, and he does and he kind of like stops him and his, stops him in, in his tracks. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, um. It was a good low. Not that any Loki movie is, you know, that he's in is is a bad movie, but he was really good in this movie. I mean, obviously, I think the end of the movie, uh, based on that first credit scene, is supposed to imply, which is something we would have suspected anyway, which was he couldn't resist taking the tesseract out of the trophy room before before Asgard got blown. Oh yeah, and like when Hell is walking through and she sees the, you because know, remember there's supposed to be two gauntlets in the yeah, and, that the, was the she, we and, given, and then she and then she knocks it over. It's like fake. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> even though she, even though she does walk by and acknowledge that the tesseract at least had potential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so we, it's probably safe to say that Loki, Loki steals the tesseract out of the out of Odin's trophy room, and that's why that ship, which is supposedly Thanos' flagship, stops them. So because that might very, if it's not the first Infinity Stone he collects, it's going to be one of the early ones probably. I'm going to, I'm going to assume. It's the second one he gets. I'm going to assume that he's already been over to wherever the Nova planet is to collect the... Uh... Oh, the one they were holding? Yeah. Because, be. because I mean, then the a... whole damn movie is going to be him... Uh, you know, the first scene, he grabs the 
the cosmic cube from Loki, and then the next scene he goes over to the Nova planet, and then the next thing he goes over here and gets the uh, Aether from the Collector, and like I mean, just no. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he has at least one already. I mean, it would make sense, especially since unfortunately, you know, how many how many are well, one we don't one we don't have no idea where it is yet. We haven't seen that. Well, uh, the mind is that the, the mind stone is in in Vision. The uh, Time Stone is the Eye of Agamotto. Right. The Space Stone is the Cosmic Cube. Uh, the Aether is, is the. No, I think I think the one we saw in Guardians is the Power Stone. That's power, but there's one there's one we haven't seen yet, and I'm trying to remember is that it's the Soul, right? The Soul Gem is the one we haven't seen, I think. Uh, that's true. That might be that might have something to do with Adam Warlock. Yeah, but Warlock's not supposed to be. Yeah, that's true. Not yet. He won't be, but yeah. he's not supposed to be in either of the Avengers movies. But I'm just trying to figure out. But well, if, I mean, if it it's anywhere, s- it's going to be in Black Panther. It could be because that would also justify him coming to Earth because we have friggin' three Infinity Stones. Yeah, I, that's the only place it could be, unless they introduce it somewhere in within Infinity War, which I. Don't oh, I, I, would, I was kind of assuming it would be. I mean, it's possible we'll see it in Black, but I, I don't know. I don't. I, I think it's more likely to be the, that that will be the mist. I mean, because it would make it better. It, it, it would make it would also make sense if it's in Wakanda, just because of why else would Wakanda like other than them hiding their culture and their resources? What is another good reason for them to hide themselves from the world? An Infinity Stone. If they're ancient guardians of an Infinity Stone, you know. That could be a good reason. Yeah, it could be. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was it was good. I I am looking forward to seeing how it all how it all plays out. I'd be curious to see what 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 is the deal. Like, does, does Loki kind of make a deal with make a deal with Thanos? He gives him back. He gives him the Tesseract, and then he's allowed to take you know the, the Asgardians to Earth or whatever, or 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 to take or he can. Or he's just allowed to go on his way wherever he's going to go. It's knowing that Thanos is on his way to Earth, looking for a different place now, since that's not the best location to go to. Uh, that's probably why you know Thor probably sure stands in his way, which is why he ends up floating in space and smashes into the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's that's to be determined. It was I enjoyed it. It was it was a pretty fast moving movie. I thought that was a plus. I thought. Hemsworth was really good. I think he really seemed to be enjoying the the more co- comedic or playing you know fast and loose with Thor. So I th- and not just because of how he's what he's said in interviews since, but just watching him on screen, he seems to really be enjoying playing the role this time around. So I I think it was good. I I enjoy it. I was it certainly was more enjoyable than I mean I liked it more than Guardians too. And I'm trying to think, and it's certainly, yeah, I, I think it's the best Thor movie and certainly raises the bar a lot, it, whether there's going to be any more Thor, Thor movies or not, it raises the bar and certainly helps uh, maybe distances that him from uh, Iron Man now being like the worst of the single Avenger franchises since other than Iron Man 1, both Iron Man 2 and 3 were not good. Uh, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh I don't know. If, I don't think there's. I don't know if there's anything. Oh, well, one thing. I, the unhappy ending was kind of cool as far as what happened with Asgard because mm-hmm. it did kind of surprise you. It kind of reminded me. It kind of reminded me of Terminator Three, 
where the whole basically at the end of the day that their role was not to defeat the 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 enemy it was to survive it uh-huh. survive the event so I think that was because again just like in Terminator 3 which nobody probably expected that kind of ending the same thing with here I think everybody would naturally have expected Thor would have found a way to save Asgard yeah I don't know if I like the Odin being like the kind of like the the Yoda Obi Wan voice in his ear whenever he needs, or Mickey from the Rocky series whenever he needs a pick me up that he's giving him a. Although uh, although I do like the I do like the line, "Are you the god of hammers?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I guess is, which was also a surprise that we kind of I guess we probably would have suspected the hammer would have been put back together. Yeah. Which oh, yeah. which the pieces are essentially left in Norway, so yeah, it's gonna. Ha- I mean, it would be absolutely stunning if by the if at some point during Avengers three into four that his his hammer isn't put back together, uh, if for no other reason because we might freaking cap to pick it up. But <laughs> well, you know what I would prefer honestly is if he somehow is given or uses Stormbreaker, and then later on. Mjolnir is rebuilt and given to him, and at that point is that's when you, at some point in that process, you're introduced to Beta Ray Bill, and when he gets Mjolnir back, he gives Stormbreaker to Beta Ray Bill, because Beta Ray Bill was would have been fantastic to have in this movie. I mean, he would have fit so well. Well, supposedly, if you look if you look at the if you look at the faces sculpted of of their champions, supposedly one of them was is Beta Ray Bill. Mm-hmm. Because in the yeah. in the original Planet of the Hulk, Planet Hulk, it was um, Silver Surfer. In the yes. animated movie, they edited that to make they they changed that to make it Beta Ray Bill instead. Um, and I've always loved Beta Ray Bill. You know, Thor the Thor franchise is a weak point for me in terms of Marvel. Not necessarily just in terms of pure knowledge, but also because there are things I will forgive the Thor franchise for that other people don't. Like, for instance, Thunderstrike. <laughs> like, I love Thunderstrike as a concept. <laughs> and it's a purely 90s thing. But still, it doesn't matter to me. But anyway, I, I, I divulge. We, we, this episode has gone on so long, but like, I, I adore Thor. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, as we were talking about it, I literally grabbed my Thor Straczynski omnibus off the shelf, took the slipcase off, and placed it on my bed so I can start reading it <laughs> again. So, yeah, it was it was a good way to get hyped up for uh, Infinity War. Yes, I mean I am I am looking forward to Black Panther. I do have a little bit of again, unless they are going to do a. Another Infinity Stone reveal. I'm a little concerned that that's not exactly the the drumbeat to Infinity War. That the, the, the most natural movie before it. But then again, we don't know what's in it, so maybe it will fit. But it seems like a different kind of movie. Certainly a different kind of movie than Thor. Not just tone wise, just in guard like in Guardians 2. But it just I don't know if it just naturally fits as a movie right before the last Marvel movie before Infinity War. But we'll see. But I am looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully we'll frigging ho- hopefully they'll get that Infinity War trailer done soon. It's still for Star Wars, I bet. I was gonna say it would still be stunning if they didn't have it for Star Wars because that that's a missed opportunity of a lifetime. And you can't tell me they can't put a decent Infinity trailer together because since it's been almost six months in San Diego, for God's sake, and we know they had footage then, so they don't, it's not like they even have to use that much new footage. So I, yeah, we'll we'll see. But I I I'm looking forward to that. It is. And 
Yeah, I think it think I don't. And it certainly raises the bar for Justice League, not just from a, a critical per, re, perspective, but also from a financial perspective. Since Thor racked up about 122 million dollars in his opening weekend, so now if you know if for some reason the Justice League doesn't at least do doesn't do at least BVS money in its opening weekend, if it does closer to Thor Ragnarok money, then that's still not going to be great considering. It's the Justice League, you know. It's the friggin' Justice League. That movie should make more money than a Thor movie any day of the week. But if it doesn't, we will see. Yeah. Uh, and no reviews yet. No reviews yet for Justice League, which is probably not a good sign. That movie comes out ne- next week, as we're recording this, but next Thursday. So if there's if there's no reviews by Monday, if the embargo doesn't get lifted, let's say by Monday into Tuesday, where the first reviews are coming out. That's probably not a good sign, at least from a, from a critically, uh, just from a critical point of view, from the critics' perspective. That, because let's be honest, Wonder Woman reviews were out early. Friggin' Thor rev- <laughs> Thor reviews were out like th- almost like three weeks in advance. <laughs> so if it, so if it gets if you're only like three or four days out and you haven't had many or any reviews out yet, that probably means the reviews are not going to be good. But, All right, guys, that is episode three hundred. So before we go, we probably should pat ourselves on the back because with all everything we've been doing in like five hours of recording, you and I haven't had any, haven't even had like two minutes to talk about what it's been. <laughs> our our perspective, uh, at least on like the last four years, because this is also our four year anniversary. Besides the three hundredth, this is the this is a multitude of celebrations from the perspective that this is the three hundredth proper episode. This is the ninth anniversary of the Lantern Cast, and it's the fourth anniversary for Chad and I. So we probably should at least mention that for a second or two. So it's been a, it's from my perspective, it's been doesn't seem like it's been that long. We've laughed, a, we've cried, we've shat our pants. <laughs> well, one of us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've laughed, we've cried, we've kissed like about three hundred hours goodbye. <laughs> uh, we it's been a good run. We've worked well together. You know, we've covered a lot of cool stuff. We we and we think we thank in quotes Jim and Dan this all the time that we haven't exactly been we have we have we had to we've had to shepherd the franchise or the brand through not exactly the the, the zenith of Green Lantern lore right now <laughs> this is not the best time to be doing a Green Lantern podcast other than the fact that there's a lot of material because the books are biweekly uh which won't last I I can't imagine that lasting more than that much longer but i think we've done a good job i think i think we've also covered a lot of things that we both want to do which is good and yeah i look i certainly look forward to next year when we're doing when it's the big five for us and the big 10 for the show uh and uh you know yeah I, i echo all that mark said you know i think uh looking forward i one thing i'd like to see in the coming year between now and uh and uh, the 10-year anniversary is, I've been thinking a lot, I'd like to do more interviews. Um, that I mentioned earlier in the episode, the thing with Alan Bellman, that Golden Age creator, it just really harped on me, like, you know, that I could have had an opportunity to speak with a, a Golden Age creator. And I just thought, well, what the hell? You know, I have so many opportunities that why do I have to wait for them to be in town? I'd like to just do more interviews in the coming uh, in the coming year. So hopefully we'll uh, have more creator interviews and and get those people. Uh, 
I hate to say under our belt because it sounds like we're collecting them instead of, you know, just having a conversation with them and respecting them for their work. But for lack of a better term, get those under our belt so that we can, you know, have have that um, have that archived information, you know, at our disposal so that we can have that for the fans to reference, um, regardless of whether that creator makes it to town or, you know, we Let's just be honest. I'm not. I don't want to name any names because it sounds like I'm creating a death list. But you know, some of these creators may not be around much longer. So it would be nice to get them on mic and and talk to them while we still can. So that's one of my goals in the coming year is to to do more interviews. What do you what do you have a, a like a an idea of what you want to see in the coming year, Mark? Um, I mean, more interviews would be cool. I know it means – I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything to me because it does. I know it means it's more of a passion for you so that I can understand why that's something that you want to make it more of a goal. So I can understand that. Uh, I'm just – I would like – personally, I would like to do – I mean, we there are a bunch of story – we've done some of them, but there's still a few storylines that we've talked about, special issues that we haven't arced, we haven't covered – that I want to make, I'd like to definitely do them in, in year five for us. I do think, I also, I also would like to do a little more, and the material may lead, lead us to this or not naturally. I would like to do a little more episodes that we do when we don't necessarily talk much about Green Lantern, not because it's not a Green Lantern podcast, just doing like, like Jim, like Jim and Dan mentioned them, like our movie episodes, which I really enjoy. Uh, I don't know if you enjoy them as much as I do. I know you enjoy them, but I like stuff. I even even commentary tracks on stuff that maybe not be, maybe a little off the beaten path. Whether it's just a Marvel movie or you know maybe like you know whether it's Thor when it comes out on Blu-ray or something like that. Just doing a comment just because commentary tracks are fun and plus you know it's like especially if you, especially if you haven't watched the movie again since uh like since you first saw it that it's kind of cool to sit down and watch. So I don't know. I I don't know if I have any major, off the top of my head. That's what I would I would I would like, from the, from a Green Lantern perspective, I would like to hope that we're gonna get a, 2018 will give us a more consistent stories and stories that we like. Hmm. So that so that that's that's a that's a wish list, and you know there's things that I want to see happen in the books. But I mean, but other than that, I think that's kind of that's probably I guess how I would answer that. For sure. And that, no better place to leave it than that, guys, is looking forward to the future. Uh, so before Mark gives us the closing information uh, for this episode, one last time, next episode you will hear will be uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow number 14. Uh, the uh, Lanterncast presents Green Lantern, Green Arrow number 14, in which we cover Green Lantern, Green Arrow number 85 and 86, also known as Snowbirds Don't Fly, where the famous story arc where uh, Green Arrow and Green Lantern find Speedy shooting up heroin. Uh, and we have uh, special guests Mark Marble and uh, <laughs> and Ryan Daly. So it's almost like so it's almost like I'm not on vacation. <laughs> That's right. And Ryan Daly on for that episode. Uh, I tried to make that as informative and research heavy as I could, and uh, hopefully that turns out to be the promise I thought. But I don't want it to overshadow this episode, so I just wanted to let you guys know it's coming next, so that if you haven't finished 300 by the time the next episode releases. You at least know what's coming, so you know if you want to finish 300 or pause 300 and listen to that one and then finish 300 later or whatever you want to do. We just wanted to give you a good heads up so 
you can plan your listening accordingly since this is such a mammoth episode. We, we strongly suggest you take three days off to listen to this episode. <laughs> but, of course, by the time you hear this, you're, you'll be at the end. So so this plea is kind of pointless. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but if you're one of those who, like, flips to the back back page of the comic to see how it ends first, well, now you know. <laughs> take a few days off. It's going gonna, it's, it's to take some time. Before I do the closing, because did, I did mention this, and I wanted to do it in, like, ev- almost every segment we've done so far, but I've... I want to give, just give that fi- that one shout out to Michael Burke and his underworld and beyond uh, for his, all his the rings that he makes because I from you've seen some of them with my one of the uh, Facebook ex- uh, Facebook exclusive ring cyclopedia episodes which there'll be another one because I have two more rings so uh, I think we put the I when I did that review I'm pretty sure I put the link to his Etsy store I'll try to do that again the only bad thing timing wise about this. Is that he's he's the good news is he's got a 3D printer now, so a lot of the rings in 2018 are probably going to be fancier and they're going to be there's going to be more metal versions and combination of metal and and things like that. And LED. Is all, yes, the bad news is a lot of the a lot of the hand carved rings, like the ones that I first showed in that original review, that he's winding down with those. So they're pro, even by the time this comes out, most of those rings of the spectrum may not even may not be available anymore. I think the keychains probably will be for a while because he's going to be. He, I think he just released those, so still it'll be worth checking out his site and just see the kind of work that he does. And there'll be some really cool rings to look forward to in 2018. So I wanted to plug that because he's a nice guy and, and he does good work. And I wanted to do that earlier in the episode, but it never worked out. So even though it's pretty, the one good thing is I can t- I can tell him, hey, just listen to the last. If if you don't want to listen to the previous six hours, listen to the last ten minutes. <laughs> But okay, now now I can finally close this out. If you're still alive after listening to this episode, lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to locate us on both iTunes and Stitcher. We are on both. Wherever you listen to us, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, voicemail, which you've heard a few people take advantage of today, 708 Lantern. So call 708 Lantern and let us know what you think about this episode and what you want to see in future episodes and just general thoughts on Green Lantern. All right. Thanks for listening, guys, and here's to 100 more. If we make it. <laughs> we'll make it. I, I, the show, one way or the other, we know that we know the show will go, uh, I feel like breaking into Celine Dion, the show will go <laughs> So the show will go on one way or the other, but I'm only kidding. I'm sure Chad and I are going to be here for quite some time, and we're actually looking forward to getting five years because then the show, even if it's a little pat on the back for ourselves, we know that the show will, even though it will never be quite ours as much as Jim and Dan's, from a time perspective, at least we would have been on board as long. You will technically be on board longer, but just as a team. Our team would have been as on as long as, as their team. So. For sure, and uh, we got big plans for this year. And believe it or not, we do already have massive plans in in, in the works for year five. <laughs> well, would that be year six then? You know what I'm talking. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not entirely sure at this point that I do because now I'm getting confused. The the the, <laughs> the other ten year anniversary. Oh yes 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 yes, yes. you are correct you are correct now yes in in your time frames were absolutely. You are correct, yeah. based on that, yes. 
double, yeah, double, double ten year anniversaries. Yes. So we we have big we have big plans and are looking forward to both. So Ch- so Chad and I will probably at least be signed up for a, a two year contract extension after this. <laughs> That's right. We have big plans for our our ten year, and then the next year. Is another ten year, and uh, that's all we're gonna give you. Ten years. That's all we and have to say about that. Ten years, and it's Green Lantern related. So good luck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, guys, thanks for uh, listening, and we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>